I have a very serious question for you all. What's your favorite scary movie? Brandon? Oh, <laughs> I was confused. I was like, wait, are we going to go one at a time? <laughs> what is it, Brandon? I think it's actually Halloween 2018. Okay, very modest, good reboot. De de nicely done. Sparks, what's your favorite scary movie? Not really sure. We actually had this conversation recently. I'm not 100% what my favorite is, but Scream and Scream 2 are definitely high up there. Gun to my head, it's probably Halloween, the original. Um, it's not going to be a gun to your head in a few minutes. Maybe mm. It Follows also. It Follows is real good. It's a good one. What Follows? Oh, Ben, yeah. I can't follow. <laughs> ben, I gotta make you watch that movie. Holy shit, you will have a bad time. I was trying to do a who's on first, what's on second sort of situation. So, okay, Ryan, what's your favorite scary Quickly movie? devolved into scary movie. I'm uh, not doing this. I'm not finishing with this voice until we get through all your favorite scary movies. Depending on the day, either John Carpenter's The Thing or Hereditary. Excellent choices. Yeah, I know. I have seen neither one of those films. And yeah, I, I know. Reviewed. We got a bunch of uncultured people here. It's okay. You know? Damn. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, I, I am uncultured. Anyways, welcome to episode 313 of the Fake Nerd Podcast, where, of course, we were reviewing Scream 1 and 2, films that I have never seen, films that these guys definitely have seen, because we are getting ready for Scream 6, or as we like to call it here on the show, Screevy. Or Screevy, or Vi, or I don't know. However, I don't know the the I or the E. But of course, we have Brandon Sparks and Ryan, and I am Ben Bagman, and my favorite scary movie is Halloween, the original. And you've seen like seven horror movies. Halloween, Halloween, which is a good movie. Right? Original. Oh, original? Ben, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I would say followed closely by Alien. Also. Hell yeah! That's a, that's you know good. what? Excellent choice. Excellent choice. It's a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to consider wait, real quickly. Would you guys consider Aliens a horror movie? It's an action I, horror, right? No, it's I, a I, would, yeah. I consider thriller. that more of an action movie than anything. I would, I would call it action thriller. There are moments of like suspense and terror and everything, but I would put it more in the when you're genre killing than... aliens, it's no longer scary. This is this is just See, like if we if 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 we did consider it a horror, that would be my favorite horror. Mm, sure mm. yeah I, I i think it's just a little too far outside of the genre does that movie scare you no i wasn't saying but just no, no, the movie no i know i'm asking like i that's why like i wouldn't even i don't consider it a horror movie so like, like there's like, like one solid i think genuinely scary sequence is in it? aliens i it's been too long yeah can't think of this specifically get away from me you bitch i just thought of one it's it's pretty much the part where you think newt's gonna get it they must have come out at night. Yeah. Oh, and, and when she's in the sewer? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good sequence. It's a really good that's movie. That's pretty spooky. It's pretty spooky. I quite like that movie. I just thought about what my... I just had oh, a flash and... of a horror movie where I was just like, you know what? Oh, shit! It's Evil Dead. And the one where, where she's trapped in the room with the, the face hugger. That's you can't figure good. out where it is. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good it's sequence. pretty suspenseful. Yeah, that's a good scene. Anyway, right. if you want to hear us talk more about the Alien franchise, we did that, so... Go, oh, we, go somewhere else. We sure yeah, did. Yeah. Years ago. We've done Alien. We've done Predator. We've done many. We've done many uh, uh, franchise uh, discussions. Um, a lot of them have been specials. Some of them we fit into episodes. Uh, we one time fit. I think we did Terminator as an episode. We did. That was a mistake. <laughs> that was that, that was, was a, that was early days of us yeah. learning. <laughs> 
Um, but we are going, so, so as we have learned, there are so many franchise movies coming out that we are so excited for, and we want to, we want specifically Ben to experience most of them. Um, because I think he hasn't seen any of them with the exception of Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, that's fair. So, so we're going to go through them and we decided to piecemeal them. So we are going this week, Scream 1 and 2, and next week will be Scream 3 and 4. Woo! And it was uh, a pause. Because Marvel, Marvel shows up for a bit. Yeah. And, and then a Marvel movie happens. Yeah. And we'll do Scream 5. Scream 5 will probably be a, um, um, a, a special. Outside of the regular. Little, yeah. Outside of the regular podcast episode. Cherry on top. We just got too much going on. Yes. And yeah. so, but but they will be available uh, all together on the audio feed, all together on the YouTube channel. You'll be able to find them very easily. Uh, should you want to just, just have those episodes available to you, you will have them. Man, that's a great point, Brandon. Do you think that possibly there are some other points you should bring up, like links? Oh my goodness, Sparks! <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of the network, there are plenty of there are plenty of links in the description below, such as our fake nerds watch new audio channel. I talked about it last week. We this. I'm going to talk about it again this week. Uh, the audio channel for fake nerds watch is still linked below. You can go subscribe to that because hey, who, who you watch fake nerds watch now? You can listen to fake nerds watch um and what can you listen to the last of us episode three yeah a lot uh, of people talking about it you should listen to us talk about it uh which is available in audio and video format linked below yes um as well as there was something i wanted to say about that oh uh but real quickly the audio feed uh the fitness watch audio feed is um so if you guys remember last year i believe i did a fake nerd uh family page on the website where you can where you where link to all the shows that we've done um the audio feed for fake nerds watch is now available there as well so plenty of places where you can find that um if you want to subscribe to it you can you can perfect um as well as base market pause menu uh the q4 for 2022 episode is up now both audio and video you guys recorded that one you have anything you want to say about that Yes, it's the fourth quarter of 2022. We recorded it late because of scheduling, and then it came out later because of technical issues. But it's here, and it's fixed. It's great. We still talk about a bunch of great games. So uh, yeah, we do. Go check that out. Yeah, totally. Check it out. Uh, so that's linked below if you guys want to check that out. Um, uh, I have a lot of links in the description. Um, just personal links if you guys want to check those out. Um, I have nothing from the network this week, which is fine. Um, the... Uh, my first article for CBR is linked below. Um, it is currently published under CBR staff. I'm fixing that um, because that's that's not okay. Um, but you can find that linked below. I talk about Star Trek Picard Season 3, some of the things that I'm excited for, some of the things that people should be excited for uh, for Picard Season 3. All the buzz around that season is it's good. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, so you can find that linked below as well as a Gamera article that I put up for kaijuramanmedia.com. As you know, I'm an editor for that website and I also write for them. Um, you can check out my article on speculating what the other four monsters that Gamera is going to go up against in the Gamera Rebirth anime series. For those of you who don't know, the trailer dropped last week and it was like Gamera versus five monsters and they revealed Gauss as one of them. So I speculated who the next four could be, and I, I, I um, really dived deep into some Gamera lore, and that was a lot of fun. I think it turned out pretty good. You can check that out. Linked below. 
Um, real quickly, speaking of Kaiju Ramen, the because this is also part of something that I did, the magazines are out and you can purchase them. The purchase link is below um, for anyone who wants to purchase uh, issues six and seven. I'm in issue six. Um, my Dawn of the Monsters piece is in issue six, and I think it turned out pretty cool. You can see it right here for those of you watching the watching nice. the video. Dawn of the Monsters. It was an, it was an issue late. Uh, due to a printing error, but it is there. So if you guys want to read that, purchase link is down below. Um, it's a lot of cool articles in here. There's a, a Godzilla history of video games in issue eight, which is fascinating. Um, and then I put up my top 15, my top 15 of 2022, my top 10 of 2023 on the blog. That's like below if anyone wants to. I work pretty hard on them. They're really late, so I understand nobody wants to watch, nobody wants to uh, read them, but they're there. Ben. However, has three links in the description. Ben, your DN Dark episode 14. Yes, and thankfully I was just able to fix my microphone because I coughed and my desk moved a hot second and said, your mic was unplugged. I was like, oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh yes, Dean Dark episode 14. This episode is really cool because myself and the party, we fight our doppelgangers. Um, mm. We met a... we came in contact with a really creepy mirror about three or four episodes prior to this. And now we're fighting and it's not fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's not fun for our characters. I have to imagine it would be going better if you still had a good weapon. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I listened to the episode. It's very good. Um, I like the idea of fighting your doppelgangers. It's a lot of fun. Um, so good job on that on that one to the crew and you, Ben. Thank you. And of course, two new episodes of Grace and Live. You were a guest on Grace and Live once again to do your Super Mario World cleanups. Yep, still still going through the Mushroom Kingdom, still trying to get all the stars and the flagpoles that we missed the first time around, and we're almost done. We're getting there. Very cool. So uh, episode thirteen and fourteen are links below, and that's all the links. Whoop! Who wants to go first? Me, I will. It's me, I'll do it. I don't have much to say about the things I did because there's just not a very good reason to, and you'll see why. I played God of War Ragnarok. Not going to say a lot about it here. This isn't a review. I'm playing it. We briefly talk about it on Basement Arcade Quarterly Q4 if you want to hear some of his impressions. That's we do. Go check it out. Yep, on pause menu. Uh, I watched The Last of Us. Not going to say a lot about it here. Go watch Fake Nerds Watch. Um, I have been watching community again and i'm only making a note of it because i finished it uh because my mom was watching it for the first time so i've been watching it in the background with her community's a great show yeah community's a great show i'm excited for the movie that's all six seasons and a movie um i finished cult of the lamb this week i went back and killed the last god the one who i the one who remains what's his name uh, the one who waits. Near, near Demir. No, no, his like, like the one who, the, the one, the one who waits, the one who waits. But then you learn his real name from like the god before, <laughs> which is like near Demir or something. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Cult of the Lamb, great game. I'm really glad that I finally brought it to a conclusion. I actually finished a game in, in recent history. And well, I'm see, pleased. when games aren't 45 hours long, you can. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah, it's true. Um, ooh, okay. I also finished completely catching up on Kaiju number eight. That is 79 chapters. Love it. And it's 
really good. Um, I think that there's an amount of it where it's kind of like, you got some pretty shonen tropes going on, but the monster designs are good, the plot's good, the characters are endearing enough. Uh, the last arc before this current one, one of the background characters started getting developed more, and I think if they keep that trajectory of like bringing some of the people from the background more forward, uh, it's going to be a really well-rounded cast, and I'm I'm still enjoying it. I read all those chapters. Kaiju number eight. It's Love it. it's a hot ticket manga item, y'all. Soon to be an anime. That's because everything true. becomes an anime these days. I, I mean, believe yeah. next year. Yeah, they hope we'll see. <laughs> um, I hope that they, I hope that they space it out the way that it should be, mm -hmm. um, because it can look really cool if they take their time. Um, and then the last thing is because it's kind of related to today, but um, I read Marvel sixteen oh two. The original series. Oh, uh, what, a, what a Neil Gaiman. Uh, on Ryan's recommendation. Also, because I'd been meaning to finish it, I read the first two a long time ago, and then I just didn't because I didn't have access to the rest. Read it. Mm -hmm. um, really like that. That's a great series. I'm really glad I did it. Thank you for telling me I should. I was like, you're right. I should. And I sat down and I did it. Did we not do that for a book club years we ago? Did not we sure did it. Hmm. I also seem to recall doing it as a book club, but I, I, I even looked through the book club just to be sure. Uh, but I usually remember Marvel picks. Yeah, we did. A, I'm sure. I'm Ben. We'll get to the bottom of it. I'm sure we did something with it. We but. will. I'm pretty sure we did. That's why I didn't. I didn't say 1602 because I knew I read it a long time ago. You remember reading it on the on the on, in, for no. the podcast? No. Yeah. Per, cool. I'm sure we probably didn't. Ben and I maybe we just did something together maybe. with it somehow. Probably. Um, anything else, Sparks? Um, the only way I think Marvel 1602 might have been is if it was in the pre all of us reading at once period. Mm, possible, which I maybe. Oh, yeah, so uh, yeah, four, four plus years, yeah, yeah, my memory, yeah, that's true, that's yeah. True. Um, but yeah, no, that's it, lovely, cool. Anyway, uh, Ryan or Ben? No, you can go, no, okay, because I don't always do the same order for everything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't always do the same order uh so yeah um i've been gone for two weeks for i was good was not here last week i was out in the desert visiting family and on that a was horse fun with no name yeah on a horse with no name and that was that was fun it was it was a great it was a nice little getaway uh then i came home and i got sick that was not so fun not 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 the c word though right no no, no not the c word no i think you're fine no, I mean, no, you're not definitely, fine, definitely not definitely not the not the c word but other than that really the main thing i've been doing media wise is i finished sonic prime on netflix so i'm like who finished that i'm behind on legends of vox machina i've been meaning to do that today but i was taking care of some chores but one other piece of media that i've been doing is i've actually been playing the original final fantasy playstation portable port on my playstation vita and I got to say, I know the Pixel remasters are out and the Pixel remasters, they do a great job of remaking how the games looked back in like the 8-bit era while on the NES. That PlayStation Portable port, though, is amazing. It is so fun. The, the sprites are beautifully detailed. The artwork is gorgeous. And I, as I'm playing this, I'm like, I don't think I could ever play the, I mean, I could, but I don't think I would enjoy the original Final Fantasy as much on a different system definitely i probably wouldn't enjoy it as much on the original nintendo even though i do have it on my nes mini but 
Final Fantasy is actually, I've been really enjoying it. I know that it's the first of a thing and people are like, oh yeah, it's the first one. It's very Dungeons and Dragons-y. It's very high fantasy. The plot isn't really anything to write home about. You got a dude who's trying to bring the end of the world, put the four crystals in peril, standard fantasy stuff, but it's it's really fun. It's really fun to go and explore. Sometimes the random battles can be get a bit annoying, but that was early Final Fantasy for you. And it's and the PlayStation Portal port is really well done. They bring a whole bunch of quality of life improvements. Like you can save your game whenever you want. You don't have to go to certain save points. And also they got rid of the spell slots. In the original Final Fantasy, you only had like certain slots for spells. This time it's just like, nope, you get uh, MP, but all the other stuff like level up. When you level up, you could get a good level up or a bad level up. And some stats will go up. Some stats will stay the same. You don't know what's going to happen. And they kept that from the original game in this one. And still, it's it's a great time. And I'm having an absolute blast with it. And, if any, and, and with me playing it, I will definitely say if anyone wants to give the original Final Fantasy a shot, I would say try to find the PlayStation port, the PSP version. That port is really well made and really well done. Cool. And you said you're playing it on the Vita? Yeah, I'm playing on my Vita. That's a that's a, a remarkable little system. That thing yeah. failed, uh, but like it's it's a really good little little system. Yeah. Also, I, I got mine modded. I have my Vita modded, and so I could run a few other emulators on it. And that sucker is low, packed to the brim with a bunch of great games on it. And as I'm playing this, I'm like, man, I'm actually kind of upset that I I didn't dismiss the Vita. But I just wasn't really into the Vita when it came out. I didn't say, oh, no, get that away from me, he, even though I'm still a big PlayStation guy. But I really think Sony kind of, like, they definitely undersold, or not undersold, well, obviously they undersold. They, like, underhanded the Vita maybe just a little bit. Well, I ben, mean, they didn't try as hard as they did with the PS4. Well, I mean, they're completely different systems, but yes. But right. also, like, PS, the Vita had an Uncharted game, and it had a God of War game, and it that did. didn't sell the system. So it's also just a market of people don't want to play God of War on a small screen. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Their whole yeah. the entire Vita experience was mm-hmm. we're bringing we're bringing the couch experience into your hands and like that's not what people want to do. They don't want to play an entire game that that looks like that generally. Like you know like handheld games are not the same as console games. They're not trying to do the same thing. Uh, right. Like that's the whole point of it being being portable. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say those experiences can't exist because again like the the original PSP also had like a God of War and that game it fun. did. Um, but like it was trying to be like the this big experience and it was also expensive when it came out because it was a really good device um yeah, they were asking well, a lot of money for it and well also sony kind of screwed up with the whole in, the internal memory thing too oh doesn't it yeah that like a proprietary had, like memory stick like you had to buy a, there. Yeah, yeah yeah that's why i meant to say proprietary memory you had to buy a sony specific playstation vita memory stick you couldn't just go and buy a regular sim card or anything like that they're they're still like that like the the, the webcam you can only use a ps a playstation webcam that you have to buy uh, uh when you when you can expand your memory inside of your ps5 you will only be able to do it for ps5 with their drives yeah which are infinitely more expensive than than you know uh uh, a pc one you can just grab buy for your xbox that you can just easily do it because it's the same literally the same thing yeah uh but yeah the vita is a really cool system i'm glad i'm glad you're you're enjoying it you know a a little late but like that's still that's yeah it's a big research like the game you know like a a resurgence is always always well even now even nowadays a lot of people or at least uh people on on like retro gaming circles they've been talking about how they've they're upset that they're mad at themselves because the gamecube in 2023 it's hard to find it's pretty expensive but everyone is clamoring to try and grab to pick up gamecube games whereas when it came out back in 2001 
those exact same people were saying the system wasn't that good. Yeah. I mean, that's, now it, you know, people are different, you know, 20 years ago, like your taste oh, yeah. changed, like, you know, you, oh, sometimes yeah. you just don't know what you got until it's gone. Oh no. Same with, uh, same with Sega, the Sega Saturn. That is a hot ticket item that those systems, they're hard to find. They're stupid expensive and the games are even stupid expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Other it's than really that, like a general thing of, we just need a better job of like maintaining video game history. We just mm -hmm. do like piracy should not be the go-to option for actually getting to access. Like I'm not going to say like every video game, there's a lot of video games, but like the majority should have easy, easy ways to find and yeah. get access still today. It's, it's kind of crazy that we're not better about it. Like movies and TV shows, the way that they are should yeah. be about the same. Yeah. I, you mentioned it before. Uh, you mentioned this before sparks, the idea that, you know, there should be like, I believe you said there should be like two consoles. There's the new PlayStation 5, for example, and then there's the backwards compatible to everything console right. uh, that you can play everything. And that that would uh, help be like, hey, this is, you want to keep playing those PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 games? Here you go. And it's yeah, even a if cheaper you console. Right. And like, it can take physical discs, but even if you don't want that, like, to you don't have to manufacture new ones, like, make everything digital, but like, actually dedicate work to it you know we do the same thing with film the movies we're watching today are from 1996 and 1997 and we yeah. watch them on a gorgeous 4k remaster they look like they were filmed yesterday they mm. look so good because they have love and attention put into them and they're kept for you know history one of the biggest video bombs. games need the same treatment i love that we're taking this long on the video game topic but like this will be my final thing on it uh playstation specifically uh, it's harder for them to do backwards compatibility because they often use proprietary stuff on all other systems. Yeah. So like, it's not like Xbox to 360 and Xbox One where it's all the same PC stuff. The PS1 to PS2 is generally the same PS3. They really effed up and they did their own thing. And that's why they're still, it's hard to play some PS3 games on, on like modern systems. That's why they run like shit. That's why the emulations for like the PlayStation Plus stuff doesn't run well because like every time, instead of just doing what everyone else does and uses a PC model, which works, they're like, let's do our own thing. Let's be different. And they're like, you keep failing them. Why do you keep doing this? And now PS5 is just doing that. And it's like, oh, look at that. Beautiful. Now there's stuff um, on PC selling millions of more copies. Like, should have done that from the beginning. I was, uh, I, was I wanted to play um, Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, and as I had it, I, have, I had it on the PlayStation 3. And I was like, you know what? I want to play this game. I can't right now, though. I can buy it digitally, which I'm going to. But like, I can't just put the disc into my PlayStation Five because I don't have my PS3 anymore. And if you had that on the 360, you could plug that right into you, your 360 or your Xbox One or your Xbox Series X. That all work. Or yeah. be like me and have a Wii copy and put it in my Wii, Wii! or my Wii U, I which I still have. <laughs> Ooh, like the whip. Yeah. I think I got my. I think I got my PlayStation Three somewhere. Maybe I'll find it. Who knows? Anyway, I sold mine for a PS4. Ben, anything yeah, else? That, no, that's it. Oh, okay. Ryan, do you want to go next? Let's go. Um, for no reason at all, I read uh, three issues of Creature Commandos. I read Tom King's Supergirl, Moment of Tomorrow. I read three issues of it before, but I stopped picking it up because that was when I was living in Monterey because it came out last year, and I stopped buying comics at that time. Uh, so I finished that. It's great. It's terrific. Uh, Creature Commandos is fun. It's it's uh, uh, the universe of monsters killing Nazis. Uh, couldn't couldn't have a more fun time. Written by J.M. Dave Mateus, great Spider-Man writer, fun stuff. I read a couple issues of The Authority. Uh, the first issue of The Authority, written by Warren Ellis. Uh, the villain is like a really, really offensive, like Fu Manchu stereotype. So like I stopped reading that volume 
even though like it's an old comic, you know, it is what it is, but like also it's Warren Ellis. So I'm like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to read this right now. So I read Grant Morrison's uh, The Authority Run, which is only two issues because as he was writing that, he was also writing Final Crisis and Batman and that took over his life and he left the book and that book got canceled after two issues. They, they, thank you so much. Thank you. They, they uh, uh, got canceled after two issues. And then after that, Mark Millar and Frank Quietly did did a run, and I read one one uh, issue of that to check it out, see how the feel was. Um, we'll talk about all this later. I read uh, one issue of Booster Gold. Uh, yeah, because uh, whatever whatever uh, the DC thing was telling me, hey, these are what we're talking about. I'm like, I'm gonna read all that. Um, I also read Marvel 1602 uh, because I haven't read it in a while, and if I'm reading a sequel book, I wanted to read the original to have a lot more context. Which I, which I also enjoyed that book. There's definitely some early 2000s mild racism stuff going on with Captain America being an Indian man. But, but you know what? I can get over that early 2000s. It, you know, t- time displays Cap. To be fair, because we're not going to really talk about that yeah. in our later book club. They do say like they do acknowledge that like he's not a typical Native American. No, I know and that they and that he their suspicion is that he comes from like the the Vikings coming over and like descending down and being in the That's Americas fair. originally. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like. At least that's there, because when he first shows <laughs> yeah. up, I'm like, what it is It takes this? way too long for him to be a giant white, like, white. and the way he talks specifically, it's very... Yes, that's... that's like, there's... Me, protect. And I'm like, nah. Like, I get it. Like, again, early, early... Neil Gaiman wrote that book, so, like, you know, uh, it, it wasn't out of malice or anything. It's just, you know, a different time, you know, being ignorant and stuff. Uh, uh, not in a negative way. Uh, just not knowing. Um, so, yeah, that book's great. Um, I watched... Batman and Superman uh, Battle of the Super Sons. Uh, that's a fun time. Like, it, it didn't knock my socks off or anything, but it was a really good time. Love seeing those characters. Uh, uh, Damien and John Kent specifically, they're, the two leads are really good. And that's what's important. Um, and then I bought, uh, because I have a little extra money, because all I do is work and do nothing else, uh, and I bought a VR headset, and I've been playing a VR headset for the last couple of days. Uh, and that's just phenomenal. So much fun. Uh, so much Star Wars shit. I can't even. I can't even explain how many lightsabers I have. The dark saber blows my mind every time I wield it. Um, love it. Uh, I will jump in on Ryan's week because I know he also did this, and uh, I decided I do want to say more about it because we both watched The Last of Us. And here's the thing: I'm going to say, guys, you got to start watching the they're show. They're not going to start watching. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, after the hype of this week, didn't get them yet. Then they're not going. There's no way. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta. You, you don't want to miss this boat. I want to. I'm trying to get. I'm. I'm trying a futile attempt to get Zara through Star Trek: The Next Generation to watch Picard with me. Yeah, sure. Wait, all I, of Next Generation? She's got a season left. I think we can do it. Sure. Okay. Okay. Three episodes. I get it. I get I it. Three episodes. You, you're gonna want to get on this train. Ben, I know. I, I, we. Gonna, we she she and I. Get on this train. Okay. She and I both really want to watch it, so we'll probably do it sometime, maybe this week or next. I'm just saying, you guys don't want to get too left a year behind. From... You guys hmm. don't want to get That's a last to, of us uh, a year from now where we're doing the tops and we're throwing Last of Us into a lot of the conversation. You guys are like, ooh. <laughs> nah, see, it's not tied. To, no, it's not a. a it's, it's it's just it's just outside our wheelhouse, but they'll get to it, I believe. Um, mm, I was gonna say something about that. That's fine. Uh. Anything else, or should I go? Any audience members who aren't watching also should should jump in. You should be watching The Last of Us. I'm not saying it's the greatest show on TV, but it's a good one, and you should treat yourself. 
almost 7 million people last episode. It just continues to grow every week, which is, again, staggering for a video game adaptation. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I recall, I was going, I, so I started watching Superman, the Super Sons movie, mm -hmm. uh, when it first came out months ago now, I think. And I got halfway, and then I stopped watching it. And for some reason, I just never went back. I should really do that. I mean, like, it's it's good. Oh, definitely the first second half is considerably better, I think. I think the yeah. second half was, like, all the good action stuff is. Um, so, like, I think it's worth watching. Because then, like, the Star Wars stuff's really fun. Really fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I did. I only got three things to talk about. Um, I went to see Mithrigan. Um, I'm not going to say much about that one. I will only say I really liked it. I thought it was uh, really solid. Um got a uh acting is great really really enjoyed it i'm kind of underselling it but i yeah. but i really enjoyed it great i'm happy to hear that we really gotta see it it's on vod yeah i went to see missing um a couple of years ago i talked about searching which <clears> is the first <throat> film these guys did um with john cho i i was saying that praises for a long time i really like that movie and i'm happy to say that missing just as good um really excellent thriller um storm reed i believe is the actor's name yeah. um is great in it i think that it's i think that it plays with the formula a bit more than searching does because they have more money and they can it's incredibly surprising how compelling they can make just looking at a com computer screen which is basically all you're doing the movie is just a computer screen with uh with things going in and out and you know zooming in like that and it, it's very compelling and it's very very good um one of great thriller highly recommend watching it nice i'm really happy to hear that man i'm i'm apparently they're making a third film and i'll be i'll man I'll, i don't think i'll wait that long i think i'll see that one day day out because like they're two for two searching missing it's a crossover search search missing no i'm trying to think what's the third word what's searching missing lost lost mm, that's mm. gotta be an ing yeah Losting. 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 That's it. We did it. Over shop. We'll think about it. Um, seeking. Seeking. Oh, Destiny. seeking. There is a there is a fun connection to uh, searching in this movie. So if you watch one or the other, they're not explicitly linked. There's just fun little nods to the to to searching where you can be like, oh right, I remember that from searching. Love it. Um, highly recommend. And then I finished Ted Lasso. Um, guys, believe the hype. Ted Lasso is a wonderful show. It's incredibly funny. It's super charming. Jason Sudeikis is wonderful. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there was a Christmas episode, which we watched actually last week, um, which might might be the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. Um, it's just a delightful show that feels very much in the vein of Paddington, of just kind of like a warm blanket comedy that just wraps around and sometimes punches you in the gut with some emotion. Um I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, season three is is coming this year, supposedly, um, and I'm I'm super excited for that season. It'll be the last, but I'm excited. Love it. Love Jason. Jason Sudeikis. And that's it. That's it. That's all I got. Love it. Ruby. Cool. Shall we go into our bread and butter? Let's I say hello to Shouts. Okay, so we got some sad news up top. Melinda Dillon. Mostly known, I believe, probably from Christmas Story, but also Close Encounters of the Third Kind. She's wonderful in that movie as uh, Richard Dreyfuss' his wife, uh, ex-wife. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Um, a Christmas. She was just in A Christmas Story Christmas, 
Uh, she reprised her role as the mother. Uh, she passed away this year at this week at 83. Well, she's in a couple movies that people watch literally every all, year, all the time. She's memor- memorialized. A yeah. Christmas, a Christmas story is literally on TBS 24 hours a day on Christmas. Can't escape it. It's I watched half of it with my grandma and grandpa, and it was awful. It's, it's a not... perfectly good movie. No, it's a, it's a perfect. Done this no, I know. Yeah. No, I know. But it's a perfect. I haven't watched it in a really long time. No. And I'm watching. I'm like, this is totally serviceable. But watching it at Christmas realize make me realize like people watch this every year, and I'm like, it's not that good. It's not. That good. It's not. Um, and I've still been able to escape it. I'm honestly surprised. Uh, th- we talked about this already when Christmas story, Christmas trailer coming up. But like, I am still surprised that because of that 24-hour marathon that plays on TBS every year that you haven't seen it. At least nope. a clip or something. Anyway. Always seen clips, but i never seen the whole film. Anyway, Lisa Loring, uh, who is the original actress who portrayed Wednesday Adams on The Addams Family in the early days, passed away at 64. Yeah, that's a bummer. Rest in peace. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, lived long enough to see the new show, though, so you know, it's kind of cool. Her legacy is cemented that way. Absolutely, yeah. Iconic character. Okay, uh, some Dexter news for anyone interested. Uh, Dexter New Blood season two has been canceled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they they originally renewed it, but decided to cancel it. And a new series called Young Dexter <laughs> will be developed. Again, I mean, like I I love Dexter until until I didn't like everyone else because it had a bad yeah. last season, and then I didn't watch the new season even though I was really really stoked for it. But also, I didn't hear the best things about it, so that's why I was like not super ready to jump in because I'm like, well, it's not the old show, so like I don't need to watch young <laughs> Sheldon but with a murderer. So I was like... gonna say like to be honest, like if you don't have him in the role, <laughs> the young is Sheldon there even a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is like Dexter growing up like like. That is vital to his thing. Like he grew up with a dad, and Dexter is a serial killer. He's a murderer, but his father helped him hone his quote unquote skills to only go after bad people. <clears throat> so, like his origin is actually really fascinating. So that is a story I don't mind being alive, being being born mm-hmm. into movies or whatever TV shows because like that that actually is compelling. Um, how, how do two killers in the world like who love each other like like man like deal with that? Uh, trying to trying to quell their their demons. Uh, that's very interesting. I wish the show was better. Dexter. Who plays Dexter? Uh, D- Morgan. D- 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 Anthony Seahole. Anthony, Anthony Seahole. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's just gonna, Morgan. He's going to he's going to play young Dexter, but they're going to put bangs on him, so he looks so you know that old that old like flashback scene. You're like, joking, you're, right? You're joking. No, yes, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because like I I only asked because I was that was what I was saying is I, I honestly without a hall in the role I don't know if there's a point. Mm. Well, no, what, it, it, young, young, young Dexter would literally be when he's like 10 years old. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I watched enough of Dexter that I'm like, without Hall playing Dexter, I don't know if I want to watch it. His dad, I forget his name, but his dad uh, is the guy who played Raiden in the Mortal Kombat, the first Mortal Kombat movie. He's like a great character actor. So if he's like the star of it, I'll watch that show because that dude rules. That dude's great. Christopher Lambert? No, he's in the second one. Christopher Lambert is the first Raiden. I don't know. So the so the second Raiden from Mortal Kombat Annihilation is his dad. Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, yes. yes. Long hair Raiden is not him. Yeah. <laughs> not that. <bad>. Not that. <laughs> not not yeah. that one. The, the Raiden with the cool raspy voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. that one. Not that. Um, 
That's cool. That I mean, that's a really good actor. So I yeah. forgot that there was like, God, <laughs> just take a break. <laughs> a lot of that cast was a lot of that cast. Um, Star Wars Visions news. Season two of Star Wars Visions has announced their um their lineup. Who, what the anime, what animation studios are doing what, and the titles. But we don't know the plot line, so you know I have the titles here, but bear bear with me. We don't know what they're about. Mm-hmm. Um, so nine studios will develop uh will develop episodes. They will all drop on May the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, Cartoon Saloon, which is the studio behind Secret of the Kells and Wolf Walkers, of course, many more fantastic Oscar-winning animated movies. Um, no, I actually don't know how many have won Oscars, but they should have. Um, we'll play uh, Screechers. Re- we'll, we'll develop the short Screechers Reach. Uh, Punker Robot, or Punk Robot. Yeah, that's a typo. It's Punk Robot, um, which is an animation studio based in Chile, Santiago. We'll star in, um, not we'll star. I'm so used to saying it that way. Sorry. We'll develop a short called In the Stars. Studio Mirror, a studio I really like. Um, Voltron Legendary Defender, Legend of Korra, Dota Dragon's Blood. It can go on and on. Uh, we'll develop a short called Journey to the Dark Head. Ardman, which is the one that's making a lot of news. Uh, Wallace and Gromit's Ardman. Yeah, this we'll is develop. Wild. Yeah, we'll develop a series, uh, short called I Am Your Mother. Can you imagine Ardman? Star Wars. It's going to be weird. Yeah. We got a Ghibli, so you know, anything's possible these days. That Ghibli short's not very good. I was disappointed in that one. Yeah. Triggerfish, uh, studio behind the upcoming, this show's not out yet, but it's the uh, Kizata Moto Generation Fire Disney Plus show. That's the... um, um. I think the term's Afrofuturism show mm-hmm. um, that the that Disney partnered with the studio to develop. Um, they're developing a short called Aou, Aou's Song. A-A-U. Aou's Song, I think. Okay. Dart Stachio, which is a studio based in Japan who primarily does 2D traditional anime. Um, I didn't recognize what they've done. Uh, can develop a short called The Pit. Studio La Cachette, which is the studio behind Primal, HBO Max's Primal by Gennady Tartakovsky, um, will develop a short called The Spy Dancer. 88 Pictures, the studio behind Troll Hunters, love them, uh, will develop a short called The Bandits of Golak. And then El Guerri Studios, which is a studio based in Madrid, will develop one just simply titled Sif. Some good, a lot some, of good animation, some good animation studios develop, uh, developing these shorts, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the Studio Mirror has me excited, obviously. Ardman, super interested what that could be. Yeah, especially with a title called I Am Your Mother. Yeah. Wallace and Gromit in this one, you think? Wallace <laughs> with the lightsaber? Maybe a cameo. Maybe just like a, a blink and you miss it cameo. No, I don't. I don't think that their designs would... would not stand out you I might mean, be able to get away with the penguin there'll be like an alien version oh i remember the penguin what what's interesting about i think what's interesting about this is i i, I wonder how much of um ardman specifically has a very distinct style than than some of the others these other studios i wonder how much of that style will carry over into the star wars short because long this is mouths. yeah the long the long mouse like uh this is very unique this is i mean rightfully i think this one's getting the most attention because this is the most unique one 
of the bunch. This is a really interesting choice. Um, and I think people would expect uh, to see the Ardman style um, as a Star Wars short. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you get these guys and then not let them do what they're known to do. Yeah, yeah it's just like getting Imaishi and Trigger yeah. and having them do what they do. Yeah, Visions has been very good about letting people do what they want. I haven't yeah. seen all of it, but the few that I've seen, I'm like, yeah, these are all distinct and you know represent their studios very well. So like, I'm not. Uh, 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 this is exciting. This will make me catch up because I know they're not very long anyway. Yeah, uh, and this goes goes back to what they announced originally that when they announced Vision season two that it will be studios from around the world and not just from Japan, <laughs> like season one it. was. So that's it. really cool. Um, Wonder Man has some casting, uh, not casting news, uh, directing news. Uh, the upcoming Disney Plus series, uh, as yet announced by Marvel, but still, uh, James Pansolt. Uh, Ponsold, P-O-N-S-O-L-D-T, um, so director, the director of Spectacular Now and the Apple TV Plus series Shrinking with Harrison Ford and Jason Segel, uh, is in talks to direct. Okay. Love it. That's, <laughs> just announced that show. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> if we know the entire cast by now, like, let's just go on. Uh, Hitmonkey, speaking of Marvel. What's the... still going on? Apparently, it was renewed for a second season, and to the shock of everyone. I don't know a single person who watched that show, even on Twitter. Even yeah. the one guy who's like, I love it, Monkey. Like, I don't know. He didn't even watch it. Um, but it's been renewed for a second season. Remember, this was the um, the Offenders uh, lineup, which had MODOK and uh, that got canceled. Yeah, and Howard Duck and stuff that didn't, didn't even yeah. come out and stuff. Yeah, like, MODOK people liked and that didn't even get a second season. Yeah. This but is Hit really weird that this one is the one coming through. Not just, not not only will Hit, has Hitmonkey been renewed for a second season, but um, it's not going to be branded Marvel. It's not going to have the Marvel logo attached to it. I don't blame them for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? You can have it. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, again, it's not, Hitmonkey is not a character. Also, I'm pretty sure it was like an imprint thing that got bought into Marvel, like a lot of the DC stuff that have him to it. Cause like, Hitmonkey was its own thing, I believe, and then and then it's, he's not showing up in any books in Marvel right now. I'll say so. Mm -hmm. Like, it's separating it from from Marvel like makes sense. It's not like the MCU will use Hitmonkey. Yeah, they could, but they're cowards. Um, but yeah, you know what? Good, good for them. I never want to see a. It's really tough seeing a show get canceled because all those people lose their jobs, and it's really cool that these animators get to keep their job. Yeah, that's true. Some comic news as far as Marvel is concerned, because the fall of X is coming and uh, Marvel has announced four one shots that will be titled before the fall of X. Um, these are going to launch in May, so May and June, uh, respectively, um, and will lead quick, into. They couldn't wait until after the event was done. That's all I'm at. That's all I'm saying. They couldn't the wait until the event was done. Because this spoils a couple key things about character stuff, which made a lot of people mad, but I understand how solicits work. You have to put them out. But yeah. if you're reading Sins of Sinister, you know who's alive and who's dead and all that stuff if you read some of these solicits, which is totally fine because I'm not cut up. So I don't know, but people are mad. But continue. I'm excited anyway. Um, I'll just name the uh, creative teams then. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so the Sinister Four, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Paco Medina. Uh, Mutant First Strike, written by Steve Orlando, with art by Valentina Pinti. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Heralds of Apocalypse, written by Al Ewing and Luca Pizzari. You can actually read this one. This one's fine. Uh, we'll document the return of N. Sabanur's dynasty. 
Yeah. So Apocalypse, he's been gone since Ex uh, Exoswords uh, two years ago, uh, mm -hmm. and everyone's been been patiently waiting for for the big blue dad to come back. Uh, so either he shows up at the end of Sins of Sinister, or this is how he comes back in his own event. Like it's exciting regardless, because uh, we've been really missing that guy. He needs to come back and and put Sinister in the I do really miss that guy. Yeah. Sons of X will be the final one with Cy Spurrier and Phil Noto on art. Oh, Phil Noto. That's that's more Legion Legion stuff, I believe. Yeah. It's carrying off from um not Way Up Way of X. No, Legion of X. Way Legion of X was the first yeah. one, then Legion of X, now Sons of X. I love I love that. Obviously, I wish we can I just wish ongoings can I you know we're never gonna get another 75 issue ongoing ever again in the history of our lives, I don't think. <laughs> at Marvel and DC at least, like you know, uh before like a number one relaunch slash legacy thing. But um uh I the uh, has been getting miniseries after miniseries, which is really great because that means that those books have been selling enough, uh, but they're not willing to commit to an ongoing. Yeah. But he this is his third miniseries he's gonna be able to write. I'm like, good, as long as he's still getting the work, because people are buying those books, and that's great. Um, so yeah, the fall of X is coming, guys. Uh, and, and spoiler alert: uh, it's it is called the fall of X. I don't think it's the quote unquote actual end of the Coco era because this is making way too much money for them to do that. Yeah. No, some people Fox. said like we're entering the second act. Yeah, this yeah the, the Empire Strikes Back era where things start to tumble. Yeah, uh, this is pretty funny though, Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Criminal Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips Criminal comic book series. Uh, well, is being a deal is being finalized with Amazon Studios to develop adaptations based on this series. I love it. Uh, and I'm sure every bigger stuff has been chopped around to every place on the planet. Uh, and I know, I know, because after the big deal he got with Winter Soldier with Marvel, he's like never again. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's in that movie as a cameo, and he still got dicked over. So I bet this deal with Amazon put some serious money in his and Sean Phillips' bank. Uh, uh, and Amazon had, does great adaptations, like they've done The Boys, and now they're doing the Lord of the Rings, they're doing God of War. So, like, this is this is great. Like, uh, Amazon, it, there are worse, there are worse places I'd want this show to be at. Um, so that's cool. Crime, crime dramas for life, baby. DC Studios. This is going to be the the bulk of our news section, because. Um, True to James Gunn's word, uh, he came out on the 31st of January and revealed the first, uh, the beginning of his new slate of DC projects, uh, beginning with Chapter One, Gods and Monsters. But before we get to that, there's some things that was mentioned about some of the stuff that's already going on. And I want to get out of the way first. I know real quick that Gods and Monsters belongs to DC to an extent. But I think it's really funny that they took the log line from the Dark Universe and made it the title of Chapter One. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, what was the Dark Universe? Pennyworth: colon, The Origins of Batman's Butler canceled. Uh, so you know, Gotham Knights. Oh no! Right? Oh no! Oh, no. The show we weren't watching. Uh, Gotham Knights. No comment on Gotham Knights. I just want to put that in there because that was specifically a news article of just he had no comment on Gotham Knights. I bet you there's some weird like there's they have they get their one season and it's like we can't say it's canceled yet, but that show gets one season. Yeah. I, that's that's what I'm feeling. Um, he did talk about Superman and Lois only briefly to mention that it's probably only got one or two more seasons left. Well, that's kind of yeah, cool like, that they're willing to give it probably five seasons at most. I'll take it's not it. Not bad. 
Supergirl's run. Yeah. That's Supergirl that got eight. Supergirl? Yeah. Did it get eight, eight seasons? Why do I think it got eight seasons? Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not on the air anymore. Shazam, Fury of the Gods, The Flash, Aquaman, Lost Kingdom, and Blue Beetle all were name dropped in his video where he talked about how they how they kind of lead into this first chapter, specifically The Flash, which has been uh, specifically designed to reboot the universe. And they're just going to use that to continue doing what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just instead of whatever Hamada was planning to do, it's now what James Gunn is planning to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Reshoots. Um, although he said, he said in an interview that they didn't do anything in the edit to change it. They just left it. But we know there's been a lot of reshoots on that movie even recently. So yeah, yeah, but maybe those weren't his decisions. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, because I that stuff was happening. We knew that stuff was happening before we heard about them coming in. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, just some real quick notes on these films: Shazam, Fear of the Gods. They only really said that the door is open for Zachary Levi to return, as well as Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller. Should Ezra Miller uh, finish their recovery, and uh, they there apparently is a if they want to continue forward, they're willing to talk about it, but they didn't make any sort of commitment of whether or not he will continue to be the flat. They will continue to be the flash. Sorry. And blue beetle and blue beetle. Yes. They did mention blue beetle. Um, real quickly. So the door is open. Um, Oh, the flash is the greatest superhero movie uh, that, uh, that James Gunn has ever seen. It's just a fun quote. I, I, I know I heard that quote. I rewinded to make sure I heard it right. I don't know, James. Listen, here's the thing, y'all. This is not the first time we've heard it's a good movie. I am not yeah. I am not shocked if we get a, a great superhero movie. It's just unfortunate that Ezra Miller is the star of it. Right. That's yeah. that's 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 right. the, that's the rub. That's the rub. That's that's a bummer because like I really want to see a really good flash movie. Me too. Me too. And you know what? If this is a really good flash movie, I'll be happy about it. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom had a couple of notes real quickly. Peter Safran specifically said that Aquaman 3 is happening. Apparently, Jason Momoa has always envisioned it as a trilogy. Um, and that Jason Momoa, James Gunn mentioned on a separate interview with DC that Jason Momoa is not playing Lobo. He will not play two characters. He will only play Aquaman. Okay. So. I personally... I, I was ready for the chaos of like we see Aquaman and then a year later he's fighting Superman as Lobo and that's just mm-hmm. the world we live in. I'm like I I just I it's a shame. I was kind of I was kind of hoping for it. That's a Hamada kind of decision. Hey, that's a, that's James still Gun Peter. That's still decision. a a fun decision. I would have loved for sure. Okay, now we'll talk about Chapter One: Gods and Monsters. I think just real quick on the note they did. I I don't know if you had more about it, but just on the Ezra mm-hmm. Miller note that they're they're going to have more conversations with Ezra Miller through their recovery. It's not a, like the, while the door is open, that door can also be shut. Yes. Uh, if, if some things like there's still more not so great stuff coming out about Ezra Miller. So I can see them closing this door after the flash movie passes. Yeah. yeah and James, uh, James Gunn was asked about Zachary Levi's recent tweets. Uh, and he talked about like, if I, if I got, if I, stopped working with everyone who I disagreed with. I would have very little to work with. So Zachary Levi has a, has an open door there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentioned on a, on a question that um, it doesn't, that the flash won't reset everything. We were kind of, we were kind of thinking that maybe that there's a possibility of a clean slate happening over at DC, but that is not the case. They are going to piecemeal what has, what has happened before, such as Aquaman and Viola Davis specifically. They're doing a new 52. Yeah. 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 Interestingly, we have no clarification still on the Black Canary film and Misha Green. Yeah. 
That's yeah. True. Hopefully, hopefully all good, but we don't know. Yeah. Because that movie's I don't think that movie's shooting. I feel like we would know if it's shooting. No, it's not shooting. And we and uh he did name check Birds of Prey and Shazam in the same sentence, which I was kind of disappointed with because he talked about how like no one was minding the mint on DC on DC. They were just giving projects to whoever and it was really hurting the, the brand. So we, that's why we got things like Black Adam and and uh Birds of Prey. And I was like, oh, Birds of Prey is a better movie than Black Adam. Very, very true. Uh, so, you know. So Superman Legacy was a movie that we already knew was happening. We didn't know the title. Now we do. It's Superman Legacy. Um, this is the James Gunn Superman film that uh, um, he 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 did a clarification that James that uh, Henry Cavill was never fired. He was just never cast. Right. Uh, which I think Sparks mentioned was the most likely possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got he got dicked over by the people before James Gunn. Yeah. Which he said in the interview, like, yeah, he got screwed over by not me. It wasn't yeah. me who did this to him. Right. Sorry. We're still friends. So um, we're not so- going in release order. We're doing this. Whatever. No, I, I, I forgot to put it in a release order after I was done with it. It's uh, fine. I, I just apologize wanted to for that. Because I'm totally fine not doing a release order. Watching it in release order, I know, let's say there's a million people, 999,000 people went what with the first announcement? Hundred percent. Creature Commandos. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's my second one. I want. I think I wanted to start with Superman Legacy because we knew that was happening. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. So very quickly on Superman Legacy, it's got a release date July eleventh, twenty twenty five. It's not going to be an origin story, and it's going to uh, focus on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. Sounds sure. cool. Um, do, it's so yeah. weird that they gave a release date for this one specifically because it's the one closest to being done. I because his script it's probably the one with the closest script to being done. i guess so but yeah, like even as even as like i would have just not said it yet if you're not saying some of the others that are coming before it but does i don't think there is anything coming before it there is it's creature commandos and waller and is that coming some, before yes it's creature commandos yeah, like, and waller like project creature commandos and waller are the only two coming before it if i recall okay. correctly um, but it's, it, I did notice that it looks like we're not going to get a 2024 dc film Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be a year off where there's, I mean, it makes sense. There's four coming out this year. Um, and James Gunn mentioned in an, in an interview that he wants to do two movies and two shows a year. And that's kind of the output that they're aiming for. So it would make sense to kind of skip 2024 and get that output out there starting 2025. Yeah. And I, pers- I, I think that is a beautiful amount of, of stuff. Two movies, yeah. two TV shows. You stage a movie show, movie show. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah. He's definitely, He's definitely he's definitely learning some learning some lessons from what Marvel did this this past couple of years. Oh yeah. So Creature Commandos um, was the first thing that he announced, um, which is going to be a seven episode animated series. All episodes have been written by James Gunn. Um, it's going to see Amanda Waller create a black ops team out of monster at the monstrous prisoners. Um, the lineup includes Rick Flagg Senior, uh, Nina Mazursky. Dr. Phosphorus, Frankenstein, uh, Eric Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, who is apparently the lead of the show, um, G.I. Robot, and Weasel. We know Weasel. The only actor in the show who is currently cast is Sean Gunn, who played Weasel in The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I watched this, like, six-minute presentation at work, and, like, I didn't hear anything about it. So, like, when this showed up and I saw the image image of the the J.M. DeMatteis 88 
Frankenstein ripping a dude's head off. He's a Nazi. I'm like, this is what we're starting with. This is going to alienate so many people. I'm so excited. <laughs> it already has. I I cannot tell you how what this made me feel. Uh, just pure excitement. I'm like, the first thing you're doing with your new universe is starting with what Marvel is starting to do in their universe. Mm-hmm. They're starting to do their monster shit. And I'm like, James is like, man, I really wish I could have done Midnight Sun shit. I'll just do it over here. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you, nobody gives a shit about the creature commandos. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean in a popularity, like, they don't show up anymore. They are now the agents of shade. Half of these characters are not from the creature commandos. They're from Jeff Lemire's agents of shade run from the early from the New 52. That's who uh, uh, the fish lady and the bride of Frankenstein and all them. Uh, this is so exciting. And the fact that it's animated and those characters will show up in live action in some form is is lovely. Yeah, yeah lovely. so... So that was the other thing is that this is an animated show. This is the only animated show that was announced during this presentation. Uh, there will be more. And uh, the goal is for the actors who play these animated versions to play them in live action because they will show up in live action. Oh, I, I said Sean Gunn was the only one cast. I, Viola Davis is in this because she's still Amanda Waller. She's Waller. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that that's kind of, kind of cool. I, I like that. I feel like that, again, like learning a lesson, maybe not necessarily learning a lesson from Marvel, but like, Doing what Marvel probably hoped they could have done with What If. Um, having Rick Flagg Sr. be on the team is extremely funny. I really hope they get Joel Kinnaman. That'd be funny. Yeah. Um, the thing, I'm pretty sure they said it's also going to be a modern day interpretation, yeah. which is which is totally fine because all those characters are, are like immortal and they show up in the present day. Uh, but I, I really hope like the first episode is a World War II episode or we get flashbacks when they were Nazi hunters. Because that, y'all, those first couple issues of that comic is awesome. Just Dracula's flying around, just eating fools. Uh, it's so fun. It is so fun. And I'm and like with James Gunn, like writing it, like imagine Suicide Squad, but with the, the Universal Monsters. And I'm like, <laughs> that is absolutely something I will watch. Right. Um, couldn't be more thrilled with this first one. I mean, uh, Superman too. James Gunn, because James Gunn is working, he's about, he said in the presentation he's halfway through the script of the Superman, the Superman Legacy, because he wrote all these episodes. Um, the Peacemaker season two has been delayed. Uh, it is still happening. Uh, there's a placeholder, not necessarily a placeholder, but like there's a there's a show a they decided to do, yeah. to do in between to kind of help us along, which I'll talk about in a, in a minute. Lanterns. Ben's really excited about Creature Commandos, right, Ben? I have no idea who the hell the creature commandos are. I just know I just saw the Frankenstein monster. I'm like, hey, I'm playing you on Dungeons and Dragons right now, and that was it. Oh, that's artwork from the show, by the way. Importantly, importantly, Ben, you didn't see it and go, well, this is a wash. Which is what <laughs> people did. I saw man, real quickly though, just like my impressions of the presentation. Like I watched this, so I was like, oh shit, I'm in. Yeah. No, I mean I'm I'm I was stoked that it was something so off the beaten path. Uh most of this presentation honestly like not what you'd expect and we'll get into like the 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 whys of that at the end but um i i'm so gods and monsters i know that like i know that twitter and a lot of the the virtual internet space is not the majority of people but it's super disheartening to see people so quickly be like i'm unwilling to try anything new and i'm like okay well (laughs) this is why the mcu can't have nice things yeah I mean, but like, with James Gunn, like he is, he has such a track record. Where like, if you do like the marketing nonsense of from the minds, who brought you Guardians and Peacemaker and and uh, Suicide Squad, and and he wrote the Scooby Doo movies. Don't forget those too. Peacemaker was a huge hit. Like, the storytelling is good. People are going to show up. I just, I'm like, how how do you all have to be 
this close-minded right off the bat. Like, trust that the story might be good. Not everyone loves a Dracula like we do. For sure. They can't appreciate um, a good a good bloodsucker. Also, also, you don't have to watch every single project in the DC universe. They're casting a wide net. We're getting. They're trying to get everybody. A little bit of everything. Um, everything is apparently by the time. Apparently, by the time we get to Swamp Thing, we'll know what the overarching plot of Chapter One is. Sure, uh, yeah. because there is one. He mentioned it like a while ago. Not like a while ago, but like a couple weeks ago. That um, uh, he basically did what he mapped out Guardians of the Galaxy one, two, and three, and he stick he stuck to that three three movie arc. He just did that again, but on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. the for the DC universe, so. But I don't think that like you are going to have a hard time watching Superman Legacy if you don't watch Creature Commandos. Sure. And that's another that's another great thing about the presentation. He was like. Uh, you, you know, like the comics, like they don't all look the same. They don't all feel the same. That doesn't mean they don't exist in the same world. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like Marvel at its worst is all of these things feel the same and they look the same, but they're not supposed to. That like, like Marvel's, I think they've gotten away from that. Uh, that was what like, you know, they're the, working they're, on it. They're working on it, but that wasn't, that was a big criticism, but like, there's no reason your gritty Batman movie and your super fun Superman movie can't exist in the same world just because they don't look the same. That's just like, just you have to have a bigger imagination. That's all. Yeah. I mean, he talked about he talked about like how Rocket Raccoon, how when people when Guardians of the Galaxy first came out, he there were news articles being like, "How is Rocket Raccoon going to going to tie into the to the, to Thor?" And like and and he liked that. It was like that's the that's the beauty of comic books. Like that's yeah. that's what he wants to emulate with this new with this new slate with this new franchise is the emulation of all these different tones and all these different styles, all these different mediums. And how they cross over is the fun part because there will be crossover. There's apparently spor sporadic crossovers all throughout these projects, not just one major crossover at the end. Uh, so, so seeing seeing how like Superman will interact with the creature commandos is, is something that could be really fun. Yeah, yeah you have you have Thor call Rocket Rabbit, and then you make a billion dollars. Like <laughs> then you make down. a billion dollars. I don't. I I I firmly. James Gunn knows his comic book shit. I firmly believe. That the creature commando stuff, uh, like there, there's you're gonna be this is the chapter one is gods and monsters, but it is like foundation for a lot of what the DC universe is gonna be. They're doing a lot of magic stuff, they're doing like swamp thing stuff, they're doing creature stuff, they're doing the traditional Batman Superman. They're going, they're showing you everything this universe will be, and then they'll expand on it. Uh they're half of those guys from the creature commandos are on on the ages of shade, and they deal with swamp thing and they deal with animal man and they deal with the rock world stuff. And that is you bet your ass swamp thing will be doing some of that stuff leading into something like that. You can't introduce the the agents of shade. That their whole thing was being in Rot World. That was why they were there. That was the introduction. Uh, so that's an exciting thing. I just I love it. We're, we're gonna have a Dracula animated Dracula. Love lanterns. Uh, this is going to be a series focused on John Stewart and Hal Jordan, um, which is supposedly in the vein of True Detective. It's going to be a terrestrial um, uh, cop show um, where they're where they're they're dealing with what do you say? Uh, beat earth beat 20 uh, 2814 or something like that um so it's going to be based around them it sounds like they've adopted and reworked that uh greg berlanti green lantern show uh it's not the same one but it sounds like that maybe was what we were hearing about when that show wasn't going forward sure sure um i'll be honest this is the one i'm excited for because it's a new green lantern thing like that's it's probably actually going to happen now james gunn but this is the the pitch that i like the least because when i want Same. 
when I when I hear Green Lantern and you tell me we're gonna be on Earth and it's gonna be have you guys watched True Detective by any chance? No, no I have not. Okay, uh, True Detective is horrifying and it's gritty and it's it's harrowing and it's like really really mature, like hard, like HBO hardcore, like sacrificing children, grim. Um, this is not what I want my Green Lantern to be. I don't want them on Earth doing sad detective work. That's the opposite of what my Green Lantern show to be, especially the first one. If that's like a, a plot you have to do later on, sure, but starting your show like that, like again, anything could be good, but like that is that is not what I want. Not 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 at all. Um we'll see who like the creative team will be, but like grim earth-based Green Lantern is the opposite of what I want. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, honestly. Like, this is the one where I was kind of, this is the only one where I was like, I don't know about this one. I love the idea of pairing Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. I think that yeah. rules. Um, but the the term terrestrial kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I I would I would really love a Green Lantern show that was out in space doing space stuff. You know, they have an entire sector of space to to that they that they that they work on, not just Earth. And I think that could have been a lot of fun now that's not to say there are apparently other green lanterns that are going to be in the show uh peppered throughout we'll probably see chip or ganort or even ala secura um so like not ala secura that's a star wars character i was gonna say it's like one of those sounds like a star wars character oh the girl who wears the white the white tank top and the skirt the yellow the orange one with the pointy ears i forgot oh i know i know who you're talking about oh crap it starts with an a though it does it does um Anyway, uh, but so like we'll probably see some Green Lanterns peppered throughout. Um, but like, I want to see Mogo. I'm not going to see Mogo in this show. At least not season one. It feels like, yeah. real quick, it feels like for their first season, because if this is going to be a TV show that has multiple seasons, the first season's got to be a lower budget to get the audience in. What it feels like. You start small. You, you can do enough special effects stuff with the rings on Earth before you go big. And I'm sure there'll be one episode where it is big space stuff, but obviously if it's a terrestrial show, it's not the whole show. So that's my hope that like we have to start small before we go big. Um but like, you know, I kind of just wish we start big. I think that's absolutely what it is. I think that you have to like I think they're trying to find a way to ground an audience into liking Green Lantern, a general audience, a general film television audience into liking Green Lantern without doing an origin story. And uh and I think this is fine. I think that the intention with this is to not even necessarily have bigger seasons, but a bigger film past uh, related to Green Lantern stuff, doing yeah. stuff in space past what this show does. I think this is supposed to be like an ease you into Green Lantern. And maybe we don't need that, but I think it's a smart move for a general audience. Sure. Yeah. And it's yeah, Aresia. Aresia. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, can we pull up MJ's comment? My yes. There. Um, um, ben, if you want to do it, please. All right, done. So since we're telling us world stories, can we have that two star Justice League movies animated if not live action? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. I think they could. I don't, I don't think, think they will. I don't think they will, but like I, I would love to see that. Sure. Yeah. I think it would be fine. I think doing it animated would help to reduce the budget, but I think you're still talking about if you want all those actors back doing the voices, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of money. I don't know that for some of them it's kind of a bitter point. I don't know that they want to come back. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't even know if Snyder himself wants to come back at this point. He's making a Star like Wars this. movie this, right now. I, I, I think in some ways, while the fans might want it, I don't know. This is speculation completely. But like to Snyder, I think this would be like 
a opening lesser, a wound. A lesser version of what he intended and and like a consolation prize that I don't think he feels like he needs. Yeah. Um I understand fans feel that way, but I don't think he, I don't think from how he's talked about it he does. Um I don't think he'd want to come back and do anything less than the version he wanted to do. Yeah. And while animation would allow you to do a lot more, it's also and not to say like my favorite thing Snyder's done is an animation. Um, which, the is how, which is how he edited the Owl movie. It looks, how he directed it, it looks great. Um, you could do a lot more in animation, but it's not his intention. So yeah. I think this is, a, he, I think this is just not going to happen. His time has passed. I mean, he's having a great time over at Netflix. I mean, he got to do a Star Wars movie. He's got a, there's an anime, a, anime for his Army of the Dead show coming. He's got his Star Wars, his Rebel Moon is doing bunch of spinoffs and things he's, he's got, got free reign over there yeah oh yeah um but yeah so lanterns is tv series i'm happy to see john stewart and hal jordan back and I, uh, at any rate like it's it, it is i'm happy to cool. see john stewart in live action that's that all true. that really matters to me mm-hmm. paradise lost a, a new series set on Themyscira, but in the past, so prior to the Wonder Woman films, uh, it has set uh, years in the past before before Diana was even born. Um, it's going to be a TV drama which focuses on the genesis and political intrigue of an island of all women, which is uh, apparently in the vein of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Is it prior to the Wonder Woman films or is it in the history of this new version of Themyscira that happens after Flashpoint? Because those are yes. two different things. The answer is yes. <laughs> Gail Gadot has an open door to return. That yeah. doesn't mean that her movies are still canon. Yeah. That's true. Um, uh, Elseworlds! Um, this, there's not enough information. This is the one that has like the least to go off of because it's... it's I think we're going to see a lot of like the recent Amazon stuff. I hope so. Come in. Yeah, like, like it is, it would be, it's, Game of Thrones is very cool, and like having a DC version of that, like with nothing but Amazons, is a really cool idea. I need to know how that what they chose to do this for a reason. How this ties to the bigger DC universe is what I'm curious about because their whole thing is like they're on their own for a long time. Right. So like, why do we need the insight from a thousand years ago? What does that do for the future? And obviously, there's a story there. I just don't know what it is yet. So it feels, like, it feels like so you can get those other Amazons, like the newer, more more progressive representational ones that we've seen it be brought in through the comics, like a way to build a bridge to that trajectory yeah. where Wonder Woman's not the only person we're going to follow from that Island. Um, Soft re relaunch of that, Wonder Woman. That being said, I do find it you, because you said it verbatim. I, I do find it really weird that James Gunn used so many HBO shows as the representational references for what they're doing. Mm. With it. Like it didn't feel like something I would expect him to do that they all had to be HBO shows like like True Detective Game of Thrones. I mean it's staying on brand as the reference the points I'm like oh okay okay yeah uh real quickly I meant to say about lanterns um apparently these the mystery that they're solving feeds into the overarching storyline of chapter one so that's interesting um yeah all right so Paradise Lost a booster gold live action series is in development Uh, thank goodness we've been hearing about a booster gold movie blue and gold show for god knows how long and finally we may be getting one um in the form of a series which apparently the overarching theme of that show will be dealing with superhero imposter syndrome which is kind of fun to think about yeah i mean he's he's per god it's this this will make me in the encroaching time that this comes out, I'll be like, wait, there's a booster gold I haven't seen, and it's all phase on. So this will get me to watch that. But uh 
for those of you in the audience who don't know, Booster Gold is a man from the future that goes back in time to try to become famous. So he's famous in the future. And he's he's bumbling, but he's got a heart of gold. Uh, he's got Skeets, his little robot. Uh, he's so fun. He's oh, so we're gonna fun. see Skeets in live action. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. It was a new Fifty Two. Uh. Jeff Johns run. I read like one or one like one and a half issues of it uh, earlier in the week. Uh. He, it's great. Like Booster is such a fun character. And like I'm in like him him why him wanting to join the Justice League and then like they accept him and then he blows him off and I'm just like I don't need you guys because I'm actually too famous already. Like I, it's really great. Like I'm I'm so excited. Uh. That Booster is like in Phase One. Like he's like he's like. He's a core thing that they're starting with. It's just really, really fun. And again, like they're showing the future of what the DC universe will look like. So like they're they're, they're building blocks for the entire universe from beginning and ends and stuff. It's it's cool. I mean, you've already got your blue beetle. Yep, right there. I'm so right excited. There. Love it. Uh, yeah, this this is this this floored me. I'm so stoked for for a booster gold series. I, I've I've wanted this for so long. Yeah. 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 Speaking of things I've wanted for so long, The Brave and the Bold. Uh, it is not Ooh. titled Batman. It is just titled The Brave and the Bold as of now, uh, which will introduce the new Batman of this universe. So whoever's playing Batman um, for this new franchise will be introduced in The Brave and the Bold, as well as introducing Robin in the form of Damian Wayne, my favorite Robin. Yes, uh, I'm staring at my Batman omnibus right over there. It's too heavy and, and swamp things in front of him, so I won't get it. Um Morrison's Batman is the seminal modern uh, run. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he he wrote he wrote it. They wrote it. They wrote it for so many years. Um, it transitioned into Batman and Robin, which is my favorite Batman book. Back when Dick, when Dick Grayson is, is Batman, but calling it Brave and the Bold, uh, without telling us anything, says a lot about like like the vibe they're gonna go for, um, and the fact that we're starting with a Bat family is like the. I've enjoyed every a lot of the Batman movies that have come out. There's not been a single Batman movie that I felt this is the truest, like the truest Batman. Even the the Batman from that last year, I love. It's not it's not the comic book Batman. Having a Robin, having Dick and Tim and and, and all those people, like having it established, having him be a dad is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Just throwing you into a Bat family because, like, even even like the regular world, they play the Arkham games. They know all these characters. Like in the in the general audience, like they know who this they know Dick Grayson. So like starting this way, it's also really interesting that you're gonna start with a young Superman and an old older Batman, but that's not a super big deal because Superman doesn't really age. So he can, you know, age and it'll be fine. Um it's so exciting. Uh and again, starting with Damien is really bold. Starting with his assassin son. That means you have to do Talia stuff immediately. You have to do Rachel Gill, you have to set that stuff up. Um, it's awesome. It feels like a comic book come to life, just hearing it. So one, so two things real quickly. Uh, it, as Ryan said, it is based on Grant Morrison's seminal run, uh, my favorite Batman Batman run. Um, ben, if you want to pull up Grayson's comment, that feeds into what Peter Safran said. Um, so he says, "I'm hoping there is still a Dick Grayson, even if they make just make reference to him. I am excited to see a Batman and Robin duo." Yes. So Peter Safran clarified this because this was not made present. Uh, this was not made clear on the presentation. This is going to feature other members of the extended Bat family, just because we feel like they've been left out of the Batman stories in the cinemas for far too long. Good. And the thing, yeah, them starting with Damien, that does not mean they're erasing the other Robins. No. That's just, to me, that just confirms that they existed uh, and we will see them in the future. Yeah, um, guys, I mean, Dick Grayson could, could possibly show up as a character or a reference. Same with Jason Todd, same with uh, Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. 
the bat the fact that we were finally getting the bat family because we haven't had any bat family movies i don't even really want to call it a bat family movie since batman robin but uh the schumacher film but ever since we've got nothing it's just been batman early batman year whatever batman or batman without a robin in case of um the a ben affleck film or the ben affleck bbs it's just the film. animated stuff that we've yeah just the animated on. stuff mm-hmm. it's like we just i feel like it's been a long time and the the bat family has been very well established in the animated films the comic books for god knows how many years probably decades at this point it, it wasn't about that in the 80s but it wasn't that long long after batman's introduction that robin was introduced yeah exactly like it really the the time period between the two wasn't that long i don't know yeah. if warner brothers is just so afraid of putting a robin in because they're so scared of another batman and robin scenario i mean batman forever is pretty decent well, it's an okay ben, movie just think about it for a second there's a there's a there's a crazy man dressed as a bat and he has a 12 year old companion wearing short shorts killing crim- or beating up criminals at midnight wouldn't you, that's a little it's not as easy to transfer having a child beat up people on the street it's not as easy to do and it's not as people aren't willing uh you got to be really you got to be really on top of that to make it seem okay you got to tell the right a- story it's got to be like it's got to be a comic book vibe it can't be the batman with a 12 year old beating criminals up you know what i mean like no, it can't gotta, be that vibe you gotta have your robin be um you know like a, a late late uh 20s early 30s cop uh, a, Joseph, a Joseph Gordon-Levitt type, if you will. Oh, uh, God. John, John, Robin. And that's the Robin they'll accept. So, so the, the, I think also, Ben, there's, um, I talked about, I, I've, I've noticed this a lot, I'm sure I've talked about on the show, that, that Warner Brothers scars run deep from their cinematic <laughs> failures. The, and the Schumacher films were not well received. And, and since then, I think, Look, the guard has changed the Warner Brothers for so long, so maybe I'm completely off base. But like, there there was also a reason why Catwoman was the last female superhero film we got into Wonder Woman, like because like they they see this failure and they're like, okay, well, never again. Nobody wants to see this ever. But it's been 40 years since then. Uh, not really. It's, it hasn't been that long. I'm not that old. Um, but like close to and like the idea of like we're finally going to get these and the fact that what Peter Safran said and the fact that that uh, Gunn is such a big fan of Morrison's Batman run like everyone's on the table we could get staff and cast we could we, we could we're definitely getting we're definitely getting Dick Grayson and Tim Drake yeah. 100% I don't think there's a world this movie is made without them honestly um, and, but like the fact that we could get Jason Todd and 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 again we could get a Stephanie Brown is so exciting. We can get animated Bat Family projects and live action Bat Family projects that yep. all connect to yep. the same Batman because they can make live action shows and animated shows that are also tying into the films and, and they can have their own movies. The fun thing about about having the universe where it is, all that stuff happened. So like if you have Batgirl, have her be Oracle. If you have Dick Grayson, have him have him be Nightwing, and then you see, you know, you know, we'll do a flashback when he was Robin. Like all this stuff can be established, and then the next movie you'll get a Nightwing movie or Nightwing TV show. You get the Batgirls TV show. Like it could the starting with a Bat Family movie is like a foundation to spread the rest of the Bat Family out. Yeah. Uh, it's so smart. It's so smart, and I'm I'm just God. I cannot wait to see who the villain is. Whoever they pick. Oh, I'm so uh, oh. If it's if it's just like the Demon, uh, if it's just Rachel Gould again, like him and Talia. Uh, like act like done really well. Uh, I'm I'll be here for it. You can do you can do a very different version of them from from Nolan and have some yeah. not really not special. white. Yes, that's not have them, all no, that I meant. No, but I know. Can, I just have them be actually Middle Eastern and have Damien be Middle Eastern. Uh, like the comics are finally starting to do. Um, it, it, that would be really great. 
I'm trying to think of a good villain that we haven't like a really good Batman villain who hasn't had time to shine. Black Mask. No, we got a pretty good Black Mask and Birds of Prey. We got a Black Mask. Not according to Queen Not according to James Gunn. True, good point. Bring back Bigger as Black Mask. He could be alive now. That's true. I think if you do something, if you do like the League of Assassins, like I know it's like retread, but like doing it like quote unquote like right as opposed to like Dark Knight Rises version, like have it be that, and then having them like hire assassins, like like in Arkham Origins, hire a couple assassins, have. Uh, Lady Shiva, Deathstroke, or whatever, have a fight scene or whatever. Or like. just make it Doctor Hugo Strange with Dave Batista. Mm. He loves little glasses. I love little glasses. Actually, quite frankly, like the League of Assassins would be a really good uh, movie, especially if you're introducing Damien because because he's Talia's son. Yeah, yeah. and you need um, like in like all that history. God, you could do so much like, and it's so great the stuff with like Batman, like Rache wanting him to the stuff they did in Arrow. I want that, but on the big screen. Like I wanted you to be my heir. You had you, you know, you sired my grandchild. You are you are the legacy of the demon. But Batman's like, no, I have honor. The fact, <laughs> the fact that Grant Morrison's Batman run is going to be adapted into a movie is so cool. I, yeah, it's it's it's. I'm, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Oh yeah, Condiment oh, King. Condiment King. So Grayson, oh, Grayson saying uh-oh. using Condiment King as a red herring would be hilarious. I wouldn't mind seeing Hush, though. Hush is pretty good. I'm waiting, okay. I'm, I'm, my fa- I'm waiting for a good Hush. I think Hush side, side note, one of my favorite jokes in Lego Batman movie is when um, Zach Galifianakis' Joker mentions Condiment King and it goes, really? He's like, yeah, Google it. He's real. He could be he could be the opening like, in media res action scene where like you see Damien kick the shit out of a condiment man. Um. The, the 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 joke I believe is that he lists off a bunch of Z tier yeah. Batman villains he and does. then and, and the pilot's like you made some of those up. It's like no, Google it. <laughs> I love I love that joke. That's actually a really good movie too. I'd like that movie a lot. Swamp thing. It's getting a big budget horror movie. <sighs> the one time, the one time where I am stupid excited for a horror movie. It's the mother effing swamp thing because I you remember watched, you you watch swamp thing with us, right? It's been so yeah, years I love I that remember. show. I just don't remember. It's been again over yeah. three years. I watched it. swamp. I remember reading um Scott Snyder's swamp thing where the new fifty two. I was hounding Brandon to loan me those books. I freaking loved that book. Um, I was like, and now that's now that we're actually getting a swamp thing movie, I am super excited and happy. Swamp thing gets the he is getting the love he deserves. Look at this big ass boy. I got this at Comic Con. I love oh, how the wings look with your green screen. Ah, no cool. Oh, and his little buckle shield from in, from Injustice. Yeah. Um, you guys go first about something. Yeah, I I think this is fantastic. Um, James Mangold is in talks to direct this. He is not signed on, but it sounds like he's interested. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. It's I only don't believe it because it's so it's it it was announced so quick to when this was announced. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason because like it happened like hours after. I'm like, I don't believe you, but dude makes good movies. Who am I to say no? Right. Uh, yeah, dude, Swamp Thing. He's, he's he is my favorite DC character. Um, uh, I, uh, things I love, I get tattooed on me, and Swamp Thing is one of those things. I'm so pleased that they're moving forward with this so soon without looking at like it's it's another clear sign of like how this is this is really in Gun and Saffron's control because nobody's saying like well the Swamp Thing show didn't do what we wanted or blah 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 yeah we just did that and we didn't we didn't really like what we did with it even though it was great um it's you know we're getting a movie it's, yeah. they have faith I I uh, 
uh, on Twitter, I'm friends with number one Swamp Thing Stan. Uh, and we were having a conversation of like, after that show got canceled, legitimately, I didn't think we would see Swamp Thing for 10 years. Like in, in any cameo. That's usually appearance. the cycle. That's the cycle. Yeah. Like, oh, he, we use this seedless character. Let's move on. Uh, James, Gunn's, James Gunn knows the power of Swamp Thing and how how cool and vital he can be. And like when you tie, when you lean into the the mystical elemental stuff about Swamp Thing, he can be in any story. Uh, and again, like I firmly believe that like, Swamp Thing will not be like pivotal to the DC universe, but him starting phase one with Swamp Thing, I, the rot stuff will happen. There will be a big rot thing, whether it's animated or a big live action crossover. Like it's, I, it's, I, I believe it. Was Swamp Thing being introduced into this, um, in this chapter? Do you think the next chapter we'll see Animal Man? I, here's the thing, here's the thing, Ben. This chapter is not done. This is not everything from this chapter. He was very clear. Like this is the beginning of this chapter. These are all the I believe we'll see in the next couple of years. I think Animal Man is in this chapter. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Um Animal Man, I wouldn't be surprised if that turns out to be like a like an animated thing because Animal Man is grotesque in a way that Swamp Thing you can do you can get away with plants and stuff. Uh it's a little more, you know, like uh uh Animal Man's pure body horror. I, I will say to a point also about this that I think is valuable. Um even with the lanterns comparison or anything like that, a lot of people are saying who are upset with the regime change just don't like change. Um, one of the things that those folks have all stood behind is, you know, Snyder brought maturity to uh, the DC comics characters. They're real for adult superhero movies, not like the Marvel ones. And whether I agree with that stance or not, if that's what they were demanding, this shows that this slate shows that maturity is on the table. Like you mm. are going to have mature and peacemaker will still be part of this peacemaker's world will still be part of that. that is mature uh you're still going to have that and have things that are for the family um like that's all going to exist in tandem that is going to be a standout difference from marvel stuff because you are going to have things that are going to be scary they're going to be disturbing yeah as they should yeah. be and and if you do i i don't think man i don't think you'll start Swamp thing with like a rot world thing because you have to do like a lot of like foundation stuff with the parliament mm. and all that stuff and like alcohol and becoming swamp thing and all that stuff. Uh, but I can definitely see this them is, setting up this like this is described as an origin story. Okay, for him. yeah, that totally makes sense. That's fine. Um, I could totally see like again, like Ben, you watched the show, so like there was a bunch of characters like Phantom Stranger showed up and like I can imagine like Etchkin the Demon showing up like in a bigger budget thing. Um, who was it? The Blue Devil. Uh, yeah, Blue, uh, Devil. Blue Devil. What was that, Brandon? What'd you say? Etrigan. It's so Etrigan. exciting. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a rhymer. Uh, uh, I love it. Um, I yes. Again, like starting your first fave in this phase instead of like, oh, you know, we're we're just gonna redo a Wonder Woman and we're gonna redo Aquaman. Just like start with the Justice League again. Like we're starting with the weird shit. Uh, and, and like the characters, not everyone knows. Yeah, you got your Batman, Superman, but like Booster Gold is like a fan favorite character. Not everyone knows who Booster Gold is. Uh, starting with a ancient Wonder Woman show where you might not recognize any of the characters is a big risk, but that's just like, that's awesome. Uh, again, like this, this whole lineup of all these things are just like so exciting. And we're not done. <gasps> Waller was announced. This is going to star Viola Davis as, uh, uh as Waller. Um, this is the thing immediately after creature commandos. Yes. Um, this will feature Waller teaming up with members of team peacemaker. Um, and, is written by Crystal Henry, who is a writer on Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, who developed the Doom Patrol TV series for HBO Max. And we should be specific, the HBO Watchmen show, not yes. the movie Watchmen. The HBO Watchmen show, yes. The, 
the 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 greatest comic book show ever made. <laughs> oh my <laughs> good. Oh my god, this lineup. Yeah. Wow, Waller. I'm really excited about this, both because of that creative team that you just mentioned, but also because like Viola da Davis deserves this. I think at this point with um what she's been given with Waller, I think we deserve a movie that's dedicated to her frankly she's getting the treatment i wish they had given sam jackson's nick fury at some point so true. in the mcu is that he mm -hmm. should have gotten one project that was actually about him secret evasion 10 years later <laughs> so but having having this project about her and putting her at the center but using the peacemaker foundation super smart and a super good way to bridge from stuff we've had to peacemaker season two etc etc yeah and if it's focusing on waller you gotta know you gotta imagine it's gonna be real grim <laughs> I'm I'm even more passionately big on Viola Davis after watching The Woman King. So like I want to see so much more with her. Real, real quickly, just want to congratulate uh, Viola Davis on her egot. She did it. She egotted. She's got them all. Some people want it all. Um. So yeah, I I, I love this idea. This uh, this is going to slot between Peacemaker season one and two. Um. Kind of leading into what they're what they're doing with that. Much in the same way that Penguin series, which they did they didn't talk about specifically but the idea for the penguin series is to lead into the batman 2 part 2 sorry that thing's like filming that thing's real i know i got a penguin show <laughs> um cool supergirl woman of tomorrow um we will be will be so this one is really interesting because this is the first one where they specifically said it is based on this one book um this is going to be based on tom king and bill quest evely's series uh mini series eight issues i believe yep um uh, uh, Super Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Yeah, so um, it's not confirmed 100%, but Tom King is also now a part of the DC writing staff. He's basically, there's like, they've created like a Marvel, like what used to be with the MCU, they had like the Marvel committee of like Bendis and a bunch of other people. But like Tom King is an active, because he was writing New Gods with Ava DuVernay, which is no longer happening. But they're, just keep, they're keeping him around. And sure enough, he's probably going to write the script for this movie, uh, which would be insane. Um Y'all haven't read Supergirl. Uh, it is about Kara turning 21 and her to go going to have like she wants to go drink alone on a planet and then she gets caught up in a in a basically like seven samurai like fantasy adventure. Um, it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read in my entire life. Truly, like Bill Quist Everly, who did Sandman, uh, Sandman Theater. Um, just beautiful stuff. And like she basically turns into the Phoenix in this comic and like she gets new powers and like she, there's a lot of red kryptonite and like red sun stuff. So she's depowered a lot. She just has to like be herself. She acts more, she's more like Thor. She's more like a drunken Thor. It is like, a, it is like a, it is a departure for Supergirl, but in the Tom King way where he like, he kind of changes characters to write a good story. Uh, it's incredible. And the fact that this is, again, mm -hmm. the first, one of the first things they're putting out is this cosmic Supergirl adventure where she helps this rural village and this little girl like, unbelievable this movie is going to be expensive as shit if they're if this is the story they're telling uh it's really exciting this book is incredible and tom king uh i was so sad when new gods wasn't happening uh but uh he's back he's back love it um so supergirl one of tomorrow they mentioned will um uh, it's based on on the comic book, obviously, because that was one of his one of James Gunn's favorite comics. He apparently fell in love with it, like most people did who read it, um, uh, and felt like wanting and felt like adapting it, which is really cool. Because like what we're seeing, and I'll talk, and I've got a quote from him about comic books. But what we're seeing is that this is a man who was currently reading comic books. He's read comic books his whole life. He is currently keeping up with them, and 
we could he could literally he is now in the power he's now now has the power that you know comic book fans have been dying for hey i just read this book ring ring let's make this movie i don't know if there's been a quicker turnaround of a comic coming out to being in a movie this yeah. comic came out last yeah. year right this came out last year and there's gonna be a movie in potentially three years that is that is a that's how powerful that book is Mm-hmm. And also, so, so like how many, like Supergirl has not had that many incredible stories over the last decade, which is a big, big bummer. Uh, this would be her first movie since the one in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Supergirl. Love it. Cool. The Authority are getting this adapted. The, into a This is the weirdest show. one. This is the weirdest one out of all of them. Yeah, I was really surprised about this one. Um, mostly because like... If, Honestly, uh, Hamada would never. Um, no, yeah. but seriously, like, on TV. so the authority is going to be a movie based on the Wildstorm heroes, the authority, and that's really all we know about it. They did show us the cover of one of the of the I think the Warren Ellis issue, um, which could hint to what their what characters will be in the movie, uh, but we don't know specifically any specifics on it yet. Well, the the authority has generally had the same team in all of its runs, so it's probably going to be like the, the same characters. And like the most famous of them are Apollo uh, and Midnighter. Yeah. Uh, they've they've transitioned more uh, into the DC universe as opposed to the other characters, even though they're all in the DC universe. They are the most popular ones. Um, the thing about the authority is it's what the boys is making fun of. So the authority is it was a groundbreaking comic when it came out. It was one of the first like rated r superheroes taking charge like the hulk thing is like superheroes like doing doing it by any means necessary saving the world by any means necessary uh apollo and mid and midnighter are are a gay couple superman and batman parallel uh but they're insane midnighter specifically is is true chaos uh uh he just he loves violence and he has a supercomputer in his brain so he has like sherlock moves where he can tell what you're gonna do three steps ahead uh he's insane uh and i'm pretty sure he is the reason this movie got green because he is the most interesting character of all those characters um james gunn has an idea for what to do with the authority we're getting the authority before the justice league is formed and i think that's on purpose um i think a lot of people are speculating that the authority is going to take the place of what the elite are in the DC universe, where they are, they are the rough and tumble, rude Justice League, uh, and they they might be around before the Justice League is formed. So if Superman or Batman meet them and realize they are bad examples of how to be superheroes. They are good people, but they do bad things, like the boys. So um, this might be like the like the the morality check of the DC universe, where this new DC universe is going to be like what we want with Superman being bright and humble. But this will be like, hey, these are these are the bad guys of this universe who do things by anything necessary. Um, they will be the the squadron supreme, if you will. They will be the anti-heroes of this universe. That's the best way to put it. They're the anti-heroes. Uh, again, the weirdest choice. Uh, they 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 pilot a ex, uh, interdimensional uh, uh, cruise that can travel between dimensions. It's really cool. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned the elite. Um, that they'll take the place of the elite because Morrison just did a Superman uh, and the Authority book, which yeah. had members of the elite join the Authority. That's why people are doing that. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't finish that book, but that is that is very much the same thing of like Superman joining with a bunch of people who who do take takes matters in their own hands and he has to rein them in as an old man Superman. Uh, and people just love violence, and he's just like, damn it, guys, can you please not punch people's heads off, please? Stop liking violence. Stop. Manchester Black, chill out, bro, please. Um, so like, if that is the case. That's really cool. If not, it's really cool characters. There are some really, really awesome characters in this in this book. Um, so at least we'll got to get that. Um, I do think they will be like the 
like not the the crime syndicate but like the the justice league you don't want to have around if you can just have the justice league so you mentioned i think you i think you mentioned the right parallel with the squadron supreme yeah yeah uh they'll they, they will kill you if you're a bad guy like they have no qualms about that um and superman doesn't like that i think it's also <clears throat> i'm not gonna say this is gun's intent but i do think it is a way of you know here all the people who like the Snyderverse. here is your superheroes mm-hmm. who will kill and do this and i'm gonna put the heroes who are supposed to stand for more up against them. let boy howdy let me tell you like it, it would never happen in a million years but you know who would be a great the authority director would be Zack, Zack Snyder. Snyder. <laughs> and you're 100% right. I think that is the point of like, here's what the old guys used to look like. We ain't doing that shit anymore. And again, they are still heroes. So I think James Gunn will do the writing, the line of, hey, they are still good guys, but maybe they should learn from from these, from these Superman and stuff. Um, really exciting choice. Uh, again, for your first phase of showing uh, an entire well-rounded different universe full of different characters. And because, because they're heroes, because they're still heroes at the end of the day, it still opens up to the Justice League movie that I really want to see, which is Justice League versus the Crime Syndicate. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get there. That's an interesting context to possibly be in where the authority exists and then Superman shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like the Wildstorm, like Wildstorm was founded in Image and then and then they, they joined the DCU with the New 52. So like there's, they could, they could do, but this new universe really do whatever they want. Um, it is again. It's so interesting having your Batman and Superman like not be the same age. Again, it's, I like that. I like that. Uh, it, it's it's it is an interesting choice. Um, so that's the first lineup. That's the first few projects of Phase One or Chapter One: uh, Gods and Monsters. And I think honestly, right away, it already lives up to that name of Gods and Monsters. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like there there are there are almost more gods and monsters than regular people. You got the you got Dracula. You got a Dracula and a Wolfman. So it's just good. really it's just really cool to see this kind of breadth of of characters because we talked about it before like you know phase four we've got moon knight we didn't get moon knight in phase one um yeah. we're getting we're getting the gods superman batman uh green lantern and the monsters swamp thing the creature commandos like we're getting all these waller no okay um <laughs> she's like, a monster yeah the we're amazon getting they're gods yeah yeah amazons are gods like we're getting that that like they, it, it was an aptly named chapter I uh, uh, obviously this is wild speculation, but people are like, okay, so they're setting up like a lot of the big, the big players, whether it's you know uh, like big Superman or Batman or like the big like Swamp Thing stuff and Booster Gold from the future, and then everyone's like, okay, so like, then is the next phase going to be like all the regular folk? Yo, give me my Green Arrow, my Black Canary, and give me my Wildcat, and give me like like uh, like all those characters. Give me uh, the Phantom Stranger and the Question and all like all the street level heroes. Like I'm curious God. if it will be tonally. Like, like, like that kind of like chapter one, chapter two, and then it'll be a big chapter three. We have, they're all together now, uh, type of thing. It's super curious. We have never been closer to a question procedural TV series. Yeah. Oh, and, and in this, in this universe, James Gunn knows that's what everyone wants. So like, I firmly believe like all of the things we do want are now possible. I have, I have, this made me so excited. Y'all, I read so many Marvel comics. Um, and the thing that I love and hate about Marvel comics is that sometimes they try to tie into the MCU too much. Specifically, a couple years ago, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man were getting real screwed over because they just wanted to be the movies, right? Um, and then a lot of that is gone. Like, we are getting now regular Tony Stark. The Guardians have been good for a couple runs now, right? Um, I, I don't have to worry about that with DC. But what I'm also excited about is when Shang-Chi gets a movie, he does get a comic book when he didn't before. 
-hmm. Like Moon Knight now has more comics than he did before. Werewolf by Night has been featured more now than he has in the past 20 years. You know what I mean? So like for these movies, that means we're also going to get more of these characters too. We will get a new Creature Commandos book. We will get all these things. And it's just because they get they get the publicity and James Gunn will say, hey, buy this book. And then they'll sell it on Amazon because every single one of these books has now sold out on Amazon. I couldn't buy Supergirl when I wanted to. That's so um I wanna so I wanna specifically talk about that. Um but real quickly, Sparks and Ben, you've been a little silent on this. We've been like the, the the conversation. Um uh you guys thoughts on this first chapter or first part of the first chapter? I'll let Ben go first because he's been the most quiet. So far, pretty good. I mean, I will deny that I was very confused at first when it's like the authority, creature commandos, Waller. I'm like, why? But then the more I look into it, it's like you, like you said, gods and monsters. Here's the monsters. We then we got the gods. I'm glad we're seeing John Stewart. I don't know uh, how I feel about a Green Lantern TV show at first, but the more I think about it, the more it works. And I'm actually I'm I'm the more I think about it, the more I'm swaying to yeah, a Green Lantern TV show would be really nice. Although I do hope that they actually get to go off Earth because that's like the, one of the best things about Green Lantern is that they go off planet. They do a whole bunch of other cool stuff off the planet. Um. Other than that, so I mean, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I sure. have been burned. And all four of us, how many Comic Cons have we been to? Is sitting at the Warner Brothers for Hall H, and the D, the big DC reveal is we're gonna have this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do all these cool things, and nothing happens of it. Yeah. I'm not saying that James Gunn will not deliver, but. I am going into this with very cautious optimism and I, and I'm not going to say it's not going to happen because James Gunn with his, with him at the helm, I'm pretty sure it will happen. Mm -hmm. And I have a hundred percent faith in James Gunn, but I'm not going to be like super hyped up and super like, Oh my God, they're going to do this. I'm glad we're going to get Batman brave and the bold. I'm glad that we have a decent plan, but until they deliver, I will go into reserve a lot of my thoughts on this plan because I'm, because how many times have, so many times, so many times in the past 10, almost 15 years now, have we been as DC saying we are going to do X, Y, and Z and nothing happens of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's nothing. not true. Black Adam came out. It's a, yeah. uh, look, I'll, I'll bounce off that point, Ben, just to say that, like, I don't I don't think we need to be worried about the general idea of this going forward. I'm not going to say every single one of these projects absolutely is going to make it to fruition. They might not. One or two might not. Um, but the overall thing it'll happen because if this doesn't work they've got nothing like they won't be able to get an audience back in one more time um Mm -hmm. for a while it'll have they'll have to just pump the brakes entirely on dc for a while you won't you just won't get people to turn out because nobody's going to want to invest um but but the thing about that is that james gunn's all about storytelling first and he's been Mm -hmm. very clear about that um importantly no project goes into being made until the story is written um which is a huge departure from until what the they script do. is done yeah it, from what yeah. they do over at marvel studios where they're finishing the script uh up until the last moment um so that is very encouraging because it means like good stories are going to produce good products and we might not get every single thing he named here we probably will but even if we didn't we're going to get most of it also mm-hmm. i for i do believe that we will get everything announced for here because like it, he didn't announce 15 things right um right. also he didn't give release dates except for one meaning we have we don't know when to expect any of these so like mm-hmm. he didn't give oh this is coming out in 2025 may this is coming out in march so like 
So like, I don't know when any of these come out, and they could all take their time. We do like, know that we do know Creature Commandos and Wall of yeah. before Superman, but then otherwise, who knows? But what I mean is like, none of those have release dates like firm. So like, well, but, right. but to to Ryan's point uh, and and Sparks's point, uh, though we only, we know those we 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 have more information about those three because they're the furthest along. Yeah. Uh, everyone, every we we know as much as they've developed at this point. It might mm-hmm. like it might take like. They 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 could be writing the Batman script right, and like it might take a year longer than they expect. That's fine. Then they won't make that movie until yeah. until the script's done. So like if we have to wait, and like if they say, hey, mm-hmm. we got a Batman movie coming out in the next couple of years, and it takes three years instead of two, they didn't they didn't do what Marvel does and give us forty eight release dates for the next two to three right. years, where we know right. half of those change anyway. So like this was like what? the best approach. Where I do think all of these first chapter one things they will all come out in the next five to ten years for sure. Which and with James Gunn stuff because I was like even looking ahead in our thing about all some of James Gunn's quotes about like story first, director's vision, and all that. All that gives me hope. But we've been burned before. I mean, but what Ben, what Ben uh, is talking know, about, real quickly, Ben, I'm, because I'm going, I'm going to, I'm just going to reiterate something. Um, what Ben is talking about is exactly what Sparks is talking about, which is that Sparks said, you know, this is really it. They don't have another chance after this. Not really. Like you're going to have a very difficult time getting your audience back. People like there are people like Ben who have who are already at that point where you're like, I'm not sure if I'm here for this. Where I think with with us, we're giving DC this other chance. This mm-hmm. we we were confident on James Gunn. We. Uh, but there are people still like Ben who's like, you know what? You burned me already. That's fair. And well, again, I'm not we're not going to see, see these projects for a while. And also, I'm not saying that I'm like completely burned out in DC. I was with James Gunn with his with his leadership with the Suicide Squad. I wasn't really too hot on a Suicide Squad film until I heard of James Gunn directing. And I saw the movie. I freaking love that movie. Peacemaker, the same thing. I heard they're they making a Peacemaker show. I'm like, why are we going to make a Peacemaker about this no-name guy from this from the Suicide Squad movie? Turns out to be one of the greatest superhero shows I have ever seen in my entire goddamn life. True. With J- James Gunn is not the problem. The problem is DC's Zazzle off the other heads over there. But if they can keep their greedy, greedy little mitts off of it and let the creators do what the creators do best, and then stuff comes out, and I have a really good feeling it's going to be good because, because, I mean, it's James Gunn. So far, thus far... James Gunn has put out some really great shit. Some so really to, good. To help you along, Ben, real quickly, um, I w- I want to reiterate something that he's that he said that we've already talked about. You know, like, when they were hired, when Saffron and Gunn were hired, it was with the mentality of, you know, it putting creators in a place in a place like this is the way to go because the putting executives in a place like this hasn't been working. So we'll mm-hmm. try this Pixar method. We'll do this idea of like, and so. That's why Gunn is very much filmmaker first, you know, and to to be fair, that's also what I liked about Hamada. Like, I don't want to throw him under the bus completely, but like, I like that Hamada let the director's vision shines through. Like, that's a James Wan Aquaman movie. That's a Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman movie. Um, Like, it's not, it it didn't feel homogenized even under him. And so to see Gunn not only committing to that, but also doubling down on that. Like, these films will be, if James Mangold is doing a Swamp Thing film, it is a James Mangold Swamp Thing film. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, like I think that's what's, I think that's what's going to help this this franchise. That there won't be a lot of meddling from David Zaslav, uh, because he, maybe he knows he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But like, he 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 put them in charge for the reason that they will be in charge, not yeah. for not to not to be overseen by him. Right. But all. But really, the the gist of what I'm saying is, I'm looking forward to it, but 
I don't want to say too much until I see a trailer. Yeah. No, we all we all get it, Ben. We know what you're talking about. Um, I think I'm more encouraged by the diversity, and I don't mean like representationally, I mean just like how different this is from like any slate anyone probably would have predicted or come up with. Um, it shows an investment in the comics, <laughs> and it also shows an investment in the fact that they clearly have ideas and they have stories that they want to tell. That's where their focus is. It's not on crowd pleasers. We're not we're not starting at get all the, the things that are obvious out of the way first, and then we'll get weird and wacky. As Ryan said, starting with Creature Commandos is a clear signal of like, we're just going to do the thing that makes the most sense and we can do right now and we have a good story for. And it'll all work out. Yeah. And and yeah. James Gunn, there is no one better than than James Gunn to write a bunch of weirdos on a team. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm more, I have more faith in Creature Commandos than writing anything else because I know James Gunn is writing it, and that's going to be good because he's a good writer. He's written nothing but good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I will skip a little bit ahead and then go back because Mag has a comment that actually ties into a quote that I have. If that's okay, if Ben, if you want to put up Mag's comment. Uh, I says I'm interested in how Supergirl will be in the Tomorrow film uh, films or the Tomorrowverse films um, after the event with Legion of Superheroes anime movie. Yes. So Gunn has a quote about that, which I thought was interesting. He was specifically asked about the DC original animated films that come out from Warner Media. Um, the, uh, the 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 films are building to a are building a new universe right now, starting with Superman Man of Tomorrow. What does that mean? Because he mentioned that he wants film, television, animation, video games all to be connected. Um, what does that mean exactly? Uh, the details of which we'll have to wait and see. But he has a quote here about the original films, if I may. Uh, we're dealing with all. We're dealing with all that. He starts. Some of that stuff will continue as Elseworlds, but a lot of other stuff we're starting to bring into animation with Warner Brothers Animation President Sam Register, so that we'll have things that are connected with this. I think there have been a lot of really marvelous DC cartoons, so we're going to keep moving forward with that. Sounds like the volume will decrease, but the universe will continue. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Like, I don't think the Elseworlds banner is there just for the things that already started, like yeah. the Batman and the Todd Phillips Joker film series and the DC animated films. I think it's still there for like any other project. If someone comes forward and says, I have a really good story idea, it doesn't fit into the minutia of the world you are building, but it's a great story idea. It'll be an Elseworlds project, yeah. whether that's in animation or a video game or a movie. I think that the point is that he just wants to be utilizing those fields yeah. to build their universe rather than keeping themselves locked to just movies and live action television series. So when I when when they first said that that we want, you know, this this new DCU, it uh one actor will do everything. They'll do 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 games, movies, TV shows. Um and that's very very interesting because I am not against that as long as you are not uh, destroying everything else that's coming out. If if like if we're gonna continue to have a, like the DC animated movies, you know, a new Legion movie. Oh, let's do a new Batman movie in this universe, whatever. Mm-hmm. I that should continue because uh, I do not want the next guy who's playing Batman to now be the only person playing Batman in the animated thing. He's also only guy in the video game. He's also the only one in the TV show because that limits thousands of actors from doing every other role they could potentially be doing. Uh, so as long as you're not uh, limiting all of your animation and games to just the new DC universe, this is fine. This is totally fine. Because uh, that's when it gets scary. When, let's just say, like, uh, uh, Pedro Pascal is your new Batman. He's going to be the only person playing Batman in the movies and the games and the TV shows for the next five years. I'd have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that will be the case. No, and I think that what's valuable is that 
I suspect this is going to, while the, I think Brandon's right, the volume of the amount of DC anime films and how rapid they come out is probably going to decrease. An investment into their animation studio and their projects, regardless of if they are for the main universe or for these Elseworlds stories, is going to mean that they are getting better budgets, better teams, better support. Yeah, I think that is going to happen. I think putting an investment in a banner way overseeing the DC properties as uh, something that you should support is going to funnel more people towards it. And putting it specifically on an Elseworlds banner will make it so that people don't feel like it's something that they have to watch, but it might be something they trust to watch now just because it's getting this oversight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the DC original animated films are frankly always on the chopping block when something like this runs around or at least they have been for the past five years maybe more because they don't make a lot of money they're expensive to put out because you're putting them out only physical media and they don't get the return that you know frankly they i, I wish they got but they just don't um because of uh maybe streaming hurt that maybe they should be streaming only movies but at the end of the day the, it's interesting it's, it does sound like there hasn't been a decision whether or not the 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 franchise that they're building in these film in these films will continue uh that these film those films will continue because he does say we're looking into that there's like a decision one way or the other has been made but it does sound promising that he's not he's willing to be like you know we'll, we'll most likely keep those as it as is yeah. i my th this is starting to sound like the dream that i know marvel will never do just because they're doing something different which is fine they're building their own singular universe I just want a world where I can go see a Batman movie and it is tied to a Justice League cinematic universe. I can also next year see a different Batman movie that it's just its own thing, just like I do in the comic books. Or I can watch a Batman TV show that's not tied to anything. And I know that's an unrealistic uh, Hollywood view of the world because uh, that's just, we will never get that. But the, the, the Elseworlds thing is the closest I'm going to get to that. Or I can have multiple versions. We we are going to get a bat fleck while Robert Pattinson is around. So like my dream is slowly coming to a reality where it's just like the comics, where I I have a plethora of all my favorite heroes. Because why can't we just have a bunch of everything? That's how you make money. So Elseworlds, um, they they mentioned Elseworlds uh, being an imprint that everything is going to be specifically labeled Elseworlds. Um, that that's one one thing that's really important to him because right. he name checked he name checked like Arrow the Arrowverse and and things like that as not being clear or not being i wasn't quite clear on it but like uh he was like everything that's not part of this universe needs to be specifically labeled elseworlds from now on so um the batman part two will be elseworlds that has a release date by the way it's october 3rd 2025 um, um the director matt reeves uh talked about um how it's an epic crime saga very exciting um, obviously Joker Folio Doe and then Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman film still apparently in production. Yeah, that's great. Good, and, good sign. And and on that note, like that these Elseworlds things can continue. I do not completely care if Journey Smollett and Misha Green's uh, Black Canary film is set in this new gun Saffron created DC universe. I just want it to be made. Yes. I don't care where it lands. I just want it to be made. If it's an Elseworlds, it's an Elseworlds. I do not care. Just make the movie. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way about if Margot Robbie's not our Harley Quinn in this new universe, then give her one last project that's an Elseworlds to send her off. 100%. Uh, that's how I feel. Like, I do, do a good last project with her if you're not going to use her anymore. Please, for the love of God, do that. Um, yeah. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.
Um, Ryan talked a little bit about how uh, Tom King is uh, one of the kind of the architects of this new chapter of this new phase of DC. Um, other other names: Drew Goddard, Jeremy Slater, who worked on Moon Knight, Christina Hodson, who wrote the Flash film, and uh, Crystal Henry, Watchmen, um, are among other writers that are the architects of this universe. Another, uh, it's a good list of people. Yeah. Um, Saffron also said that Batgirl would have irrevocably hurt DC's brand if they put it out there. And yeah, all right. I kind of wish he didn't say that. To be honest. Me too. Even like I, 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 there, I think he's full of shit. There is, listen, there is a chance it's a bad movie, right? But it happens. But like, I just, I wish they wouldn't just constantly continue to shit on this movie that's not coming out. Yeah. <laughs> just let it die. Let it be like, hey, it was, it's not right for us. Sorry, Batgirl. But like to say, let, it was, let the people it who ruined our on brand. It. Let the people who worked on it move on. You don't have to be so mean to say, like, it ruined, it would have ruined our brand. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Yeah, that's really shitty. Obviously, um, I, just like you brought up with Gun, kind of throwing Birds of Prey under the bus, um, I, I kind of wish they hadn't say, said these things. It goes back to what I said about like specifically naming HBO projects as reference points. I'm like, I feel like there were talking points to this. It's not to say that everything they said wasn't what they felt, but that they had to hit certain buttons to protect Zaslav's ass. Again, like, True Detective is a weird but that's part of it. For um, and uh, and like, I'm sure that's close, but like close in a broad sense of like they're investigating a thing, yeah. um, and mm-hmm. like any other detective show right right but you said true detective uh because that's ours game of thrones it's about interpersonal politics and like that's own that one that's it um and and like who knows i maybe i'm wrong but it does feel like there were a lot of weird talking points that i feel like were driven by um improve the look of zaslav as the head of this brand specifically for the decisions that they've made um including the hiring of you and uh that one particular feels like you were told to say this if that girl came up, I feel like, and yeah. unfortunately have to, because that's how jobs work. Yeah. Um, but I, even if that was their opinion, I'm like, I don't agree with this. Yeah. Let us decide if it's bad. How about that? <laughs> I mean, it's the movie, the movie can never come out because of the tax break thing. Yeah. Let it die. Would, would Peter Safran have even seen it? Who knows? Yeah. Um, so he mentioned, so one of the things at the beginning of the presentation is that he said that, that you know, I mentioned already, movies, TV shows, animation, and video games all all want to be connected now. They're, uh, they don't want all of them to be separate entities. Um, to kind of get more clarity on that one, because I wasn't quite sure what he meant from just the presentation. He didn't really go into it, uh, in fairness. But I, on on first hearing that, I actually don't like the idea of of incorporating the video games into this overarching franchise. I, it's not like I needed Marvel's Spider Man <clears throat> to be Tom Holland. Let um, me tell you, lots of video game developers agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> and the like, way that's... video games are made is not how movies are made. They take a lot longer and they're a lot more difficult. And scheduling really big celebrities. Uh, that's why there's not a lot of really big celebrities unless you pay them a lot of money in video games. That's why there's voice actors who need to be paid more. Um, but like, yeah, like if, if they will make, Hey, uh, the next Batman, Pedro Pascal, Batman, and we're going to make a Batman movie with him in it or Batman video game with him in it. Don't that don't not, uh, don't make other Batman games. You know what I mean? Let there be mm-hmm. multiple Batman games if you're going to do this, but I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think they're going to truncate an entire section, uh, of, of an audience. Well, he, and again, like I go back to, I don't think that this is shutting out, uh, other projects. Like I think there will yeah. be other DC games 
that will now be called Elseworlds, but that there will be other DC game projects. I think that he just wants to utilize video games who sometimes tell a story that exists in this field. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I wanted to bring up the quote because I went searching for an interview that he did on DC uh, and he does have a quote specifically explaining what this means. Um, So he says, it's not like we're going to have the Superman movie come out and have this Superman game come out. It's more like we'll have the Superman film come out. Then maybe two years later, we have the Supergirl movie coming out. So what's the story in between there? Is there a crypto game that, that we can possibly, that we can play that comes in between them? Something that's still set in the world with these characters, but is its own thing. We want to give the prominence to games that they deserve. Okay, so if like 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 a comic book tie-in, but just turning it into a video game. Yeah. Yeah. And then like if you have a smaller villain in, in video game form, there's no reason they can't show up in live action still. I got it for you. It's um so Creature Commandos is all modern day show. Yeah. You want your World War II shit? Wolfenstein, but it's with a them. video game. <laughs> yeah. It's a video game they they make after the show. Yeah, yeah. That sounds all right. Yeah. And so so that's so this this makes more sense to me, and I'm glad that he, they were able to find the clarity to that. At the same time, um, you know, it it it's still I don't I I think what Marvel has done with the video with video, their video games is really great. I think that they're all separate universes; they're not connected to anything larger. And I don't want to see that go away from DC because DC has made some incredible video games, um, some not so much, but like still. Um, so like if we're getting both, I'm fine with that. There's a Wonder Woman game not coming out this year. It's probably coming out next year. But there's a Wonder Woman oh, yeah, game that's yeah, yeah, in yeah. development. Right. Um, that it's probably will be not quote unquote Elseworlds because it's not. Which is yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the thing is that, again, I think he just, he wants to utilize these tools where possible. He wants to utilize animation when it's possible and video games when it's possible. And to be honest, probably comics when it's possible. I know he didn't bring it up here, but I would not be surprised if he decides, you know, we really should have this really nice story that fills in this spot right here that would tell a lot of story. But it doesn't need to be an animated show. Let's make it a comic. Marvel used to do that. Then are like, we can't do it though. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the thing we've talked about before where like, boy, how nice would it have been if we'd had a comic that was set between Civil War and Infinity War on what Steve and the team were doing rather than two pages in a uh, movie companion book <laughs> that just are kind of them standing in a room. Yeah. Like, it, it, you could tell that story to really flesh those characters out and fill in some gaps. And I think that there's a, entirely a possibility. I think he just wants to use access to all the things that they have access to as resources yeah. to expand the universe when the story is right for it. I will be so excited because I bet it'll be a while before the first, like, video game tie Oh, absolutely. But I'm curious. I'm so I'm so excited to be like, I wonder what the first one will be. Watch it just be like a it's like a telltale crypto game where you're just playing as crypto. It's like doing, doing detective work. Um, so, uh, because we brought up comics, it's a good time to point out that yes, uh, gun used comic book, comic book, uh, comic books to promote these movies. And even set, even put out a tweet afterwards saying, these are, these are the comics to get what the tone that we're doing, that we're going for. Um, and they all sold out online. Um, many stores are sold out of them. They're sold out at a distributor level. Like it, 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 it is really crazy to see this happen and i really really and i and i no i'll say it this first i think this is this is gun's way of being like you know he mentioned before is like i don't want comic books to die on the vine i don't want them to be disrespected as a medium i love them and i want to promote them promote them i want them to succeed i don't want to live in a world where comic books don't exist anymore and he i'm paraphrasing some of that but still and so him using sorry about the car behind me uh him using comic books to promote these projects and then saying this is what we're going for well i believe will be the norm going forward for dc studios and hopefully it kicks marvel in the ass to do the same thing because i don't think you guys i don't 
think you guys noticed, or maybe you did, but we didn't bring it up when we talked about the Shazam trailer. At the end of the Shazam trailer is a is an ad for comic books. Go mm-hmm. read these comic books for this thing. That's really cool. I want to see that at the end of every comic book trailer I, and I, every DC comic book trailer. I cannot believe that first of all, those people saying that Marvel does this all the time, and then no, they don't, not to this degree. And people saying hmm. <laughs> Captain America Civil War is a is a promotion for Marvel's Civil War this in the same way that this is like guys using the same name is not, not the same way of promoting a book. Just because it's called Civil War doesn't mean they're selling more copies. Uh you have to put it on the screen. You have to tell people, hey, this movie you'll see in a year, this is what it's based off. Go check it out. And it's working. Those books are selling hot. You want to buy Batman's on the bus? You can't unless you spend two hundred dollars. <laughs> I think we're also going to see James Gunn take the same idea because he's he's aware of uh, how this influences people and uh, push push on the studios to be like, hey, maybe you should pay the people who made the comic we're basing this off of. DC, maybe we should give a little bit of money to them. Hmm? Yeah, I don't know, like I don't know about DC in general, but I know James Gunn specifically when he worked at DC, like he got he got John Ostrander and a a couple of guys a lot of money for Suicide Squad stuff because they put him in the movie and speaking line specifically. Yeah. Um. John Ostrander has a has a speaking line specifically to give him the to give him the kind of money that he would get as an actor, um. Because the residual wouldn't is is measly, honestly. Right. And so I think in whatever way he can, he's going to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really great. And so so there there is a there was a prevalent theory going around for many years that was not disproven and and for many years suggesting that comic book movies don't create comic book readers and. That was, and we now have definitive proof, I believe, that that is wrong. Because if you promote the comics, you create comic book readers. And for many, 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 many decades, the movies were not. Mm-hmm. This is like from the beginning of comic book adaptations, they they did not promote comic books, what, and that what, is why that theory create was created. And so, to having the idea of like, hey, we're going to create. We're going to create a bunch of comic book readers by saying, this is what these movies are based on. These are the titles to go find. They will do it. The only comic books that get sold after a movie is announced is the people who buy those comics are people who are already at the comic book shop. Mm-hmm. They see they say there's a new Ant-Man movie. Like, oh, I'll check out that Ant-Man comic because they're already at the comic shop. Casey Casual is not going to... I'm going to go pick up an Ant-Man comic because it's based off that. Like, it's It's so interesting that like the buzz around DC... Uh, like is so hot right now and like the, the sales are real like if you go on amazon you can't buy any of these books that any of these books ever announced none of them it's incredible uh dc ult or dc infinite if you go on their main page there's an entire row of here's all the movies we just talked about you can read them you got to spend 120 dollars a year to do it but but it's actually not that bad but at one one price it's a lot um they're doing such a good job of like getting people to read the comic um, and I, yeah, I agree, man. Like this will be, the, this will be the regular, the next fate, the chapter two, we'll see the exact same thing. And like, and those comics will sell out too. And that's, that's only a, a win for the comic industry. The the thing about what Marvel did that, you know, we gave them props because, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. You threw us a bone now realizing it's not enough is they put QR codes in their shows, uh, which, which would link to comic book pages. That's cool, whatever. But that wasn't explicit enough. That was a blink. There's blinking. You miss it. QR codes. Who's who in their right mind would, would be like, if I saw a QR code in a TV show, my first instinct is not to scan it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pause the show to, to read that comic. That's yeah and and like that way. and that's kind of cool sure whatever but yeah. and and it's nice to acknowledge the comic book creators but like doing this explicit thing of like what 
what Shazam did, what the Shazam trailer did, which was have the have the end of the trailer be an ad for comic books, just a quick just a quick title page of like these are the comics that the book is based on. That is enough. Yeah. That's frankly that's frankly the minimum. Quite quite frank quietly. The minimum. So I'm ha- I was really happy to see that and I'm really happy that that could be the norm. And honestly, I was I didn't expect it cuz cuz again like I I read uh, three issues of Supergirl, but I was like, "Oh, like I'll, I'll pick up that trade. Uh, it's definitely available on Amazon because everything's available on Amazon." And it's like, "We are out of stock." And then I went to DiscountTrades.com. We are out of stock. And I went to my Barnes and Noble across the street from my work, and they didn't have either. <laughs> Everybody's it's, buying it. It's really great to see. Yeah, sure. and it's really and, and it's really nice to see that the the adage "comic book movies don't create comic book readers" is not true. You promote the comics, they will come. Especially in the modern era of like how you can you can literally press one buy it now button and you can have a book delivered to your house. Like you show somebody something, you're like they they will buy it. It's very yeah. easy. The Moon Knight QR codes, like Mag brought up. Uh, I mean, like cool. It is fun that they did that. That's neat. Yeah. It's not the same as putting in front of their face. You should go read this comic. Especially if like if you don't if you're not like a fake nerd if you're Casey Casual. Uh, you're not even going to know what that means. You're going to be yeah. watching Moon Knight as a regular show. You might not even see the QR code or pay attention to it. Because h- how are you supposed to know as a regular person, I have to scan that to read a comic? Because like, I don't think, I don't know if Disney Plus tells you that when you open the episode, right? Like, no. how are you supposed to know that unless you're in the nerd the nerd zone? You know, there's the talking, James Gunn is saying all the right things for me. He's saying story comes first. The director's vision is the director's vision. But we do not have release dates for a bunch of okay. these because the story needs to be there before it's created. He did name check. He did not name check Marvel, but like he did talk about how like many superhero movies are, are, are filmed without third act written. And we're not going to do that. I, I, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and again, like this is also good. These movies can all turn out to be, you know, just like any other movie it could be totally fine. Meet or whatever. But like, he is saying all the right things for like, it is, it's gotta be so daunting. And remember he was just hired like four months ago. And he's like, all right, cool. Plan 10 years of movies and television and video games for us, please. And um, keep some of what came before. And keep, like, it is a daunting task. But, like, again, he having a partner instead of just doing it all on his own with, with Peter Safran, like, must be, is really great. And he also sees it as this incredible opportunity. And he's so passionate and excited about it. I think that's what's important. Yeah. And, again, yeah. working with Marvel for so long at this point a decade because with the three guardians movies he's learned from what from their mistakes and he's also the person who made uh if guardians become like like the like a perfect trilogy uh in the system and he understands that they're in the perfect position right now that they don't have to do what the mcu did because they don't have to uh hope that this next release after iron man works and that we get to build a universe he gets to open the door and say we know that there's an audience for these materials we just have to convince them that there are stories here they want to see yeah um so we're going to just throw that out there and he knows that that's where they are so he knows that they can go hard and go wide on what they're going to give them yeah and when you look at something like the legacy of what dc has done in film for many many years the idea of like we're starting we're going to introduce a new batman but we're going to do it in, in a batman family movie you know how many times have comic book fans wanted a batman family the thing is James Gunn is a comic book fan. He is he comes from he's one of us, frankly. Like he is he's he's a person who loves comic books and reads comic books and probably is also much like us. Hey, why don't you just why haven't you adapted the Batman family yet? What's what's taking you so long? Oh, yeah. I am in charge now. I can do that. Yeah. And it makes sense because we know that ba- everyone and their mother knows Batman. 
Yeah. We and we've seen we've seen a lot of Batman movies without Robin. It's time. I agree. I'm ready for it. I'm so man. I am. It is so crazy to think that like in like in a couple years time, like we will have like like an old like a 35 to 40 year old Batman with his son in the first movie instead of like waiting 10 years for a trilogy. Uh, that's just really cool. And again, like every time you make a new Batman movie or a new whatever version of something, you have to do something they haven't done before. And what have you done before? Just do with the comic. <laughs> yeah. Just do that. Just do that. Um, have it be where like, and again, with the Grant Morrison stuff, like they introduced like the Zurin Law stuff where like he has a fake, he has a personality built into his brain in case he ever gets his mind controlled. He says Zurin Law and then that mind takes over. Uh, and he's like, a, it's like a, uh, it's Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison is so wonderful, and I'm so happy that his books are that their books are sold out because, like, um, it, so many people are reading Grant Morrison's wonderful Batman books. Zoran Arg is so cool because it's it because it's a stupid concept of a of a of an interplanetary Batman who has Superman's powers in space from the '60s. That Grant Morrison was like, you know what? What if it's actually a misinterpreted words? Uh, what if it's actually Martha Martha Wayne's? misinterpreted words and it triggers a psychotic batman when he's when his brain was like beautiful Mwah. beautiful uh, morrison is one of the the great one of the great writers who uh he's like everything everything's canon everything is canon the stupidest stuff and the most important stuff all of it is real uh so i can so they can take whatever they want uh and that is just again starting from a uh, this is the last thing i'll say about it because i know we've been going a long time but like starting at a, at a base of like pure comic books of like we're starting with like four robins from the start is thrilling just mm -hmm. thrilling all right let's move on before ben passes out he already did and which what, what, uh, uh, real quick what's uh, of all these what is the the number one that you're excited about of all these superman okay what's the number two because superman i kind of knew yeah it's swamp thing cool. okay what's the number three good answer good answer uh brave and the bold that's good mm -hmm. i'll be honest right now i think my top is waller I have to be honest because because we know the creative team and because Stacked. and because I love Peacemaker and the fact that I know we're getting like kind of Peacemaker 2.5 but focused on Waller yeah. I'm like okay okay cool so you got to deal with that team that that uh that hit her in the head and stuff right super stoked for it you know it's interesting they this is the book of Boba Fett but they actually told us beforehand like no this is the book of Boba Fett not yeah. it's, it's Peacemaker 2.5 uh, 1.5 not 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 uh something new yeah i'm fine i'm fine with it i'm fine with it because it's focusing on waller and like yeah. it makes sense to have the peacemaker team show up again and you uh, know autobio her, her daughter oh god yeah up. yeah 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 like I'm, I'm ready god yeah Love and you got the doom patrol and watchmen people on it like my god my god i think this is very exciting um and if you're a comic book fan frankly i don't know why you wouldn't be yeah sure all right. If anything, if anything, this just gives you an excuse to check out comics you've never read before. That's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a bright future. I'm excited. It's a dawn of DC. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, trailers. <coughs> Atomic Heart. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on this one. Well, did you put this on here? I did. Awesome. I love that. Um, I think I remember something a while ago seeing some glimpse of this world so they I, I obviously put, released I put some, a like, trailer, trailer a while we back. talked about this like a year or two ago i was gonna it's say been in development like i've time. seen i yeah i saw this world a while ago and thought this was cool um we see a lot more now it's russian and, bioshock uh, and this looks like a lot of fun i was gonna say it's like it's like bioshock meets um 
something else. Fallout? That I was going to name specifically. Because it's retro now. futurism. Um, I'll think of it. Um, ben, thoughts on this game trailer? It looks pretty good. I mean, I thought when it said it was like a FPS action RPG, I was like, this looks more like just a straight up FPS to me, but um, the gameplay, like the, the way the world is designed, like that style of retro futurism, especially in Soviet Russia, it works. It looks really good. And also yeah. just like that whole, like the glove with the, the AI, the tendrils. Oh yeah. Infamous. Look, it looks, cre- it looks oh, creepy, but it also oh, looks in- mm-hmm. interesting. That's what I was going to say. Sorry, Ben. Sorry. No, it looks creepy, but it also looks innovative. And I would like to see more. I don't know if this game com- has me like um, convinced yet, as in like, oh, I need to buy this game, I need to play it. But it does look promising. It looks really interesting. So this is important. Did you watch the whole trailer or did you skim, which is fine? No, whole thing. Okay, so uh, there was a point I was watching the trailer and I'm like, this is pretty cool. I don't know if it's weird enough for me though. And then, yeah, yeah. And then, and then one of them bends down with a horn and slits the other yep. right yeah. up the middle from the torso. And I was like, yeah. "All right, this is weird enough." Yeah, so yeah, I saw I have that to be bit too. Cautiously optimistic because I think this looks this game looks too good to be true. Um, mm. It looks like it looks incredible. Uh, it really does look like open world Bioshock in Russia, and I and I just you know to for layman's like what this game looks like. Um, it looks like too good. The, the 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 graphics are insane. The enemy design is awesome. Uh, I'm not convinced that this isn't just like half of it is on rails of how good it looks with the shooting and like the movement and like. Yeah, there's a lot of environment stuff. Yeah. That I'm like, if you get to just go through that, that's yeah. really. Cool. And they say it, it is an open world. Uh, uh, there are plenty. Uh, ben, this is more of my genre. Uh, there are a lot of shooter RPGs. Like Far Cry has been that mm-hmm. for 15 years at this point. Uh, like well, yeah, Far Cry, Fallout. Um... Yeah. Oh god, there's more. Just cause? No. No, I don't know if there's upgrading. I've only played the first two. Um. Anyway, yeah. Um, this game looks too good to be true. So like, if like something's got to be bad about it, like the story's got to really suck, or like it's got to be like really like technically broken that we haven't seen. Because like I just can't. Be- this game looks like a ten out of ten. Uh, and I just, I it's I can't believe it because this is what I thought about the Callisto Protocol, and that game turned out to be shit. So anything's possible. Boy, this game looks awesome. Mm. I am so hopeful. Very hopeful. Brandon, any thoughts? No. <laughs> I was waiting for the question. I had that. I had that ready. <laughs> no, uh, I think it looks really good, but there's nothing I could say that wouldn't be just reiterating what you guys said. Okay, solid. Yeah, because I was like, I think Brandon would actually like this world. I think he'd like to play this game. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff on display here. I, I hope it comes out solid. Taking like having the little thing you can take over other people, other artificial intelligences and stuff uh, through the butthole through their butthole that definitely <laughs> that one was like that's where you put it <laughs> love it love it, <laughs> it that, bit, that last shot that last shot when like the soviet ai lady who has no face but the red star at the top of her head is standing over you i'm like oh gosh uh, yeah, looks exciting. the design is incredible yeah can't wait all right the power the Power. This is an Amazon series coming out with Tony Collette and John Leguizamo and Ali uh, Cravajo. Cravalho. What Cravalho. if the boys, but for girls? Sorry, I'm butchering it. Cravalho. That's fine. There we go. Um, the voice of Moana and appearing okay. in other things we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what if girls started developing a gland in their body that gave them electrical powers? And I'm like, you know what? We don't have Motherland Fort Salem anymore. I think this is our new replacement show. I think it might be. I think it might be our new. I do hate all young teenage girls because they're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this looks really cool. Um, and again, Tony Collette, uh, uh, 
in anything she does, I'll watch. She she she's one of those people where, especially after Hereditary, I'm like, I you have a free check in my opinion. You pick good stuff. So uh, yeah, I'll at least watch the first episode. This looks uh, you've seen you've seen United States of Terror. No, I know it's I know it's good. It was that that was pre me loving Tony. Yeah, Kale. yeah, no, I get it. It's early. It's an early one. All right. They Do you guys have no thoughts opinions. on the power? Not really. Not really. <laughs> Zip zero. Okay. Not a. Listen, we watch all the the cool lady. Shows. We watch we watch the lady shows. Okay. That's not that is not a my my lack of opinion has, is not an indication of how I feel about the show. I think it looks pretty cool. I just don't really have anything I want to say. I get it. Uh. Ben okay. hates women, though. That's the that's that, the, that the, is that's it. The, we did it. Say it. We did it. Three hundred and thirteen <laughs> episodes later, and we've exposed him. Got him. <laughs> that was the plan. It was a long ruse, a long trap. All right, pack it up. Nah, Ben loves women. <laughs> that sounds worse. <laughs> that sounds like you're coming. Like my some of my best friends are women. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ben respects women. <laughs> Okay. Damn right, I do. Well, let's let's. That sounded rude. Uh, let's go into our main topic. Okay, so we are here to talk about we we are beginning our journey to Screevy Scream Six. We're 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 getting we're gonna we're we got it we got we got it we got it locked on and we're like let's do that the let's get ready for Screevy the only way fake nerds know how to do it which is watching every entry of a franchise before the new one shows up that I've That's never true. seen before so we're talking today this time we did not decide to do it as one thing as I mentioned up top we are doing it as Pete we are doing it as separate things so next week we will talk about three and four but today we are talking about one and two. Scream and Scream 2, which came out one year apart, 1996 and 1997. Uh, I'm super excited. We're going to try and stay focused on just one at a time yeah. if we can. So we're going to just talk about Scream first. Um, first of all, I fucking love these movies. So um, you're going to get a lot of completely biased opinions from me. Uh, ben, how'd you feel? Oh, well, this is my first time interacting with the Scream movies outside of a Halloween store. Because, you know, you always see those, like, the ghost face masks in Halloween. Uh, the only other thing I knew oh, about okay. Scream was from Scary Movie, the Scary Movie franchise, where they would do the, Waza! like, we were talking about that when we were watching the movies last night. Out of these two, I highly enjoyed these. Um, I get they are horror movies, but they weren't like horrors, and I'm actually terrified for the person on screen. I mean, I am. But more so, like, I want to see how they get out of this. It was really cool to watch how Ghostface or the people playing Ghostface would be there one second, you turn around, and then you turn back and they're gone. It's like, oh, there were so many oh shit moments in, in both films that kept me on my toes and also kept me guessing and kept me thinking, who's the killer? How does it? It's like, who has the motive? Who has what? It's like, um, and then when the twists come up at the end, uh, I'm, I'm generalizing for both of them. We'll get down into the nitty-gritty details later. But when they come up with the twists, I was like, really? Oh my gosh. And then it's like, oh man, it all makes sense now. Why would I didn't see it before? So I highly, highly liked it. I had a good time with these movies. They were very fun. So oh, yeah. Ben, real quickly, just to bounce off of what you said, um, they operate a lot like murder mysteries, mm-hmm. um, which is what I think it was what I think is so successful about them. Um, I love a good murder mystery. I think murder mysteries rule when they're when they're rewatchable, especially. Um, 
like watching i think this honestly might only be the, the second or third time i've seen the first film um i know the first time i ever watched it was with sparks but i'm not sure when i would have seen it otherwise um and i um man that was years ago <laughs> sparks that was ages and ages ago um but i um i i went when the spoilers spoilers for all these movies um when when the phone dropped out of billy's hand i was like oh i forgot how obvious they make it that billy is the killer and then completely throw you off the scent yeah i have always enjoyed the scream movies but it has been a while since i watched them um scream one i think might be a masterpiece um (laughs) scream two is excellent it's really good but i think that first one um my God, I don't. Th- there are very few people who can ride the line of horror horror comedy camp like Wes Craven, mm-hmm. um, and specifically in 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 Scream, it, it is such an incredible line of like I'm afraid for this person to die, and then one second later I'm laughing at something they said because it's really funny, um, and it's able to be like it is a it is the best like a uh, uh, tightrope uh, uh, of this genre. Um, the characters are great. Uh, the mystery is fantastic. Um, it's like a bunch of characters are like in all a bunch of different movies, and then Nev Campbell is like, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm in this movie, in the real movie, and then everyone else is like really goofy, uh, and it's just really fun. Um, I think it's just fantastic. Uh, uh, I I'm glad that the Scream franchise has continued. I am sad Wes Craven is no longer here, but man. Um, I just I forgot how good this first movie was. I forgot how early it came out too. I was thinking like, oh yeah, Scream came out in like two thousand. I'm like, no, it's ninety six. Like, damn, that's early. Great, great movie. Yeah, I think I think Scream does an incredible job of of taking the piss out of the slasher genre at that point in time and shaking up what horror was doing. Mag brought it up uh, really well. I think great start to some of the stars in analyzing the horror subgenre of the slasher movies and villains. Very meta. It oh, does. Yeah. Uh, being meta really works for it um i think you're right like it has it has such a deft hand at handling its humor and its scares dewey uh, man. doing them at both times and um from moment to moment like deciding to linger on bits like when dewey goes to the phone after sid's gotten the call uh while billy's in prison and she she gets freaked out and she walks away and he walks up with the gun and he's like hello this is a a very very funny movie while also being like a really good slasher movie yeah i love it i mean you're right like it 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 walks that line because like there's the freddy krueger cameo like if you know that's incredibly hilarious when you're just like who's there it's like sorry not you fred (laughs) Fred. uh i forgot henry henry winkler was in this movie yeah a lot of people do if they don't see it for a while and then it's like oh yeah and he's this absolutely unhinged oh my god he's, he's unhinged and he's like he's like weirdly perverted but then like he does something really perverted and then like the next scene he's on the announce like the school announcement remember going, your principal loves your principal you. loves you and i'm like what is going on with this man uh it's like so many like weird different movies are happening at the same time that dev cam was just trying to live her life uh and it's like it, it's it's a I, I can't talk about the tone enough how uh, it's a beautiful a beautiful crescendo of so many different feelings at once and it's it's easy today, I think, especially for Ben because he's the newest to it, to take for granted how violently jarring the opening is uh, for the time that it came out. Yeah, Drew Barrymore specifically was cast, and people did not know she wasn't the star of the movie. They casted one of the biggest stars in the world at the time to be killed in the first ten minutes mm-hmm. as a joke. 
they did the same thing for the second one. And like brutally, <laughs> brutally, um, like the way that her, you get the shot of her entrails when she's hanging from the tree oh, is God. very like in the nineties, uh, in ninety six, like that really shook audiences up uh, to yeah. see that. And it's it's like it's horrifying, like with the parents and like the music and like they start screaming, uh, and then it does like the weird like the thing that it does, and I'm like, it's it's an interesting choice. I don't know if I love that, but. You brought the music up. I really like how oppressive the soundtrack is in this movie. Um, in this movie specifically, I can't really recall the the soundtracks for the for the for three, four, and five. Um, I do obviously watch two, so like I recognize that one. But like then this film specifically, like the 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 this like heavy gothic um uh, oppressive sound permeates the movie through its soundtrack and i think that's really interesting choice for something that is oftentimes very funny um like ghostface it gets beat up more than any other slasher ever in every, <coughs> in any history in any franchise uh and it's, it's funny oftentimes and so like and to have it have this like really just like Again, again, oppressive soundtrack is a really interesting choice, and it's a great soundtrack to boot. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. It keeps it very melancholic, especially around Sid, especially as you are slowly getting the pieces of exposition about what happened to her mom, mm -hmm. which I think is doled out very well Perfectly. through the film. Yeah. Uh, you're you're not fed it all too much at once. You get it in small chunks, and I think that's really good. This of a cotton, love it. The, 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 the small appearance of cotton. Yeah. In the first one, he's only on the news screen yeah. for a moment with seconds. an unspeaking role, but it's still Liev Schreiber. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, she, they knew just in case. <laughs> well, they cannot tell apparently... you how many. No, I was gonna say I cannot tell you how many times I'm watching both this movie and Scream Two, where I'm like, "Wait, this famous person that I know decently well is in this movie? What?" Um, Cotton, interestingly enough, I believe Liev Schreiber was was uh, cast specifically because. I, so Kevin Williamson apparently said that he had the idea for Scream 2 while he was writing Scream 1. So it was, I think, always intended to be two movies. Because um, this, as, as Sparks mentioned, the film actually came out less than a year after the first film. Um, and, and so they, they turned that one around real quick. Uh, and so I think probably Leo Schreiber was the, the like, let's get someone for this part so we can have him in the second one. Yes, Absolutely. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that like, that initially probably was might have even been someone else or not been there uh quite as as they see it and then they knew they were casting schreiber and so put him into this moment yeah um yeah it really worked out um scream what a what a, what an incredible film there's so many things that you can say i think one of the main things is that i think a lot of people can give um both skeet ulrich and matthew lillard a bit of ha a hard time for their acting performances in this film i know your mom did <laughs> yeah um my mom does not like skeet ulrich's acting in this no, movie. not at all um and that it's very over the top and i'm like they are both consistent at um a knowing they're the killers the entire movie once you know they're the killers and you go back and watch it, every single interaction oh is dripping with every them. Single they one. are playing two characters who have a secret, who know and are, and one of them is really excited about the secret, and the other is like, you need to freaking calm down. The first fountain scene, like when they're all hanging together, <clears throat> and like, and, and Billy and uh, uh, Stu are talking, 
and like and because i i've seen it before i'm like oh my god it's so obvious if, if once you know mm-hmm. uh and the body language and the way billy keeps trying to tell you to shut up and settle down because yeah. Stu is so giddy about them doing this yeah so mm-hmm. just being on the internet you come across screenshots of movies that you've never seen before obviously and one of them, of course, was the scene with Matthew Lillard at the end where he's like holding the gun. He's like doing like the hee hee face. And when I see him in this movie, I'm like, I put two and two together. So I knew that Matthew Lillard was the ki- was a killer. But then the more I watched it, I was like, but is he though? I, I never knew that Billy was the killer because like the more I see Matthew Lillard, the more I am talking, I see him talking. I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely a killer. But that doesn't mean there's not, there's, there isn't only one. Like There's, when Billy shows yeah. up and you think Billy's the killer, like when the <clears> cell phone drops off and saying, I thought, oh, is it him? Is he a killer too? Or is he the killer? And then Matthew Lillard just picks up or they just like swap off and off. Um, turns out, yes, they both are. But what I have to say is my, I actually really enjoy Matthew Lillard's performance. I know he is over the top, but the, I feel like that's his character. But also it's like, I know I kind of met people like that throughout my life. But then looking over at Billy, the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense that he would be telling him this, like, hey, calm down, don't talk like this. But it makes sense that Matthew Litter was the killer of the entire film. Um, I, I think people will say that, like, you know, Skeet Ulrich in particular is is not doing uh, a great job in acting certain scenes earlier in the film. And I would argue that I think he's so consistent because who he is at the end of the movie is who he is throughout the whole movie. He's just only letting parts of it out and i think it's very selective and i think it's very much there to like throw pete throw sydney off and uh lure her into his trap of thinking that he is the killer just so that he can try and prove he's not the killer by creating an alibi i think he makes all those moves very selectively this is a written in the script but i think skeet ulrich is still the character he is when he reveals how unhinged and insane he is and he's that throughout the whole movie. He's just that in different doses. Uh, and I think that that's why the performance is so good. It's because yeah. he is truly that character consistently throughout the film. It's Yes, it is kind of like, yeah, it's very obvious that it's there. But they give you just the right amount in the script to kind of trick you into thinking that Billy might just not be it. Also, what a revelation it was that there was not one killer but two. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring that up because... I, I, one of the things that I, I like about the Scream franchise as a whole is that it's actually not afraid to be predictable, but it's also also adds the second killer angle to the first film to say, yeah, it was who you think, but also there right. was this. So it adds that layer of unpredictability to a predictable setting because there's billions of slasher movies. Like someone's gonna gonna figure this out, but no, but because there's billions of slasher films, we're not going to figure out the second killer. We're not looking for him. And and this being like a like a like again like a meta deconstruction of, of what a slasher movie is like I mean you literally have Randy saying like here's all the rules of, of the movie we're currently in what we can't do like we have we have uh, uh, Sydney going like uh, why why don't you just run out the front door instead of go up the stairs that's so stupid or whatever right and then that exact thing happens to her because her front door got <clears> locked <throat> and she can't get out in time so she has to run up the stairs and I'm like they know what movie they're making. They they want to make a quote unquote traditional slasher movie. They they can also make fun of the genre at the same time. Right. You can make a great version of a movie while also making fun of the trappings of it, which is all the entirety of what Scream is about. And I, was, I, I sorry, ahead. real quick. Um, I just I appreciate like what you were saying, Brandon, because like it, it, it like a murder mystery movie 
the clues are there in the sense that like these characters are so consistently the killers throughout the whole film like you can really see it in every moment with them prior to uh once you know you uh one of the the standouts for me that i didn't catch until like the sixth or something time i saw scream it was it was some amount of times into seeing it um is that uh stew and it's funny because they throw you off entirely from it happening but stew tells tatum to go get him a beer yeah and yeah but yeah. then uh immediately after he says that she's like go get a beer and then uh gail comes in and they have the whole inter interaction with her and dewey about gail coming into the party and everything and that happens. Then Tatum goes to the garage. You almost entirely forget that Stu told her to go do it. And he Very, set her up like, to get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's there, but it's just not too obvious. Also, yeah. <clears throat> who puts a cat door in a, on a garage door? Someone who wants a death scene where a girl is pulled up by a garage door <laughs> until she's smushed. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't think that house exists unless it's in this specific movie. And that's really funny. There are some really gnarly kills in this, in this movie. Sure. I, I I really like the 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 fact that like I think Wes Craven I think Sparks is probably right about this film's a masterpiece I think Wes Craven felt really free to do this movie he was um, he did a um, we we've talked the praises to death of Freddy's new nightmare or Wes Craven's new nightmare excellent movie definitely what he was playing with what what we get to see and scream he's knocking at that door in Wes Craven's new nightmare Absolutely. and then he 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 goes further with it in scream like. He was he he was primed for this movie. He wanted this movie, and he puts all so much of himself and what he f he personally thinks into this movie, and it works because and, of that. And full, and full credit to Kevin Williamson, who also you know works on making these films with Wes Craven. Um, he's the other half of the coin that yeah. makes these films work. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to uh, outshine that. Like Wes Craven uh, has the overall umbrella for on screen for sure, but Kevin Williamson is instrumental to why these films have worked. Um, why Sydney and the others are such compelling characters who you want to keep revisiting. Um, Nev Campbell gives a really great performance. Uh, I I don't mean that ironically. I mean that sincerely. I think that one of the smartest interactions and in like moments for her acting in the film is this bit where she's in the bathroom um, and the other girls are talking about her mom and they are ludicrous, like Laying absolutely insanely up energy like it's not a bad scene but it is like very very like holy shit we are just going for the meanness and cruelty of what these girls are saying but she is hiding in a stall and it's just a close shot on her subtle uh acting to what they are saying about her mom and what that means about her and i think she's so good mm -hmm. at being this person who has so many things thought about her already um Sydney, Sydney, even before Ghostface comes along, is living a life uh, where everyone already has these expectations and judgments about what kind of person she is and who she is and constantly wanting to put her in the place of being a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, she is predetermined a victim because of her mom being killed, and that's pretty much it. And one could even argue before that because of people talking about her mom being a slut. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, she's been in this position forever. Um, and I think that it's really, really good that that a, this again being a sea change that she is this person who is given the strength and will to want to actively fight ghosts she's, <laughs> she's a fighter yeah um the 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 costume um so simple so wonderful so uh iconic uh because it is it is in the in the narrative of the film a widely released 
a, a Halloween costume that anybody can pick up anywhere. Father um, Death. Father Death. That's the one. Um, and like that. That's. I mean, and now we have that as Ghostface. But like the idea of like uh, throwing some, throwing once again, throwing you off the center of like who the killer could be because like it, it it's the Spider-Man thing. It can be anyone. Mm-hmm. It like there's only one person who could be Michael Myers, and there's only one person who could be Jason Voorhees. There's anybody can put on that mask and be Ghostface. Yeah, he's he's horror Spider-Man. Yeah, he's the Spider-Man. He's horror Spider-Man. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Uh, do Dewey. I forgot how incredible David Arquette is as Dewey. Yeah. Uh, the little, the the big little cop who could, you know, he's twenty five years old, but he's he's fourteen. I was twenty four for a whole year. Yeah, that is that's that's probably my favorite line. Uh, like Gail's demographics like eleven to twenty four, and he's like I'm twenty five, but I was twenty four a whole year. The other thing that's really funny about it is because it's Gail trying to take advantage of what she perceives as a dumb cop, yeah, and like having the opportunity, and also being immediately charmed by him yeah. in a way she just wasn't. I sure. cannot help it. I I was immediately waiting, for, like after every interaction that Gail had with Dewey in the very beginning, I was thinking, okay, she's just pulling, she's just do, pulling on the charm batting her eyes at this cop who is a little bit who yeah he's a he's a bit of an idiot i you love him but he's he's kind of stupid and then like when she's like no i actually care about this guy i'm like really huh because i think like gail especially at this time in her life she's like uh pond scum she's awful so the fact that she's someone who is so like unbelievably real and just like you're so innocent. Oh my god! It's she's like endeared <clears throat> to him. Like they are polar opposite people and an opposite tract. Uh, and then over the course of the of the show, like they they balance each other out, but while still being Gail, still a bitch in the next movies, right? You know, like that doesn't change. Uh, actually, but her I, I want to talk about that once we get to the next movie because I actually really like what they did in the second one. Because I was thinking that once they go, once we go from Scream One to Scream Two, I was thinking the complete opposite was going to happen. We'll get into that in just a moment. Yeah. Um, I think what's so great about Dewey um, is that there's a moment where the movie wants you to think maybe he's the killer, and then it's like, no, nah. um, <laughs> not Dewey. Uh, not it's, it's Dewey. not Dewey. Um, not Dewey. I, think I think that's really funny um, because there's the when she opens the door and he's got the mask, and like that's you're like, oh, <laughs> is it Dewey? And then it's like, no, nah, it's not Dewey. Um, and I think he's he's such a David Arquette is such a great great, great uh, uh, role in this movie because there's a there's a sense of innocence to Dewey in a way that none of the other characters have. He just wants to. He's young. He's learning. Ben called him an idiot. That's not true. He's an experienced. Um, and that's, I think David Arquette, I think David Arquette walks that line brilliantly of everyone thinks he's an idiot but he's not he's just an experience and he's learning and he learns throughout the movie and he continually learns throughout the franchise and honestly like the truth be told of the the screen franchise why do why do gail and dewey have such good chemistry it's because they they got together in real life like the chemistry was real for them and and so that's that's also part of what adds to those two just like having the charm and working off each other it makes you endeared to that relationship at the core of this franchise, which is really cute. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> lot, yeah. lot of, lot of murder, uh, obviously when, when Dewey gets, he, he stumbles out of the house and you see the knife in his back and I'm like, I'm like, I knew he'd survive it. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I like, thank God he survived. Yeah. 
<laughs> do it twice. <laughs> he gets stabbed in the same place in the second movie. Oh my god, the scar tissue saved him. That's brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple of notes here. Um bring them back. Uh Ryan Ryan noticed it for the first time, I think, um, that in the opening there is a uh slow guitar of don't fear the reaper yeah uh for billy's first scene with uh, sydney sydney yeah when billy climbs into a room like mm. a really like like a uh uh uh, 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 uh i'm clicking on the word acoustic a, acoustic thank you yeah. i had a brain fart acoustic version of uh, don't fear the reaper uh and i'm like wow this is incredibly sinister now that i know yeah oh my god brilliant brilliant choice the music the, especially the, the the pop music choices are really good in both of these, these these two movies but it's no mistake that like the first major um needle drop moment you get is this don't fear the reaper cover because it this movie is paying homage directly directly to halloween 1978 it is a major major milestone inspiration for how scream comes about the movie that it is not necessarily making fun of but um pick picking apart in terms of uh modern sensibilities for the genre at the time and um i think that's really really good obviously that comes full circle in the end because halloween the original is featured prominently uh for the third act um yes, to the is. point to the point where i think this is so cool um it accurately, it's not jumping around. The movie is accurately running in real time of when the events are supposed to be happening. So you're getting these sound effects that are being timed for the things that are happening in the film. So it's almost working as the film's new score. But they haven't altered where the film is running in time. They're that's, letting things play out. I, I, that, that's what I noticed this time around because it's so interesting. There's a moment where like Ghostface is stalking and we hear... Dun -dun. And it's the yeah. Halloween soundtrack playing as the soundtrack of the movie, but it's not. It's on this TV. I think mean, that's so cool. I, I looked at it, I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah, uh, there's a scene where because uh, uh, I was like, what's going on? And it's it's when Jamie Lee Curtis is in the closet and she's getting attacked by Michael. Uh, and and I'm, you're hearing the sounds. And yeah. you're hearing the sounds and I'm like, man, this is really clever. It's very clever. Yeah. Um, I think the interweaving and like it's both paying tribute, but like taking from and functionally using parts of Halloween 1978 as its own music background, I think is so, so smart. Yeah. Um, Mag brought up the opening with Drew Barrymore being iconic. Yes, absolutely. We did touch on it a little bit. The earlier. voice, the, the, the ghost face voice. Oh, yeah. I like iconic with capital I, I, I. Yeah. Like, I, I think that is like, I, I want to buy one of those things. I'm sure they exist now. Uh, whoever, whatever the guy who does that voice, he's, he's set for life. He's so good. I could have swore that was Steve Bloom when I first heard it. Definitely. No. No, no Bloom. You know no, what? No, I actually, I, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I, uh, I get it. Yeah. I, I, the, the, there's a Steve Bloominess to that voice. Oh, he's got, he's got the rasp. Oh, yeah. But um, what the thing that I think, I think that Scream does so well is that everyman kind of horror of like, this could literally be anyone. And like the, watching the movie back, back after seeing it for the first time, it's pretty obvious that that's pretty obvious that Billy's the killer, but it literally could have been anyone in that cast outside of Nev Campbell. Um, yeah. Like it, it, it could have been Dewey. It could have been Randy. Yeah. It could, it could have been the dad. Like there is no reason. And like, and it's because it's not their actual voice and it's cut and it's covered from head to toe. <clears throat> Roger Jackson is right. the name of the voice actor who plays the voice of Ghostface in the entire Scream franchise. Great, great voice, great voice. Except for Scream season one. Uh, yeah, okay. I just meant the movies. Yeah, but yes, except for Scream, um, season one and two. 
There's there's two seasons. There's two three. seasons of that show. There are three, three seasons of Scream. I might try to watch those before Screevy comes out. Uh, yeah, I guess sure. Good Maybe luck. the last two seasons. Huh? The last two seasons you said were pretty good. No, I that's inaccurate. I said the last season was terrible. Um, the Ooh. first season was pretty good, and the second season was also pretty good until it got to the reveal of the killer, which made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Well, is it streaming anywhere? Maybe we'll see. It's on Netflix. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about that. Um, oh, I love also going back to the bathroom scene. I also love that it is never made clear if that was even Stu or Billy because it probably wasn't. It was probably a kid messing around. Mm. Being in the ghost face oh, costume. yeah. Like we yeah, never yeah. find out one way or another. And it's one of the reasons why Sid's not even going to bother trying she to tell an it. adult or a teacher right there. She's just going to run. Because for all she knows, she knows that kids are running around in the outfits and everything. She's already seen it. And she just got in, like, in egg on her face for fingering Billy at being wrong. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I I love that. I love that that detail is there because, like, there's no reason for us to believe that was Billy or Stu. Those yeah. <clears throat> uh, Mag has a comment that's confusing me. Uh, real quickly, Ben, if you want to pull that up. Not even a Blumhouse reference. I don't I think, believe Blumhouse was around when this, I think when this movie was released. I think he's joking. Okay. Um Blumhouse now health makeups, right? I think so. I think they made they they made Scream Five and, and Six. Yeah. I think he's just he's joking. Um Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts on on, I'm on looking at one, the... one cream? One cream? Mm-hmm. One cream. Uh Tatum is to this point, I'm pretty sure, but we're gonna go through the movie, so I'll I'll remember one way or another, but I'm pretty sure she's the only person who refers to the killer as Ghostface. Mm. Um I don't think that anyone else ever in the films refers to the outfit as Ghostface. They just call it the killer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we, as fans, call them Ghostface, but that moniker comes from Tatum. Um, oh, real quickly, sorry. Blumhouse does not produce Scream 5 and 6 because they're mm-hmm. produced by Paramount, not Universal. There I didn't. Yeah, that's what I thought. Paramount. Um, uh, Randy's oh, iconic. Real quickly, real quickly. I'm so sorry, Sparks. No, Ooh, go ahead. Paramount. Oh, no. Randy's iconic uh, monologue about the rules. Oh, I'll be back. Um, oh yeah, that, that's that's an incredible scene. Um, just, oh, the, that scene leaves an info. I forgot, I forgot how intricate actually, like the whole the whole plot of of the mom being killed by Billy and Stu because because Billy's dad was having an affair with, with Nev's her, mom, uh, uh, Sydney's mom, which made his mom, which made his mom, mom get abandoned him. Which something happens in Scream Two is crazy. Right. I love, I love how just like stupid and like like nonsensical. <clears throat> I love it. Also, a super important point to touch on is the very clear um, subtextual homoeroticism between Randy and mm-hmm. uh, sorry, not Randy and uh, between Stu and they Billy. even say that in the yeah. second movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 very much there. Um, uh, Billy is definitely did it at least once. Billy is very angry about it, and Stu is not. Right, um, you definitely get a feeling like like Stu's bisexual hardcore. Oh yeah, uh, and and Billy, uh, well, we don't know. Maybe he just needed Stu. He's horny for murder. <clears throat> yeah, um, but it's definitely there. Like you, you see it more than once. The way that uh, Stu will put himself around the backs of other guys. He does it to Randy in the video store. Yeah, and yeah. he does it most prominently to Billy in the reveal scene. Oh, um, yeah. and he gets right up behind them. Uh, yeah, song "Red Right Hand," one of one of Craven's favorites, um, associated with uh, the franchise from used, here on. Yeah, used multiple times in the mm-hmm, second movie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
uh yeah i i think that's that's really great i love randy's scene in the video store um especially oh my the God, part where it's so like loud. there's always there's always a good reason to kill your girlfriend and then like there's a little <laughs> woman in the back. behind him who just like looks up and she's like <laughs> he does a no face and runs out and leaves really good, really good. super good uh yeah i forgot how yeah uh oh script's so good I remember, what, I remember what I was going to say. I've been trying to figure it out for a while. Um, there's a uh, there's a prevalent conversation going on for most of our lives about how media influences violence. Um, and, and many people were saying, you know, no, it doesn't. And so like Wes Craven um, has it in this movie. Yes, these are film fans who are also psychotic, but the films were not the reason why they're psychotic. Um, because they have that whole line. It's like, no, movies don't create serial killers. Movies make serial killers more uh, more clever. More creative. More creative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we'll get to the second movie, which is really funny. Um, yeah, it is It is its own uh, idea of how media in, and violence kind of interweave themselves, especially I think Screen 2 has a lot more that it wants to chew on about that concept than this one. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, but I mean, like, when you are making a meta-textual comment on horror films as a whole, it's going to come up, like, how that relates to the killers themselves being uh, affected by it and wanting to do this. It's especially Stu's, like, terminology of saying, like, you gotta have the sequel, um, all yeah. that kind of stuff. <clears throat> it's a it's a good plan. It's a, it's a good uh, reveal of all the pieces of what they were doing, and they're foiled by being human. It's one of my favorite things about Ghostface. It's why I love watching these films is that he's so fallible. Um, Ghostface is a killer, can be tripped up, can be knocked out, can be beaten up. Uh, I really love it. It I, happens I, all I the time. It it, I, think it, I think it makes it more tense because it feels more like it can happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Uh, Game two? Hold on. Sorry, I had I had just a little bit more. Oh, the the reliance that Billy and Stu have, the absolute certainty they have that the uh, rest of the guys from the high school who are still left at the party are going to be so callous about hearing the principal was strung up on the goalpost that they're going to leave the party. They were like, when we need everyone to clear out, that's when the phone call will come through, letting them know that the principal was strung up on the goalpost. What timing. I love that like five drunk teenagers are going to like, yeah, let's go drive to a crime scene while we're under the age intoxicated. Yeah. Sounds smart to me. Right. Um, but they want to see him. Uh, it's oh, the, uh, my final thought, uh, uh, the Randy uh, scene where he dies, but it's 30 seconds behind on the cameraman's box. So mm -hmm. like, like yeah. kid, get out of there, get out of the way. Oh, wait, oh. it's on a list on 30 oh, seconds. You want to talk about the, the Jamie, Jamie, turn around. Oh my God, that is turn so around, funny. Jamie. So this actor's name is Jamie Kennedy. So he's talking about himself in the movie where he's about to die. Uh, while, watching he, while watching Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Curtis. Curtis. Uh, <laughs> incredible. You, Wes Craven, you, you, beautiful man. Um, you rest in peace, the, sir. The drunk driving teens leads to one of my favorite lines in the film, which is uh, Gail pointing over and saying, is that what you've been looking for? And Dewey staring at her saying, my whole life. <laughs> it's, it's the most, which is the most young Anakin energy. Oh in my the God, line you're right. For this ever. You are so right. <laughs> My whole life. Oh my god! He's gonna feed her like a space <coughs> space pair next. Are you an yeah. angel? Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed. I think the cast is great. 
the performances are great the score is great yeah uh the cinematography is awesome the editing is pretty sharp there's a couple of things that i don't think have aged so well in our very 90s but overall it's still just like even as a product of its time um as mag brought up like like being limited by the technology they had at the time like having to use the computer to try and call 911 when the oh my god i love it <clears throat> uh just just what a what a great little film i love it so much um ben what would you rate it uh probably an eight and a half or a nine yeah pick one i'm just kidding <laughs> i would give it, i would give it a 10 i think this movie is like almost flawless yeah. uh honestly i think now like now that i've watched this one and two and i've most recently seen five i think the first one is probably going to be my, ended up being my favorite uh, maybe Scream Six, if that movie is as cool as it is and as inventive and being like a new city. But uh, Scream One, the original. it's it's just it's like it's perfect. It's just like it's almost perfect. Uh, I, I think it's incredible. Do we all rate it? Let's see. Yeah, we all rate. No, it. only three of us. Uh, oh, I think I'm leaning toward a nine. Oh yeah, baby. I think I like it. I think I live in a nine area. That's even higher than you put on Letterbox this week, so that's awesome. I changed it. I don't know if you saw. I changed Yay, it. Hey, I love it. Why? Well, I, I I made it. I made a four and a half star. Yeah, yeah, that's a nine. Yeah, uh, a nine. Uh, I I love it. It's a ten. Um, I I wondered if like on this another another viewing yet another viewing would I reassess and take it down? And I am saying nay, Not sir. Nine. It is a ten. It's a me. classic. This is a classic. You can't stop it. All right, let's go to Scream Two. Scream Two. Just, just too. They didn't do weird stuff for this one. Let me let me imagine. <laughs> uh, so Jada Pinkett Smith is the star of this movie, just like Drew Barrymore was the star of the first movie. Her and Omar Epps. Yeah, they are. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is on like the box art of like the DVD thing, like when you turn it on, <clears throat> and I'm like, she's in this movie. The for most, a long time. the most insane movie theater audience ever. I yo, yeah. man, I've seen, like, like I've we've seen Endgame so together on the like, on the line of R, I don't R, I don't R. even really want to see this movie. I just want to stand in a room with a mask and a fake knife and scream. See, here's the thing: like those types of theater experiences happen for like Rocky Horror Picture Show or like The Room. It's not for opening night for of opening a movie. Night, yeah, because like I can't hear what the movie's saying. Right, it's a it's, it's a preview screening. It's a preview <laughs> screening for a movie that is the first in the fran- in a franchise that is based um, on a true story of murders. <laughs> And so, like, to have that packed of a theater with everyone just like, yeah, I'm going to run around and stab people with my fake knife is wild. The hype was too real. Man, the stab universe, Man, the people, universe. People show up in a passionate fervor for Heather Graham, Tori Spelling, and Luke Wilson, let me tell oh you. Oh, my God. Luke uh, Wilson. Did you know that Robert Rodriguez filmed those? Huh? Robert Rodriguez filmed those scenes. Yeah, I love it. It's, I it's so that. good. Incredible. It's so good. Um man scream 2 i don't think I, it is i don't think it's as good as scream but boy howdy it is not a it is a great movie it is almost a perfect sequel uh i don't have a lot of uh, really a lot of issues with it either uh it's just not as not as tight because it's a sequel it's trying to do bigger and bigger things it, it's it's more chaotic and i love it for it i love who our villains are for this movie i love yeah. them i i Honestly, I go back and forth every time I watch it. I'm like, is Scream 2 my favorite? Is it Scream? Is it Scream 2? The thing is, it's trying to say, I like, like, because it's just trying to do more than the first movie. Uh, uh, so, like, I like what it's trying to say and how funny it is. And it continues mm. to be really funny. 
uh, and Timothy Funnier, Oliphant, Funnier. and Timothy uh, Oliphant is so good. Dewey evolves completely into a Twin Peaks character. Dude, he gets his own theme in the song universe. with like a he's like don't, he's, don't, don't. he's so Dale Cooper in this movie, like or like young Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Uh, the stuff with him and Gale, I love. Again, like the the soundtrack is like amped up, so there's like more pop and stuff. Um, just everything is kind of ramped up to, a little bit because that's what a sequel does. After uh, five. And what what five does does with Dewey, which I won't spoil for Ben. Um, I was thinking like, has Dewey just always been my favorite character? Mm-hmm. Um, and then watching Scream one and two back to back, I was like, oh shit, Dewey has always been my favorite character. He's great. Dewey's great. Yeah. Um, um, I really like watching him evolve. Again, going back to like what the thing of like he's an experience. He's learned from he's learned from that that thing of like. And that's the thing about watching what Scream is so unique. What makes Scream so unique is that it has had the most of the same core cast since the first film, and we've seen them grow and we've seen them evolve. Mm. And every movie doesn't revert their characters back; that evolves their characters in new ways. Gail's arc in this film, at first glance, is a repeat of her arc in the first film, but then you realize that she reverted back to that person, and then and then when character when when she puts down that wall the character development picks up from where it was in the first film and she progresses even further. Once we get introduced to Debbie Salt and then that's the Gale of this movie. Yeah. Gale's like, oh, this is is what I'm like. This is what I am to other people. This sucks. Uh, And Gale starts to become a better person. Uh, Because she realizes, oh wow, maybe this isn't the way I'm supposed to do things. That that and being reunited with Dewey. Yeah, uh, Um, uh, her mm -hmm. true love. Uh, Ben, give give me some overall takes on Scream Two. How you felt? Uh, Also, really enjoyed it. Um, What I love about what I really like about Scream Two is that it definitely takes the lessons learned from the first film and uh, applies them, but then they have to create more things to get around it. Like Sydney, obviously, she has she gets a bunch of phone calls from people asking who her favorite scary movie is. She has a a little phone ID thing. She's still very she's very trust or she's not very trustworthy. She still keeps people at arm's length, like her boyfriend who when all the murders start happening he she keeps him in a way and he's like i'm gonna be there to support you but at the same time you need space like when he says and i'm supposed to be understanding she's like yeah he's like okay i will be and he just not doesn't cause a fight doesn't cause a scene i mean that's a good boyfriend that is a very good boyfriend and also one of the things i really like is how they handle gail and dewey because when you see Gay for the first time, she's like, okay, she's famous. She has a bunch of money now because of her books. The The film is, is hitting up. She's kind of, she's a little, she's kind of bitchy. But then when Dewey comes in on the scene and he sees Gail, I'm thinking, oh no, did she dump him? And he's just like a straight little puppy dog. In fact, it was kind of the reverse. I have, I get the feeling that he was the one who said, no, when this isn't working, and or he said no if you're if i'm not gonna be in your life and then i'm gone while gail goes to do all this famous stuff and when he talks to gail he's not like gail i miss you please take him back he's like no i remember what you did all you if, if you, i may said, no. if i may i think i think a totally valid reading of this film is also that maybe they just didn't give it an honest thought and i'll just try that yeah. they 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 just <laughs> were never really a couple and and dewey was just kind of like what are we? I think, Nothing. I think Gail, like, like there was something there, but Gail got famous and swept up in that and, yeah. and left. Like, yeah. she left Woodsboro, mm-hmm. and Dewey didn't. Dewey was recovering. Um, And then her book comes out, and then this is when he sees her again, and he's like, yeah, you kind of feel like you used me. 
Oh, which was she... which was her initial intent, but we know that there was something real there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she even says some not so nice things about him in her book. He he quotes the page about how she I calls love, him like, like book... page forty two. I love that so much. <laughs> He's like, look, I read your book because I wanted to support you, but at the same time, I see what you thought about me. So I'm like, no, I don't want this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the, the the new cast in this is great. Like our support, our returning cast is, is obviously still great. But like Sarah, yes, uh, Mag brings up Sarah Michelle Geller shows up for a little bit. She's one of our you know uh, uh, random uh, 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 teens who gets murdered here. Or no, not teens anymore. They're in college. The, the guy. Movie, real quick, the fun thing about this movie is, despite this coming out less than a year uh, uh, from Scream One, this takes place years after Scream One, uh, which is really cool. She's in college now, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's fun. Um, the the there's a cameo in the first film in the second film that's um I thought this guy would be a bigger role because it's the guy from Fringe, Justin um, Justin Johnson, George. I Sorry, man. Um, we know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's in it. Joshua Jackson. Ju- what is it? Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson. He's in it for only that scene that Mag is talking about, which is his favorite scene. And I thought I was like, oh, he's in this too. No, he's not. He's just in that scene. Yeah, Dawson's Creek wasn't big yet, so he wasn't big yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should have waited a year. But Sarah Michelle Geller was surprised. I forgot that, that she was in this. Um, I forgot about his her boyfriend too. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, thank you. Yeah. Um, Timothy Oliphant. I love Mickey. He is so like weird. He's such a weird guy in this movie. Portia de Rossi as the oh the sister, the sorority sister. Yeah, her and Oh my god, I forgot about I forgot yeah, that was her, Portia de Rossi. Her friend also Rebecca Gayhart who was also, also Rebecca Gayhart, a, a, yeah. a big 90s a big 90s lady. Uh I forgot like man, like all of these movies are just filled with young actors, young this, actors. I do film, want to... oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 please, please. Well, I was just going to say, this film is bigger, but it's also funnier. Um, yeah. there, there's a lot of really funny lines. I think Sydney really, I think uh, Nev Campbell really settles into the Sydney character, who the Sydney character will be from now on yeah. in this film. She, this kind of like fed upness of like, I've been through this already. Um, you're not going to get away with this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she's got that kind of confidence of like, I'm not going to be the final girl anymore. I'm going to be. And, and real quickly, my final thought on that is just that like, she also delivers some truly great lines. There's a line at the end of this film, which I wrote down. I was like, uh, when it's revealed that this is Mrs. Loomis, the mother, and and uh, Gail's like, no, it can't be. I've seen pictures of you. And and she's like, yeah, this is 60 pounds and a lot of work later. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is yeah. really funny. No, I really I really love Sydney's arc through this film. Um, it, it's one of the reasons why I almost put Scream 2 over the original so many times is because I think Sid's arc is is not only really good but a rarity in yeah. a horror movie where um you are getting this person who was the final girl and she is actively dealing with the idea of trying to live a normal life after that and trying to move away from her trauma and for a, a, a portion of the film kind of having a back and forth of facing it or running away from it um mm-hmm. until she makes the decision i'm going to face it yeah uh and i think that's really really good i i love the idea again of like going back to this character who has been made into a victim for much of her life and trying to li- move on from that and then having to say like i i will just actively not be that victim like you won't yeah. get to play these games with me she Nev Campbell is so good in that first movie, but it is a much more reserved role. Like she is, she is playing like the teenage final girl. She is like hardcore in this one. 
I like Nev Campbell is so good, you know, in all these movies. But like this one, like I was like, oh, she's a superstar. She isn't. She isn't. She's an actor. And again, she, she's really good in the first. But like, man, like she's bringing it in this one, and she brings it for the rest of the franchise too. Um, and it is right. Like, is she? It would have been such a bummer to have her just be in the same role. Like, oh, you know, um. Uh, I'm still innocent. All these bad things have happened to me. Like, no, girl, take charge. Hell it's, yeah. It's one of the reasons I love the entire, like, theater scene so much, um, which is her talking about dropping out of the play and him being like, like, part of the reason you're perfect for this is because you have faced this. Yeah, yeah. So go and face it and, like, use it. Her her trying out, like, that's just a genius scene. This, like, the Greek faces oh, and everything spooky. with the knives. And it's like, man, this is going to be really triggering for you. Here we go. Um, And again, another, like, kind of, like, uh, the bathroom scene there's no concrete information to tell us that absolutely mickey or mrs loomis were in that room that could have been now, a hallucination now, now i will say you can very clearly see if you're watching the shot closely where Ghostface steps away and moves another person into the spot but i don't know entirely if that's just because you can see it yeah or you were supposed to see it because i do think that it's supposed to be the, like the bathroom scene where you're supposed to be ambiguous. not entirely sure was Ghostface there or was Ghostface just in her head yeah uh, and I really, really like that. I really like the idea of, of it just triggering her trauma and that being part of what she has to overcome in this film, that sometimes Ghostface isn't even there, but she's seeing him. Um, and I think that's really, really good. Uh, ben, did you... Did you? There's no way you could you could have predicted Mrs. Loomis as the killer, but did you predict oh, that, no. that Timothy Oliphant was the killer? Because he disappears nope. pretty quickly into the movie. He does, and I should... And when uh, Timothy Olyphant reveals himself to be the killer, I was like, I should have saw this coming, because I completely forgot. I was too focused on the boyfriend. I was too focused on, on like, even the camera guy. For a second, I was suspecting the camera guy, because he leaves, and guess what? And then, like, he's a, he kills... And then Randy uh, dies. Like, Randy dies in the camera in the camera van, so I'm like, oh, shit, is the camera mm -hmm. guy? Is is he a Both films both film are really... In the movie. Both films are really good at... Making a, making a character leave a scene and then killing a character and then having the character return to the scene. Yeah. Um, and it's not not always the same character each time it happens, um, which which I think is really really cool. Um, he but he that that guy is like quickly disavowed of being the killer because he faints in a very convincing manner of just like oh yeah I yeah. I love. I love that character because he's like, okay, so I found out that the guy before he got gutted, he got murdered. Uh, well, he didn't get gutted; he got his throat slit, and he's like, that's he, he ain't in murder. the union anymore. <laughs> he's not in the union anymore. <laughs> Such a good line. And then that dude bails. He bails, and that's so smart. And then, and then he comes back. He after comes back old. after everything's done, so he can get some credit for it. Not Let's do this like so, the old days. So smart. Oh my god, brilliant! I love that. Um, I, I had remembered. Uh, sorry i had remembered that the reporter that that um what's her what's the real name of mrs loomis we not the real name. first name what's your last name loomis loomis no 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 sorry i didn't mean debbie real salt. name I'm, debbie salt thank you um the, the I, I remember debbie salt as the villain as the as one of the killers but i couldn't remember who the second killer was and i was going back and forth between jerry o'connell and timothy oliphant um and i was like it's one it's definitely one of those two um uh so it's kind of fun when you when you can when you don't see a movie for so long you kind of only half remember it um yeah. and, and it still surprises you so the, i i haven't real quick i haven't seen scream 2 in a while uh uh, uh and i re i the only reason i remember timothy oliphant was a killer because i see the gif of him doing the frankenstein getting up and getting shot 20 <laughs> times because mm -hmm. that is 
a hilarious scene. Uh, he just like gets up. Uh, but yeah, I completely also forgot that Mrs. Loomis was was the killer. So I see mm-hmm. Debbie Salt and I'm like, this bitch, she's just trying to be the next Gail Weathers. And I'm like, oh my God, it's perfectly sane, reasonable Mrs. Loomis. Um, <laughs> so uh, what I was going to say is uh, I did... Timothy Oliphant is so good as as Mickey. What I love is the film does such a good job of uh, making you feel like you are walking back down that Billy Loomis path with Gary O'Connell. Like you are you are going to go down that road again, and they're, they're really trying to drive you in that direction. Like, oh man, it's really gonna suck. It sucks that this is the way Sid has to live her life, and so much so because Sid is convinced that that's also true. Sorry, hold on. We got cats, cats and doors, doors and cats. What's going on? The cats, the cats are just being super inconsistent tonight where they want to be inside, outside, inside, outside. Anyway, um, but we're trying to keep it shut to not make so much noise. Anyway, uh, so you are constantly thinking, oh, no, she's going to go through the boyfriend thing again. And then when you get the Mickey reveal and he says, it's OK, Derek, we got her. Oh. And it's like, oh, no, no. So... And he's sitting there and you're like, I really believe that he's not it because he's trying to plead the sin. That it's not he's him. lying it's such a brutal shot when he gets shot it's like it's honestly like really gnarly where he gets shot and and he what, where jesus got stabbed she, she rushes over to try to cover the wound and because she's like oh my god i i was wrong i was wrong i shouldn't have doubted it because he he loved her so much uh the, the yeah and again being a sequel like the, the kills are more brutal uh i think the most brutal one is dewey's no, uh, no. The most brutal one is 100% the guy who, the cop who's sitting on the front of the car and gets smashed in with a uh, pipe yeah. 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 Because you see his head moving around afterwards. Yeah. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. I think he's most emotional that I will say. Sure. That's uh, again, even though Dewey survives. That's the, that's the thing of like, um, so Mag has a comment here, Ben, if you can bring that up. Um, I can see why Randy had to be killed because he would have been a, f- a fail to the killer foil to the killer or couldn't keep up uh, character development than the rest i don't i don't disagree with that but also it's a really effective kill because you do kind of wonder like okay well we're in a sequel territory who's safe or how much are we franchising this um and randy was a fan favorite character from the first film and to kill him off almost halfway through the movie um at the end of what is essentially a really hilarious kind of Scooby-Doo riff of Gale and uh, Dewey just tackling teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Randy goes out sad. I think that's a pretty sad setup for his death. Um, mostly because I like Randy as a character. So I think mm-hmm. that's, that's harsh. And for a long, mm-hmm. a long time that held me back on putting Scream 2 on the quality level film that I, th- that I think it is because I was like, they killed Randy and they did it stupid. Um, and I'm I'm more okay with it these days because I think it was the right call. I think that you needed to kill Randy um, because I think that that's the direction that character needed to go in. I, I think you were going to um, neuter some amount of development for the other characters if we were constantly having Randy uh, talk about the rules and and Randy was the one who I felt like wasn't allowed to grow the least because he was still being love lord over Sid yes and if the end game isn't him getting together with Sid then he's got to move forward from that yeah yeah so I think killing him was the right call and also doing it while the audience still loves him um, is the right call before he overstays his welcome also his little soul patch goatee thing was awful and just like you said Brandon uh, it makes it makes the other characters feel like we could lose any of them at any time we got stakes um yeah i i think that's right but the other one i'm less 
okay with is that Elise, uh, sorry, um, Elise Neal's uh, Hallie goes out sad. Her her roommate. And I feel bad for her. She just gets oh, jumped. Yeah. Hallie did should have gone out better if she had to go out at all. I kind of wish I, at this point in my life, I'm like, she should have stuck around for at least one more movie. They should have kept her around. Yeah. Um, it sucks. I think that's a shitty death. I think that's a shitty setup. I like the action scene of the car stuff and the tension of them getting out of the car scene. That's a great scene. But her oh, yeah. just like, it's good that Sid decides that, you know, I want to face this. I want to stop running. But like just having her stand over there by by the thing. And it's like somehow Ghostface got around to that corner. All the way and around. And then pops out and gets her. And I'm yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah. She yeah. was the one who said to run. Like find a different moment to kill her. She went out too sad. Um, I think she she doesn't get a lot of lip service, but I think she's an important like grounded friend for Sid. Uh, that that it's worthwhile to have her there. A good supporting friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I think it's really. I that's the only kill where I was kind of like, that's how'd Ghostface do that? Because he's because it's just Timothy Oliphant at that moment, and where it's applied to be that that one because. Uh, he's beaten up already when, when he takes off the mask. Right. Um, so it's if it's just him, you don't have the excuse of, well, the other killer was there and that's how he got around so quickly. I'm trying right. to tr- track in my brain how they would have missed him. And I'm like, there's just no way. There's no way he could have got over there. Right, especially <laughs> because like the thing is, like, sure, Sydney's facing away from the car, but Hallie isn't. No. Yeah. Um, and like you can do suspension of disbelief, but it's it's to the degree where I'm like, it's the one should Hallie like, maybe not have should have died here. Yeah, the answer is yes. Or just make it have. way more creative. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because the tension, way. the tension of that scene is so wonderful, and you oh. don't need to kill someone in that scene because it that it's just that tension there. And sorry, Ben's stretching was distracting. Um, when when he uh, when when I lost my point. No, it's it's that that first time I ever watched that scene uh, with the car with the car and everything that that is a true edge of your seat moment where I was just like the whole time like, oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably one of the best tension building scenes in the franchise. It really is. It's a super good one. Um, they did a really great job with that scene, yeah. uh, especially like the 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 thoughtfulness of the pipe going through just enough so that they could peel the back grate to get out of the cop car. The fact that it was a cop car and like it all organically fit in very well. I'm like, this was so well crafted. This is, oh, yeah. such the, a such an uncomfortable moment. Going back to the the Dewey the Dewey kill, but before that, like hiding in what looks like almost like a maze of soundproof rooms, like going in between like corridors. Uh, brilliant. And then she hides behind the glass and like goes face to stalking around. Uh, so she can't hear Dewey. Yeah. And I think again that that's that is a that is a incredible like like kill scene because Gail like uh, uh Courtney Cox is like delivering a great performance. Like seeing this guy get killed again, basically. Uh, the 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 sec the the new love of her life again getting stabbed. Uh, it's brutal in the way it's like he gets up. I love he always cleans his blade. I love that. I don't know why. It's just like so sadistic. Yeah, next one. One of the things that makes Ghostface such such a fun killer is that there, you know, is is what what Spark said. He's fallible. You know, he he can he can be tripped up. He can be found out. He can be knocked unconscious. And and it makes a lot of tension scenes, but also a lot of comedy scenes. I think one of the funniest things in this movie is that he gets caught playing the tape in the when Gale and Dewey are about to have sex with the thing, and they see the tape and they look up and they look up and there he's like, oh shit, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that's very funny. Yeah, just like Ghostface, like no matter who it is, uh, they're really clumsy and they love to murder. 
So like they like murder is their number one priority. So they become clumsy because they are so they are so locked in on murder, and they will just run into anything. They will the amount of times Ghostface is like trapped behind a door and he's doing the arm thing. You you you've done it like six times, my guy. You're not getting in. Um, it's a good shot. I love it. And and another thing I love about the Ghostface killers is that you get to uh, you know Sydney confronting them, the reveal at the end, and Sydney always makes them feel so pathetic. And mm -hmm. like you, you're just nothing to me. Like you think you did all this and it's impressive and it isn't. I'm not afraid of you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean shit. And I can't wait to talk about next week because like one of my favorite things about Scream Three is the teardown of the killer in that one. Because holy shit, then you're in for it. I love. Um, I'm I lo so excited. I love. I forgot. I wonder how I felt when I saw it younger. When I was young, because I don't remember how I felt. But now that I'm where I am, I love Mrs. Loomis as a killer because that is like, on paper, it's so stupid. It is so dumb. This random throwaway character that's mentioned in the first movie. Um, I just love how I love how like her motive, it's not, it's not, it's it's rational to want revenge yeah. on the girl who killed your son. That's totally normal feel. I'm totally normal. I love that idea. Uh and, and then, she and she commits. She's so she good. She's so committed that it's like this works. This works because she is absolutely committed to uh her wide-eyed bullshit yeah uh and then yeah picking up little mickey like the perfect little protege wants to make the, the ultimate sequel um and, well, I and, love it. Yeah, this, like, and the teardown the teardown of mickey from mrs loomis when he when when she kills him and she's just like did you buy that did you buy that court case thing for a second like isn't that so stupid yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah oh his idea <laughs> mickey yeah. mickey was quite a find and uh he's like yeah just need a little funding a little backing serial killer in the making oh yeah she's like yeah on the internet there's you know there's only like 76 you know like uh, finding him on the internet was like was easy peasy like that's uh, i love it uh i'm going back to the beginning because we we did breeze past it a little jada, bit uh jada, jada pinkett smith and omar epps deaths are also pretty impressive oh my god i forgot um, that pretty jarring and and crazy to see um specifically like uh, something I love is that once you know Timothy Oliphant is Mickey, uh, if you go back and you watch the bathroom scene with Omar Epps, you listen closely. You can tell they recorded Timothy Oliphant saying the, these it's weird a, a word salad <laughs> that, that gets Omar Epps to lead in. And he's using this weird high-pitched voice, but it's very clearly Oliphant's actual voice. And I'm like, this is so goofy. I forgot how like he, he puts all of his clothes on to sit back down with her. Yeah. Uh, I thought at first, I didn't realize, I thought she wasn't going to discover blood. It was that he was a white man. And I thought she was going like, to hold his hand and like, wait a minute. Uh, no. The fact that the audience was going crazy and everyone is fake murdering their friends. So when she's actually getting murdered, no one pays attention. Right. And her, and scream, her going up onto the screen. Her yeah. guttural scream. Ah! Like, it's so good. Like, and then holding on her, laying there for a moment before we get the scream two title. <laughs> there's, there's a moment where she gets stabbed in the aisle and blood splatters onto the guy next to him. Uh, next next to her and, she, and he goes and you just see the guy like what what happened yeah uh-huh yeah uh no, great no, again, like, uh, hiring famous people to be in the opening of your movie to trick them i i really love it it's always fun i I, doing it. I also this is the invention of the stab franchise which will be a remaining thing throughout the, the rest of the films very Brilliant. smart now they can meta comment on their own meta comment bullshit films of their own murders that they created that's happening and in, in tandem and at the same time and it really works for me i think it's really funny yeah um i'm so i'm so glad we're doing this i forgot how good these movies are and it, it, if like i again it's been a while since i've seen scream 3 but like if that is the quote-unquote worst one and then i have 
a two more great movies after that, then this is an incredible franchise. Yeah. This is an incredible franchise. And like uh, Scream 3 is the weakest for sure, but I don't think it's bad. Yeah. Bad. yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's it, not this, the is first not, this is not on the level of, of the others. It yeah. just isn't. But it's still like trying to be as creative and inventive and meta as the other ones. Yeah. So like, it's not like it's being lazy. It's well, just, it's not as good as the other ones. We'll get into that next week. For yeah, sure. yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, There are some really interesting needle drops in this movie. I think specifically of like, when we kill Sarah Michelle Giller, we just focus on her dead body down there. And then it's just like playing teen party rock as he cleans the knife and we move on to the next scene. Um, the, 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 the thing that I, I, I really like about uh, Ghostface is a killer. Once again, is um, when we see him in the background uh, being sneaky, it never looks menacing. It always looks silly. Yeah. Like when he when when he when when he like comes in through the door and he's just like, whoop, whoop, yes. and it's just it like never, it never looks smooth. They're not yeah. good at their jobs. <laughs> and never... then there's the, the in the first one there's the there's the zoom in into the bushes and he's it's the Bigfoot moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Um, again, just like the first one, they do a great job in this film of, I again I think Mickey and uh, Mrs. Loomis are both consistent with who they reveal themselves to be at the end they are those characters in the scenes that lead up to it you can see the nuggets when you go back you can see the things that they're doing that are leading into it specifically um i really love that these two moments are back to back uh what happens is that um mrs loomis is trying to throw suspicion onto dewey in front of the other reporters and it immediately cuts to mickey sitting down at a table with Derek and uh trying to throw suspicion onto randy and so they're both like tag teaming, getting both of them uh, uh, under the bus at the same time. And I was like, man, that's really, that's really smart when you know they're the killers at it. So like one, two punch right there. They're both throwing their old friends under the bus. Working multiple angles. Yeah. Yeah. Cover their bases. Wasn't yeah, yeah. there a scene, wasn't there a moment where she tries to throw speculation onto Cotton where she's talking to Gail and is like, well, it just seems to me. Uh, no, that's uh, that's when she's talking about Dewey. And she says, Dewey. well, it just seems to me like if if uh, the killer is mimicking the, the murders from Woodsboro, then the killer might be from Woodsboro. Um, we haven't Cotton, even talked Cotton about Cotton Weary yet. is the thing that Gail gets onto. Yeah, Liam Shriver comes back as Cotton Weary. Gail pulls her really bullshit move to thrust it, uh, Sydney into a... <laughs> uh, a meeting again with him, which Diane Sawyer getting punched in the face. One again. of the, the scene between Cotton and Sydney when he's trying to convince her to do the Diane Sawyer thing, and he's like, he's like slowly getting more and more personal, and he's like doing like the you know the t- the typical like uh, aggressive male things you do. And I'm like, this is one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen. Uh, the way he like he touches her and he's like doing like his like fake laugh. I'm like, this is so menacing. But this man is innocent. He, but he's not he, acting like it. He has this. He has this kind of uh, thing about him. This chip on his shoulder, like I'm owed this fame because of yeah. what you did to me. And he's got and like you. You think of okay. He the first time we see him, we're like, oh, okay. Gail's kind of stringing him around, and he really just wants to move past this. And then very quickly throughout the movie, you realize he's not the killer, but the only thing he cares about is his fame, and he does not want to lose that. And it's it's. <laughs> The, the only way you can get famous is to continue to talk about the thing you didn't do. Yeah. Like, it's a weird way to get famous. Like, oh, I didn't kill someone. Here, I should be famous for it. Um, and, like, that—that that is that is people. That is how people chase fame. Oh, like, it, that does happen. Um, it's just really gross. And, like, luckily, like, not luckily, but, like, Cotton is such an interesting character. Like, by the end, like, he's, like, he is redeemed in a way. Uh, like, he is a, a, 
good person who just, you know, you need to chill out a little bit, bro. Don't be so aggressive. Yeah. All right. Um, let me see here. Uh, Luke Wilson, uh, in particular, as Billy Loomis is hilarious. So that was good. incredible. Tori Spelling, I love it. Um, that hair. I really, really love when Derek knows that Sydney's put pushing him away, and he breaks into the "I think I love you," and Jer oh. Jerry O'Connell can do just the right amount of "I'm not very good at singing, but it's just passable enough." Yeah. <laughs> Um, to make it charming and sweet, and it's a nice moment with the Greek letters and everything. I think that's really cute. Man, the, uh, the late '90s were were rife with this, which like, again, like yeah. really endears you to him. And it's it's at that scene that you're like, I really, really hope you're not the killer. Yeah, he sees really, real, and it makes the oh, ending all charming. the more sad. And like poor Derek, oh my god. That kind of goes to the to the predictability and the unpredictability of the Scream franchise is that you know he's playing he, at this point they're they're actively playing with what your expectations for the sequel are going to be through Randy and a lot of time where he's like it could be it could be the boyfriend again um, trying to recreate them the, for the first movie and so like you're playing with the idea Wes Craven is playing with the idea that the audience has this in their mind already they are they are slasher film fans you're going to see this and you're having this moment where like. Well, it could be Jerry O'Connell. It could be the he could be the killer in this one. Is that the predictable way to go? But it's so predictable, it could be unpredictable. Yeah, right. I mean that's like the whole thing of like, what's better than having a motive? Not having any motive of all. That's so next generation, isn't it? And like, these killers are so stupid. I love every single one of them. What's the what's the line? It's the millennium. You don't need a motive. Yeah, yeah motives. Yeah. Motives are overrated. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, I love it uh circumstantial motives are circumstantial um uh i like i really like dewey trying to look after sid that's why he shows up and mentioning that if there is a new killer then they're probably already in her life yep uh, i think that's really sharp I, I i like the way they introduce that so you can start looking at your suspects immediately yeah um the repetition thing of the names of the victims was a fun little goofy touch oh yeah the killing the same names yeah uh, or or like attributed names like steven was in the last name instead of the first name but it was still there uh, in the order that they were killed in the first one i thought that was fun uh but then after that it goes away <laughs> uh because they start just like having to kill people um and i really well, they even say killing randy wasn't in the wasn't in the plan he just pissed off mrs loomis yes by, yeah. by making fun of uh billy he insulted uh, my boy and mm -hmm. i got a little knife happy <laughs> got a little knife happy she's so yeah. she's so good she's so good at being committed to exactly the killer that she is um uh, I really love the scene where Randy and Dewey are running down the list of suspects um, and like who can make sense. And, and Dewey's like, so you think it's this? And it's like, well, hold on there. <laughs> and just throwing them out. It's like, well, if you're a suspect, I'm a suspect. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, Chemistry is great between everybody. It really is. They're, they're a really fun cast to watch. And then uh, I love Sid turning the set against Mrs. Loomis at the end before mm -hmm. cotton shows up and helps her save the day oh yeah, um, yeah i really love that i love the all the set pieces dropping down and then just because i gotta highlight because i i think it's just a really incredible stunt every time the part where gail gets shot on accident by timothy oliphant and flips down oh into my the god pit yeah and flips the thing she's standing on with her so that there's no more bridge and cotton has to hop over and also so mrs loomis can't run out of the stage uh when she's trapped that stunt is amazing every time I see it where like the thing like flips with her. I'm like, what an incredible stunt. It looks so good. What did she say? Like when she's trying to get out of there, I can't remember, but uh, she's like, <laughs> are you okay? It's like, no, I've been shot. Yeah. yeah I've been shot. There's this really interesting thing that happens in the screen movies when, and especially in this one, when both Gail and Dewey are supposedly dead. Um, 
and you have this thing, you have, you have this relief that they're not, and it doesn't feel like you've been faked out. It feels like, oh, thank goodness, I did, was yeah. not ready to say, say goodbye to these characters. It would be at this point, I think, if Randy had a similar fake out, people would be relieved to see Randy uh, alive. Um, but Gail and Dewey having both these fake outs doesn't feel cheap. It feels like a gift to the audience. Like actually these characters you like are still alive. Right. Yeah. Again, yeah. like everybody, like the stakes are real for all the characters and like you want all of your heroes to survive, but like nobody is safe except Sydney. Uh, Mag has a comment about Stu's uh, interest in the franchise. Um it's the only what? time Stu gets referenced in the fr in the franchise being brain dead or in a comatose state that could be used in future screen movies. They say that I didn't. I don't I remember. Don't, that. I didn't catch that. I don't. Clock I, didn't that. Catch it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I believe you. That. I believe you because like that is a big prevailing theory right now that Scream Screevy it is it is the mastermind Matthew Lillard twenty years later. Um, either that or it's a whole theater troupe. That's this fine. isn't this isn't going to give away three. Uh, but there were there was uh. Uh, he was contracted to return in three, yeah. uh, but they cut him out completely. Yeah, right. he, he was going to be in three, and they just and he's ultimately... in this he's in this movie at the party, and you you can find him if you want to. Yeah, I heard um, about that. He's in the party. In the yeah, it's his it's twin brother Drew. <laughs> All uh, right. Yeah, uh, I I just think it's it's really really good. I think it's a real good one. Absolutely. I like it a lot. Uh, I. Also rate this one a ten. Oh yeah, I rate it a nine. I think it's it's very 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 good. Uh, just obviously, just not as not as tight. It's it's a sequel trying to do more, and it still does everything pretty pretty pretty, pretty great. Nine. Yeah, I'm saying it's nine as well. Uh, eight point five. These are all good scores. Solid, solid, two solid. Ben, good movies. Ben, this was your first foray into Scream, 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 Scream Two. You didn't get to say a lot about Scream Two at the end there. You want any last thoughts on it? Not really. Um, I pretty much gave most of the thoughts I had. Uh, this once again, this is my first time seeing it. So like, the more I'll see it, or the more I do watch it, I might have more to say about it. I know I had a few little tiny little criticisms about Scream Two and also even Scream One, like how uh, Henry Winkler, the like, city's cop, one um. When Sydney's being interviewed and he you know he like pulls like pushes like pulls her head up like hey are you doing okay okay and the cops are like mm -hmm. nothing no, <coughs> excuse me nothing becomes of that uh, <coughs> he's dying bloody hell Ben yeah. Ben are you okay can you hear me Good Ben some water real quick while Ben's drinking some water Mag did point out that they give uh, Scream two a nine point five they also said earlier Scream is a nine or a nine point five um, two great movies I I, yeah. I, I really do wish wash on like is scream 2 truly better to me than scream 1 i think they're both really great i films. think it's like I'm so happy with it, it honestly like depends on what you look are you looking for a little more like bombastic murder movie than two is your bet you know uh, uh they're both they're both great two yeah. things real quickly ben yes are you excited to continue sure i like to see how so how excited i like to see how these how these movies keep going forward um i was told that Three is a bit of a dip, but four, five, and uh, four and five are really good, de are decent slasher films. I have so far, seen, like... I have seen Scream three three times, and I have only remembered one of those times. I've seen it <laughs> once, so I'm excited because I saw it once, like as a teenager. I'm like, I don't need to see this ever this again. Gonna be, this is going to be a wild, yeah. wild week. It's been I'm so excited. Fifteen years, probably. I'm 31 now, so 16 years, probably. So, God, since do you, I... do you remember who the killer is? 
I once I see everyone in the movie, I probably will. But right now, I can't. I can't vote any. Uh, Sparks. Yeah. You might need to make that a perfect ten uh, uh, video soon. The perfect ten. Yeah, you know, if we all give something a ten, we play oh. a video being like, "Hey, perfect tens." Uh, yeah. Well, Scream didn't get it quite yet, so. <laughs> no. Well, I'm just saying we might want to be prepared. Sure. Sure. Um, cool. Although I was the only one to put five cream on their top fifteens. <gasps> oh no. It's a good. It's still a good movie. Yeah. I okay. Love, I love five cream. Me too. I love. Um. Five I really like five cream. I can't wait. Okay. So. This is a great time. I'm so I'm so pleased to be doing this. I'm so pleased to have been in the room with Ben because Ben joined us for these two. Uh, I'm so pleased to have seen Ben experience these. His reaction when Mrs. Loomis showed up was just chef's kiss. <laughs> wonderful. I was so happy. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm very I'm really happy that we that we're doing this. Um, so the 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 episode is running late because we had the DC slate to talk about. Uh, I highly doubt that a Scream three and four episode will go on nearly as long. But you are able you to know. listen to this episode uh, separately. Should you want to? Should we go into our book club? Yes, let's do it. Before we move on, real quick, Brandon Grayson, I am excited. I'm just tired right now. Here, I got a dice. If you want, if you want to roll deception, was that actually? You know what? Fudge it. Why not? Let me roll deception. Let me get my d20 out real quick. Up oh, there it is. Well, while Ben does that, well, Ben Ben rolls because we've become a and D pop. I got thirteen. Podcast. I don't know what that means. Okay, right, I'm Ben. Ben, take it away. So my book club, I um, I remember picking up a certain Marvel book a long time ago, and I could have swore I read it for the podcast. Maybe I meant talked about it, but I remember reading it, and that book is Marvel 1602 by Neil Gaiman. Now, that's not the book club for this um, show. The book club is going back to the 1602 era with Fantastic Four 1602, written by Peter David, drawn by Pascal Alixe, and inked by John Livesay. And I just wanted to go back because I really enjoyed Marvel 1602. For those of you who do not know, Marvel 1602 is essentially the Marvel Universe, but placed in the year 1602, where it's like it's Victorian era. It's old timey. James the first is king of England. And you see all your favorite Marvel characters as people living in this era of of Europe. Of and people hating, hating women and being racist. Woo! Yeah, oh, yeah oh. I was was not expecting that when I picked up this, when I started reading oh, this. Man. So Peter David. Yeah, so um, what did you guys think of this? Because even I have to admit, at first I was like kind of excited. I was like, yeah, Fantastic Four, 1602. And then the more I, I was reading, I was like, Ugh. All right, so I'm going to be positive first. I think the six, I think 1602 is a great comic. I think the idea is great. The fact that we revisited it several times after is a cool idea. I love alternate universes. I think the art's awesome. I love the art. Specifically, I think like the Doctor Strange, excuse me, Doctor Doom design, incredible. I love it. I love a lot of designs for these characters. Um, I love Medusa. I Medusa's awesome. Design. I can buy that Medusa 1602 variant because uh, uh, it, it looks great. Um, I think the writing, for the most part, I think it's I think it's good. Peter David is a good writer. Like like objectively, that dude is good with words. He's really good with like classic literature shit. Like he loves Shakespeare. Clearly, he loves him. He put him in this in this. I think the idea is really fun. Kidnapping Shakespeare to write your memoir. I think that's an awesome idea. The problem is Peter David. The, he he has a problem with women. 
um, in a lot of his comics, he writes some egregious shit, especially with pregnant women. I don't know what he has against pregnant women, but this is not the first time he's written a, a, a pregnant woman as his main character uh, uh, poorly. Um, I think it's a fun book. If I was reading this back in 2006, um, I think I like the, the fridging of Black Widow for no good reason. It's a good Doctor Doom thing to do, but I don't think it's the right choice for this book. The way that Johnny Storm kidnaps a woman against her will um, is really a problem. Uh, and then, of course, because it's a man writing it, they write it in a way that, oh, he's like, oh, he's doing it for her intentions because, like, she needs to get out of this arranged marriage and he's a good person. Well, and it's the 1600s, so, like, this, So it's this totally happens. fine, yeah. Like, women rights, what are those, right? So, like, I think there's an incredible... Just shitty veneer to hide it behind. Yes. There's, there's really great stuff here. It's just unfortunate that, especially like in the 2000s, like Peter David was really big in the 90s and 2000s. Like his type of writing, when it involves women, can be really shit. Oh yeah. Um, I think a lot of his, his male characters are pretty good. Like I really like his Doctor Doom. I think he's got a great voice for Doctor Doom. Mm. Um, I think he's got a great voice for for Ben Grimm when he's also not being a chauvinist for no reason. Uh, that really, that really, he he's like women on a ship. What are they doing here? And I'm like Ben and what is going on here? Um, besides that, I think it's a I think it's a fun book. It's just, it's mired by some real shitty decisions. I want to go next. Hell yeah. Because I have one thing I want to say about this book, and one thing only. Only? It was a decent swashbuckling uh, adventure book. All right. Yeah, Sparks. yeah. I, I love, I, I like a lot of the elements of it. It's just like, like some of your choices that you make, again, just all of your female characters, it's, 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 it bums me out that like also just like Marvel was cool with putting this book out because I'm just like the way the the scene with the invisible woman and you see her fetus like that's wild that's a wild thing yeah. to do. Um, I I love the Fantastic Four. Um, also, why does the covers why do they not look like the Fantastic Four in the book? Why does the Reed in this book have in the covers have like a beard and then he doesn't have yeah. a beard? Yeah, I was I was, yeah, I, was I was real quickly Ben. I was actively mad about that. So when you said I like the art, I said, eh, I would have rather the characters look like the covers. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I think like the art itself, like it's it's really good. I see, I like I don't think this is why I didn't want to talk. I, nope. I had the one no, thing. I'm it. done. No, do it. No, it's fucking garbage. <laughs> like I sat there, I sat there reading this damn book, thinking to myself, am I supposed to like this? Is this supposed to be something I'm supposed to like? Because I'm not going on the show and talking about how much I hate this book. And the three of you are like, oh my God, it's fucking amazing. This it's, book is well, garbage. Not. It is chauvinistic. It is misogynistic. It is ugly. Frankly, I don't like the art. I did not. I don't care for the art. I think That's it is an fair. ugly book. It is an ugly art style whose characters, whose character designs are way better on the fucking covers. If I, I'm, I was, I was, I, I, it is a fucking miracle. I finished this garbage. If I may, Brandon, while I was reading this, I too immediately regret it or not immediately, but I too regret my decision on picking this book. Cause as I was reading it, I was like, it's, this is, I was like, man, first of all, yeah, the characters, like the, the, the way they look on the covers, they don't look the same way in the book. Okay. That sucks. Cause I really kind of want to see like a bearded Reed Richards. But the more I'm reading this, is like, yeah, the the, the chauvinistic stuff did, definitely turned me off. Um, there were some decent Doctor Doomos. Like, I did like the moment where he threw Natasha off the thing because she was like, hey, let's not do this dumb quest. But then all the other stuff, I was just like, this is just bad. I I was really... 
I was enjoying the parts when it was just Doctor Doom kidnapping William Shakespeare. Sure. Yeah. That stuff, the swashbuckling aspect is really fun. The Doctor Doom stuff, I really actually, I really like. It's everything else that I'm just like, it's 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 if I I just don't understand why the, this choice why these choices were made. Why you Especially... tell the Fantastic Four story in this way specifically? Like why why is Sue pregnant? For this story, what what does that add to it other than she's a strong, pregnant female character who doesn't get treated well by anybody? Not only that, the biggest problem I have with this book is at the very, very end where the Watcher comes out and Reed thinks he saw God. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I mean, I know I haven't read enough Fantastic Four in my life to make a a real – to, to make a, like a character study about Reed Richards, but I feel like I've read enough to know that Reed Richards is a man of science and he will always be a man of science. And well, even in 1602, he should be a man. He is a man of science, but then he's like, you see the watcher. He's like, I saw God. Well, well real quick, not, like, not in- to give credit to the book, but at the whole point, like one of the points of the book is that he is a man of science and, and his wife is like, you need to believe in God more. So this is him seeing a version of a God. Importantly, this is also like, if you're going from the original 1602, it does incorporate for all of the characters for what it's interpreting. The fact that God means something more to everyone in the culture at the time. It just is. And I do think that the comic is trying to carry on a piece of that here. Um, That's not me defending this comic. That's just me saying like, those things are connected. Like it is trying to live in its time period. And it's time period is that everybody has a very particular belief about God. So it's actually weird for Reed not to. Um, And that's part of it. Anyway, that being said, what I'll say that hasn't been said, um, because I pretty much agree with what has been said, especially from Brandon, um, is that... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, to me, what I didn't... You don't need to be sorry. I'm saying I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel bad that gets all mad. To me... No, no, dude. Uh, what, I think this this was one of those... Sorry, sorry, Sparks, but this is one of those book clubs that I just, like, just, like, threw a dart at and landed hat. on. I was like... Oh, out of a hat. Ben. Yeah. Sparks. Yeah. Uh, to me, what's so disappointing about this is that um, when you go, like, especially because I went this week from 1602 to this, 1602 is doing such a good job of, like, thematically thinking about how this time period affects things that we should know about these characters and how it's incorporating it and how it's making little sly references or developing these these little details about who they would be and how it would be work in this time period and all these kinds of things. And this is just, like it's a dressed up 1600s Fantastic Four story and like the most paint by numbers Fantastic Four story I've ever seen, especially when you include Namor at the end. Like, it's just like, these are all the things that like, if you've kind of heard about the Fantastic Four, you expect to see in a Fantastic Four story. It's Reed being very sciencey and not paying enough attention to his wife. It's Ben clobbering things. It's Doom uh, being being very into Doom things and then being like, how did I mistake this Doom? And then it's Namor being like really into sue and trying to take her away from reed it's reed getting jealous and it's johnny storm just being into all the women and that's all of it and i'm like this is the most like bland direct tropey commonplace fantastic four stuff like there's nothing special about it being said in this time period not really yeah um there's nothing it's special only about, about it's william shakespeare is the only that's there's the only, nothing yeah. special about the story yeah if yeah. this comic book had "Tis the Clobbering Hour" on it, it, as dialogue in this book, I would give it a little bit more enjoyment. Um, but it doesn't, and I really despise despise the choice to make Sue completely invisible. Then that's her power; she only has invisibility, and she is invisible. She cannot control it, or whatever, whatever. 
however, that's done. And so she's translucent also. So like she acts very much like the like the like uh, Wonder Woman's invisible jet, which is ridiculous. Um, because that's not how invisibility works. Um yeah. you're not see-through when you're invisible. Um and and and, and what, so when you have this there's a boy's character called translucent he's invisible and he's not translucent um but like and then you have like the her her she becomes visible only so the book can do the trope of namor liking sue there was not there was no thought to that decision to make sue completely invisible what that would mean for the character what that would be it's so surface level and then you realize your mistake halfway through the book of like oh well if i'm gonna have namor in this book I had to make Sue visible somehow. Uh, she uses a lot of powers and she's visible again. And like the uh, no, I'll, I was thinking of something really cool, but it's from 1602. <laughs> it's from the original <laughs> book. It's about it's it's, Cy, it's Cyclops and and Jean Grey. Uh, Cyclops uh, uh, shooting the ocean to to launch yeah. a boat into the air, and then Jean Grey uh, using her mind to keep it afloat. So it's the helicarrier, but it's an old boat. And Nick Fury is like the commander of a yeah, floating helicarrier. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's not the story. Um, again, like this book would be this book's not good. Uh uh, it is somewhat salvaged for me because how much I love Doctor Doom and how unfortunate, like Peter David is is a decent writer, uh uh only with men of, of, certain, for, of, of certain characters. Of certain characters, yeah. And like I wish I felt this way about his read, but I think his read's pretty boring. Um, it's just hey, what do you know about Reed Richards? That's all this book is, like the the the, the, the tropey shit. Uh, whereas Doctor Doom, I think Doctor Doom's hilarious. Uh, I think the mask is really cool. Uh, I love his minions. I love the Vulture minions. Uh, I love the Fearsome Four. All the Doctor Doom stuff, I'm a big fan of. Um, it's just unfortunate that this couldn't have been just a Doctor Doom book. It had to be a Fantastic Four book where where he he is not good at writing 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 women. Uh, real quick, I talk about um, X Factor. Uh, so there's Siren. Hmm. There's Teresa, uh, 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 Teresa Cassidy, and there's the Multiple Man, right? Multiple Man, he can make dupes of himself, right? He creates a clone of himself. That clone will do something. He can absorb it back into his body and get that data, get that, get that information, right? He has he has a baby with with Simon, with Teresa. Uh, when that baby is born, she gives the baby to Jamie Madrox, and what happens? The baby gets absorbed to Jamie and it dies. That's what happens in X Factor One Hundred. Um, Peter David has a thing about pregnant women and it's, it's weird. And I don't know what it is. Cause this is not the first time or the second time or the third time. Something like this has happened in one of his books. Um, and I just, I, I, I'm glad you picked this book, Ben one, because we pick, we read a lot of comics. We read one every week and we try to pick all good books. It's important to read bad books to know what not to do in a comic book. It is important to know what not to do so we can very much realize what a good book should have. Uh, and this is a prime example of, man, remember how comics used to be gross uh, and men who, white men who wrote comics are disgusting? Yeah, this is that perfect era of, of that. Um, so while I, I am I am glad you picked this book, Ben, for for, for some Doctor, great Doctor Doom stuff. I always love a, a, a vulture helicarrier. That's, that's fun. Uh, everything else was awful. And I was so excited. I'm so excited for this one. I'll, I'll agree with the Doctor Doom stuff. Some of that stuff is pretty funny, um, but this is nothing here for me. Yeah, if Doctor Doom weren't in this book, like this would be unsalvageable. Uh, so, I'm so pleased Brandon went off his leash. I love it. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, no. Like this is of all the books like that we've talked about, this is certainly one where that is allowed. Uh, I'm, frankly, uh, frankly, I'm I I'm surprised that came out of me. Yeah. Like 
I was pretty indifferent to the book when I re- when I was reading it, and when I was done, I was like, I just won't have anything to say say during the show. And so, like, just Brandon, something the, the, triggered me about this book. The worst thing would be that you wouldn't say anything, and then that'd be like even worse. So, like, the fact that you, you had a response to this means like this is a ba- this is a bad comic, and it is doing bad things. Uh, this is not what you want to read in a comic book. Uh, and that's a bummer. That's a bummer. I'm glad again. I'm glad to read a comic that I've never read before. It's a shame it wasn't very good. All right. Well, that'll I wish do I could that, forget I this comic. All right. Read, man, if you want, hey, if you you should reread 1602. It's awesome. It's like comparatively, it's a masterpiece. You want to cleanse your palate? That's, that's oh my god. Oh place. my god. The stuff. Oh man, the stuff with Nick Fury. This might it might be my favorite Nick Fury I've ever read. He is. I I miss I miss old Nick Fury. Not that Sam Jackson Nick Fury isn't cool, but old Nick Fury was incredibly ballsy and hardcore in a way that the new Nick Fury just kind of isn't. Um. Yeah, Nick Fury's great. Read 16 up to. All right. Ryan, it's your book club next week. Do you it know sure what is. it is? <clears throat> I sure do. Excuse me. Hey, guys, we're going to see an Ant-Man movie soon, so I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to pick a thing that relates to a thing. Hey, guys, Scott Lang is back, and he's doing better than ever, at least according to him and his daughter, Stinger. Uh, we're going to read Ant-Man that came out in 2020, written by Zeb Wells and drawn by Dylan Burnett with colors by Michael Spicer. I only read the first issue of this book, and it was wonderful. Uh, and then I stopped reading it because that's always what happens with comics. So we're going to read a nice five-issue little Ant-Man miniseries written by Zeb Wells, the god. I, thought you were, I honestly thought you were going to pick the uh, um, Al Ewing Ant-Man. That's, that's way too recent. That's like just came out. Uh, all right. So next week, stay tuned for our discussion of Scream 3 and Scream 4. Sorry, Scriforum. Scream 3 and Scriforum. Um so uh yeah that should be fun uh cool guys thank you so much for listening and watching uh if you can like this video and just subscribe to this channel you can check out all sorts of shows such as fake nerds watch fake nerds watch is our uh, uh tv show we, we talk about tv shows on that one last currently going through the last of us uh sparks ryan and our good friend pie are going through the the last of us episode by episode check that out um the uh, episode five now yes episode four We'll be no, episode five is coming. Episode four aired came tonight, out tonight, so we'll be talking about episode four this week. I'm not talking about that. Uh, episode five is is being is uh, being released on a Friday because of the Super Bowl. Oh, I got you. Okay, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, they just really they just announced that today uh, because the Super Bowl is uh, Sunday. So this Sunday, this coming Sunday, right? Sunday. I wonder yeah. if they're going to move it off of uh, the Oscars as well. Its finale is lined up with Oscars. Oh my God. I don't think they care that much, man. We're gonna have we're gonna have double Pedro Pascal month because it's gonna it's gonna overlap with Mando for a week or two. Yeah, yeah. that's exciting. Um, uh, also next week's Super Bowl trailer. So you know whatever trailers they release for that, we'll sure we'll talk Fast about. And Furious, Fast X, uh, Transformers, Fast X and Transformers for sure. We'll probably get a Secret Invasion. I wouldn't. I oh, would the, the Flash. We're getting the Flash too. We are getting the Flash. Finally getting the Flash. All's good in Flash world. Flashland. Cool. Oh, I remember that. Um, cool. So uh, check out that show, uh, Fickner's Watch, which also has an audio show, which you can find links below. Uh, Basement Arcade, which is a video game Let's Play series. Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series. Of course, you could check out the latest episode of that, which is the Q4 for 2024. Nope. The Q4 for 2022, uh, where the three of these gentlemen, excuse me, uh, what the, 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 the quarterly wrap up. Video games. That's right. 
uh, linked below. Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station also also shows you can check out on this channel. Uh, again, if you like this video, subscribe to this channel. Um, lots of cool, exciting things coming soon. So, of course, check out our Patreon. Check out our TeePublic if you'd like to support us financially. Uh, we'd appreciate any little help you can give us. Um, those are linked below, as well as on our website at FakeNerdPodcast.com, which is linked below. Uh, everything everything you could ever want from the Fake Nerd Podcast, that's there. That's at the at the at at that website. It's a home link for literally everything. And you can find that on linked below. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. Thank you to everyone who watches the replay. We greatly appreciate all of your support. We'd love you guys. Um, thank you to Jeremy Vellucci, who did the mu- all the music you heard here tonight. Uh, what I found. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> wow, I think it's a combo pack that came with the Xbox. Wild. Um, uh, Grayson saying, uh, thank you for the update and company. Sleep well and enjoy the week. Uh, thank you as well, sir. Thank you, Grayson. Um, thank you to Grayson. Thank you to Meg. Uh, thank you to Grayson. Thank you to Meg, of course. Um, you can find Jeremy Vellucci at Jeremy Vellucci Keyboards. Nope, Jeremy Vellucci underscore Wreck of Time. Uh, for his band, The Wreck of Time. You can also find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, uh, on iTunes, Suburban Proctologist Official on Facebook, and Subproc Podcast on Instagram. Thank you to Mike Matola. Big news, Mike Matola will be on the show soon. I am so excited. <laughs> not, not just because I love Mike, but we haven't we haven't done an MCU talk in a long time, and I just like talking about the MCU. So I'm I'm so stoked for this. We are doing, I think I can probably say it now, but we are doing a wrap-up of uh, Phase 4. We're going to rank Phase 4, and this time we're going to do it with Mike Matola. Uh, that episode will be up uh, sometime you know, Sometime after week. the next episode. You know what's going to be really funny? If like he shows up and he's like, yeah, I didn't watch any of them. <laughs> He texted me. He was like, "I gotta, I gotta catch up." When I first approached him about this, like, oh, "I haven't seen this, this, and this, and this." I was like, "You oh, should, yeah. probably should." <laughs> um, Mag says, uh, "No problems. Take care, gang. Later." Of course, thank you. Um, uh, you can find Mike at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, FickerGuys at gmail.com. I'd like to get in touch with us personally. Um, I'm a big Tim McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR. Uh, I edit for kaijuramanmedia.com. Uh, links to the most recent articles that I've done for both of those are down below, um, as well as magazine. And I also write for atomicgeekdom.com. My revisiting the Infinity Saga uh, series is returning soon, so stay tuned. Um, ben? You can find me anxiously waiting for the brand new microphone that I literally ordered at the first hour of us recording this podcast at Ben Mac and Twenty Seven Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find me um, uh, writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine, Old School Gamer Magazine, and GoNintendo.com, as well as playing Mary Frankenstein in the podcast D and Dark, which the link is down in the ser- description below. Uh, by the way, D and Dark. Uh... He doesn't use his blog on our website, but the and Dark is linked through his blog on our website. So, Sparks? Uh, you can find me saying, remember me, Sydney? At Sparks Witty on Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan? You can find me watching all of my favorite scary movies at DJ Tony Snark 616. All right, guys. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. And until next time you see us, stay fake nerds.